way out east. In Fife, there was these fellas. Fellas I want to tell you about. Fellas by the name of Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. Magic Mike. At least that was the handle his cousin gave him. But he never had much use for it himself. But I'll tell you what, this here story I'm about to unfold, well, I guess I heard these fellas, Stuart and the others, the mad one and the others, a Swede, have yapped something for four years now and well, he's up there at episode 200. And in English too. Now this here story I'm about to unfold, they're spending the next few hours talking about Mr. Kurt Vogel Russell. You'll remember him. Dexter Riley, Jack Burton, Snake Plissken, or even John the Hangman Ruth. And they're pushing the boat out. Hell, they've even paid for me to tell you this story. I may sound like Virgil from Tombstone, but I'm not. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, but ah, hell. I've done introduced them enough anyway. Happy 200, boys. So hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast. As our narrator mentioned, I am Stuart Sutherland and joining me across the room tonight, Magic Mike Christie. I'm just going to go because you can't kind of top that, eh? No, I, I'm just going to get the fuck out of here, eh? Hey, <laughs> if I had to get him to talk with me for the next couple hours, that would cost me a lot of money. You're far cheaper, mate. So yes, it is me, Magic Mike. Over the next couple of hours, you'll probably hear me, him, Trevor, Smithy, Ken, Andy, Tom, my budgie, my barons, maybe the missus, I mean, all cunt and their budgie. And Sam. And Sam, yes, uh, knock off Sam Elliott. <laughs> yes. But aye, here's your warning now, my children will probably appear on several occasions throughout this podcast because... They're nosy little bastards. And because we can't get them beer. Yes, we have an abundance of beer and we cannot give it to our cho- no, the children. It's just not right. I know. I know we're in Scotland, but we're better than that. Mm-hmm. So yes, episode 200 is our Kurt Russell spectacular. It is a whole season in one episode. And hell, it's like more than that. We're... Cover more movies than yeah, we normally it's do. It's almost like like two seasons came because like our season usually runs between four and five. This is like what we, seven or eight films. Yes, I uh, hopefully at least seven, depending if all of the That'll schedules align. Yeah. So we've got a few banked. I've still got a few more to record. Bye. This is the main chunk of the show what we're recording just now. Um. So more or less, what we're gonna do throughout the show is run through the filmography of Kurt Russell something we do normally on our episodes like when we talk about the career of a, like a director we run through their filmography yeah. and, and for what I'm looking in front of me Kurt does have one hell of a fucking filmography yes that is like, yeah I'm, I can't I, yeah I don't know any of these on the front page <laughs> yes his early uh, 70s some of his early Disney or western appearances appearances yeah, I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah, I think um, up until the strain, strongest man in the world is when I kind of realised oh, who he was. Yeah, so 
we've printed it all out, we've got references, we've got that, and as I've said, there are several people appearing on this episode, so when we get to certain films in his filmography, it's going to switch out from me and Mike, and we'll have like a wee Kurt Russell sound drop, and then when it cuts back, it will be me and a special guest discussing that film. But before we get into the main discussion, we've got some listener questions. Yeah. We've reached out and they have two of them. But actually, we're here. We're celebrating. We may as well crack open a beer. Ah, let's get the fucking beers. Yes. Films and Swearing 200, sponsored by Bud Light. Thank you. Oh. Fucking. I feel like, should we go on Stone Cold? Knocking back to... Uh, well, I have to go for the wee clink. I know. Cheers, Aye. You got carried away with it. Well, no, you were um, quite enthusiastic with that hashtag, pumping you through a cut. I know, I'm I'm rather proud of that. Aye. I'm getting pumped through it. I think I'm going <laughs> Can't to change, even say it. I think I'm going to change my Twitter handle with that. <laughs> Aye, aye. Or, or at least through cut. Aye. I wish I I don't think the man has Twitter. I'm kind of wishing no. he did. Yeah, I don't think he does. Because I would have loved to have got like at least a wee like <laughs> thumbs up or that. Aye. Or a wee or just a wee gif of him like shooting the ceiling in big trouble. <laughs> it's either it's just like one of those emojis where they've just got the hand on the chin going. All right, this boy wants to get pumped full of me. <laughs> 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 Probably not the weirdest thing he's had since him. But yes, listener questions. Stuart McPherson, long-time loyal listener, asks, what do you think is his most overlooked slash underrated role? You got an answer on the tip of your tongue, Mike? I have been kind of dwelling on that question when you sent me earlier on, mm-hmm. like when I was at work, and I was kind of looking through films that I've seen, and I generally think one of his like, most overlooked roles is probably the role of uh, as Eldon Perry in Dark Blue. Oh yeah, aye, aye, which recently... For the Arrow treatment. This year, wasn't it? Yeah, aye. Aye. That, aye, that is definitely one of his more overlooked roles. Now, myself, I was going to say... Well, you'll hear the night we have a physical notes. There's actual paper, so you're gonna hear a lot of rustling. Yeah, no, uh, I reckon if it's more overlooked, underrated, or maybe just a guilty pleasure. But I fucking love Captain Ron. I like Captain Ron growing up. Yeah, and like him, Martin Short, they're total chalk and cheese. Yeah, uh, um, but he was like like the drunk here. Like he was. Yeah, he was like he was. Uh, Kurt Russell was like the the Captain Jack. He was could get a boat, do this that thing. He had a pr- like a drinking problem. Uh, Martin Short was like this businessman that needed to cut loose, and they were just like all oh, the hijinks they would get into. Yeah. I haven't seen that film in probably about twenty years. Aye, and there's he, he fucking kicks a bit wearing a an eye patch. Aye, like then this is after Escape from New York, and. There's just this point where they realise halfway through that he, he, he still has both eyes. Yeah. Like he wakes up and it, like he looks around, and lifts up the eye patch to get a better look, and <laughs> then puts the patch back down. Uh. I mean, he had a good part in Vanilla Sky, but that film was fucking weird. Never seen it. Yeah, it was one of the weirdest fucking Tom Cruise films. It was just like pushing the limit. Obviously, like, am I enjoying this or is this 
Like, was it too weird for its own good? I think maybe a controversial choice is Stuntman Mike. Oh, the yeah. The Death Proof, because he kind of goes full Nicolas Cage. Aye. In this. And I mean, I've, I've, I've only ever seen the film once, and I picked it up recently the other week, and I'm looking forward to delving back into it. Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think everybody agrees that it's probably like the weaker Tarantino film. Yes, aye, but, aye. I mean, it's cut Russell away. You know, I know. It's him driving about in a car, killing birds. <laughs> I know, I, I do feel like I really need to revisit that soon because I haven't seen it since, more or less just when Grindhouse eventually went online. I did enjoy his role in uh, The Best of Times, which is his film with Robin Williams. And it's about two guys playing football in college. And Kurt Russell was like the linebacker, like the star player, and Robin Williams was the opposite. And so they had like this big play. Kurt Russell throws the ball, and fucking Robin Williams drops it. Like manage, he's ready there, and he slips, drops the ball, and like the town's never recovered since. And the same way, Robin Williams, he's never managed to feel successful in life at all because of that one fucked up play. And Kurt Russell, whilst you expect him to be this huge football player now, just works in a garage, repairing trucks. It was yeah. just like, it was at the right time, it was like mid-80s comedy, and Robin Williams was trying to like seek the approval of his father-in-law because nothing's going right, and he thinks if he could do this football game again and get the play right this time, it'll fix everything. Yeah. I always look for it on um, Now TV, but they never fucking have it. I just... I want them to show fucking Overboard though. Mm. Aye, I haven't seen that in a fucking age as well. No, yeah, this, this is obviously the, the Kurt Russell one. I know the horrendous oh, remake yes. that's been done this year. That's It's switched the roles a bit, eh? Yes. It is. Anna Faris is a woman that falls yeah. overboard and then she's... I think if it's Michael Pena or John Leguizamo. Some Filipino boy anyway. Aye. What the fuck are you doing, Budgie? He doesn't approve of the stuntman, mate. Comment. He's fucking having a royal rumble in his cage. Or is it more appropriate to say a hell in a cell? It's just him fucking climbing a ladder to nothing. Yeah. Our second question. <clears throat> Let's see. Lee Mellon asks, Are there any movies not starring Kurt Russell that should star Kurt Russell? For example, uh, should he have played John McClane, etc., etc.? Now, that that's also a fucking a thinker of a question because yeah. where could you place Kurt Russell? I was trying to think uh, of like franchises to put him in, and I was trying to think where the fuck would Kurt Russell fit in like a Star Wars universe? Because mm. he's got his place in Marvel, like yeah. in Guardians, um, but in Star Wars. Try to think even what side he would fall on. Would he fall inside with like the Empire or, or the, the First Order? Or would he be a rebel? Yeah. I reckon like if he had like his fucking beard, I feel like he'd have to be some sort of rebel. You look at him as like if you I reckon Like he could have played maybe like the father to like the young Han Solo or something. Yeah. Like something along those lines or but I just feel like he's that like he would have been a good guy in the franchise, yeah. but I couldn't even quite place him. 
uh, and maybe like in the DC universe, I feel like you could have made like a good uh, Commissioner Gordon. Hmm. I mean, let's see who we had. We've had Gary Oldman, we've had J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I think that's uh, your two most current ones, isn't it? Aye. Because I'm, I'm just sort of thinking of his age. The new he could only really be either Commissioner Gordon or Alfred, but I do see him. Yeah, because I think we're used to like Alfred being English, where also mm-hmm. the Tim Burton Batman's and yes. then also Nolan's. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> I can't picture him as Alfred, but what were you? Was there any? I don't know because like, I would be kind of. I mean, it would be hard to place him in films like, like Terminator mm-hmm. and or like, like Rambo. Ah, because like if you said because I consider Terminator as well, and I would, I could only think of him playing uh, the Michael Bean role. Ah, yeah. Like, I couldn't even see him playing the Terminator. And a, a nice wee stab in the dark could have been. Would he fitted in as like one of the brothers of the Corleone family in The Godfather? I was. Like he could have been maybe like, like James Caan's character. How fucking in sync are we then? Because I was trying to think. I've no seen Kurt Russell in a like a really good mob movie. And I was thinking, like, sure you had your Godfather, but I was thinking more in the direction of where the fuck would he fit in like a Scorsese film? Because I don't think that's a connection that hasn't happened yet. Nah. So at first I was thinking, would he work in Taxi Driver? And then like, would he work in Cape Fear? I can almost maybe... I reckon like, Robert De Niro does so well in Cape Fear, it's yeah. hard to really picture anyone else. Uh, would they have fitted in in Goodfellas? Would they have fitted in Casino? I know, that's it. He's, he's like a different breed. I reckon he could have been... I reckon he could have replaced Alec Baldwin in Departed, though. That's possible, yeah. Because I mean, a... I mean, there's nothing wrong with Alec Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin's role, yeah, in the Departed, but I reckon Kurt Russell could have could have done it. Mm-hmm. And he could have swear just as good as Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, ah, that's that's an interesting question. Like, so let's start at the filmography. Yeah. Obviously, it's pretty much what we're doing just now. If it's a title. We've got something to talk about. We will discuss it. If it is something that we know sweet fuck all about, we will continue on. So, let's see. As I mentioned, 1963, it happened at the World's Fair. So, obviously, one of the Elvis Presley films. And he's just credited as Boy Kicking Mike. 1965, Guns of Diablo. Uh, which I think, I just assume that's a Western. Yeah, kind of sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1966, Follow Me Boys, the the Kevin Spacey story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorry, we cannot have an um, episode. Also, his, his character. Whitey. Whitey. Yeah. Aye. This isn't a racial thing, is it? No. Uh, and then, same year, he done uh, Mosby's uh, Marauders, Private Willie. Prentice. Yeah. Uh, 1960, the one and only genuine original family band, Sydney Bower, and Horse in a Grey Flannel Suit. Now, I think at that stage, it is him maybe becoming like one of the Disney child actors, uh, like yeah. Horse in a Grey Flannel Suit, because then the computer that wore tennis shoes, as yeah, Dexter Riley, I remember, that, I remember that. That became one of his like regular characters for Disney. He was 
like how like I guess like how Zach Efron had the High School Musical films. Uh, this is sorry his equivalent back in the day. Uh, the computer that wore tennis shoes. That's the one where Kurt Russell manages to absorb the memory of a supercomputer by standing in a puddle with the computer, like something like a like a jug of water gets spilt on the computer's uh, memory board and is also in the same puddle that he's standing in. He somehow absorbs all the, the memory capacity of the computer into him. It's just like one of those things where, well, let's not think too hard about the specifics. Yeah. But he is now a super genius because he's absorbed the memory of a computer through water and not being electrocuted to death. Ah. <laughs> I think I probably have seen it because I, I, the name does ring about and it always reminds me when you were younger and it was like Easter holidays and like ITV had the kind of shitty early 70s Disney films like yes you got like Freaky Friday and like what was the ones where the Dean Jones he was a regular I remember he was a, the vet in Beethoven oh aye aye yeah he was in a lot of them mm. um, but uh, the name of this one runs a bell for me uh, then the Barefoot Executive is another one but that's where it's uh, Kurt Russell and a Monkey the monkey is the barefoot executive who comes up with all these great um I think it was like part of a, a television station and all his answers was really making them more money and they all thought it was Kurt Russell but it was actually the monkey making the decisions. Alright. Phil's parade was one I never saw as he was credited as Johnny Jesus. <laughs> now you see him, now you don't, in another Dexter Riley Disney movie. Hmm. And I quite like the practical effects in that one where when someone did vanish, it was always like those things where it's like they were trying to test it and they would steer like a spoon in the mixture that they created by accident and it would vanish. But they would have like pretend to hold nothing but sit and tap the wall and you'd hear like the spoon clink off the table and it was just things like that where it's like tricks they'd done at a simpler time where they didn't have all the computer effects. Aye. Like I actually genuinely enjoyed watching those Dexter Riley films like Strongest Man in the World. There's some of the gags that I was really, like, for the quote John Hangman, I had a proper horse laugh. Just, uh. there's this shit where they mix a chemical, uh, like this, this thing that obviously made them super strong, but it got mixed in, or the key ingredient was a breakfast cereal. So when their chemical got mixed with this breakfast cereal, it became this potion to make you really strong. And they couldn't figure it out, but they always used to feed, it was like a frat house, and they'd have like a, a pet dog who's the mascot, and they fed him, like, the bowl of cereal. And this wee, I think it was, like, a wee pudgy bulldog was getting bullied by, like, a a bigger dog. And the big dog would always scare the shit out, and the, the wee dog, come on, came in, started eating the bowl of cereal. And you would know the mixture would work because there would be, like, a plume of smoke once they say it, and it would make, like, a cough and, and a big thunder boom. Uh. So you hear the dog eating the cereal, and then you just hear the and smoke, and you think the dog's blown up. Turns back, the dog turns around and looks at the door, Runs out, rather than going through the cat flap, it takes the fucking door off the hinges and chases the big dog down the street. And honestly, I was fucking hee-hawing. I, I had it, I had Andy at the house and I fucking rewound it back, got Mark. I had to show Obdi this scene of just this dog fucking knocking the fucking door down and chasing another dog down the street. Uh, it's just stupid things like that. It just made me fucking laugh. I mean, going back to 1973, he done Charlie and the Angel, which I think I did see. But I might be getting it confused with Super Dads. 
and I can't remember the actor from these films because there's always like this one, it's like the high school teacher that Dexter Riley's tormenting and it is this old actor who always had thick milk bottle glasses. I have to have a look. But he was, I'm certain he was the dad and super dad. And it's good because some of these old, old Disney films still show up on uh, Now TV. Uh. Ah, Joe Flynn. Uh. Sar- I think it's Sergeant Bilko. Ah, oh, it was a bit like him, eh? Ah, like the original... Ah, I'm saying it's him, but he was always like the high school teacher that would be getting tormented by Dexter Riley. Yeah. So, let's see. You mentioned the World's Drunkest Man. Uh, 1976, The Captive, The Longest Drive 2. I think that might be like a TV movie, because I think it had something to do with The Captive, and then there was a television series. And then there was like The Captive's Longest Drive. But yeah. Never, ever been able to obtain a copy of that. And now our first review. uh, 1980s used cars. So after this little break, you will hear me and Trevor from Mass Movie Side UK reviewing used cars. Ah, shit! There goes a perfectly good bumper sticker. At this time, I would like to introduce and welcome Trevor to episode 200 of Films and Swearing. Hello. It's like I'm back at school. I've never had my full name used for ages. Ah, it's always one of those things. As soon as I've said it, it's like, did you really need to use his surname? <laughs> I know, I know. Did you and have to forget his podcast name? That that's fine. Uh, did you call? Did you call Gary Smith? Gary Smith? Or did you call him Smithy? Ah, oh, shit. What did you do? I can't did you call him Smithy? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, j- just what? Wait, uh, leave that bit in, and then we'll just we'll do the. Actually, can you just take my name out of that? Sorry, just put put Trevor. That'd be funny. Yes, <laughs> a really awful jump cut taking up my surname. Ah, right, we'll just put a wee bit of white noise. Well, on the podcast, Trevor. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Is it, oh no, nice. mysterious. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the international man of no mystery podcast who never podcasts anymore. <laughs> so yes, if you do not know what the fuck is going on right now, Trevor from Mass Movie Side UK. Hello. He's appeared on several episodes of Films and Swearing before. I have. So yes, uh, today we are talking about used cars from director Robert Zemeckis. Uh, yeah, so like I think uh, the Zemeckis and Bob Gale wrote this as well. Mm-hmm. Aye, and I mean, at that point, was it Robert Zemeckis only really had I Wanna Hold Your Hands, that Beatles film. Right, I didn't, see, I, I didn't know that. It was something like the story of like teenage girls going to a concert. Like, well, it's coming of age, but they're just going to go see the Beatles. Right. Haven't seen that either. No. Nah, neither have I. And then this was the film that followed shortly after. So I feel this is either maybe a second or third um, feature film. Uh, it did not bad for it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, but then if you look at his, maybe his fourth or his fifth one, he blew it out of the water. Oh, aye. Yeah. Romance in the Stone. That's the one. <laughs> How'd you guess? <laughs> Absolutely. Aye. Dick. <laughs> yeah, it's only like a, a, a car and a crazy old man in it or something. Aye, and aye. Used cars, it, you're right. Aye. As uh, Smithy calls it, the incestual time traveller. So, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Let's see. The cast. Of course, the film stars Kurt Russell as uh, Rudy Russo, Jack Warden as uh, both Roy and Luke Fuchs, Garrett Graham as Jeff. Frank McRae as Jim, the sleepy mechanic. Deborah Harmon as Barbara Fuchs. And there's a few others, eh? I mean, we've got 
Christ, Aye. what's his name? Uh, Michael McKean. Yep, Spinal Tap. I um, fuck. There's others. Sam and Slate. There's there's a whole queen of folk in this film. Yeah, do you know like the like? Do, do you recognise the judge from anything? Ah, uh, nah, but he's fucking didn't he half chew the scene. Uh, he did. Mm-hmm. Can I put you out your misery? Go for it. Gremlins two, the new batch. Ah, oh, fuck! I have not watched <laughs> that in an age. I was just, I was sitting right. I was like, when he came in, and I was like, that's him. I'm sure that's him. But then as soon as he he started speaking, I was like, yes, that is totally him. <laughs> fucking Gremlins two. The only thing I remember is just fucking Hulk Hogan. That's right, standing up, just ripping off that shirt. I fucking put that you, film back on. <laughs> you're like jumping up fucking punching the air yeah <laughs> yes Hulk you're like yes <laughs> looking around at everybody in the cinema going do you not see mm-hmm. fourth wall people uh, no fourth Hulk star <laughs> for those unfamiliar the plot of used cars uh, when the owner of a struggling used car lot is killed it's up to the lot's hot shot salesman to save the property from falling into the hands of the owner's ruthless brother and used car rival yeah, that is how the IMDb's describe it. There we go. So, uh, Trevor. Yes. I was gonna say my first question was what drew you to use cars, but I think we kind of touched that already. You did, you dick. By <laughs> 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 making me watch a shit film, um, or by making me watch like one of Kurt Russell's uh, maybe not more stellar moments, you twat. <laughs> so yes, and we, we, you've told to me this was your first time watching a film. It is, yeah, or it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have any memories of this film prior to to seeing it today. Uh, the only memories that I have are watching a lot of again, like like special features on Back to the Future discs, right? Talk, talking about Bob Zemeckis, and that was kind of his film that kind of got him noticed. I think to to have a make Back mm-hmm. to the Future, really, yeah. Aye, oh well. And for for me, I never had any really history with this film until that one year, obviously, where I did my Kurt Russell challenge and attempted to watch all his films in one year. That did was, you manage that? Uh, I got to, I think I had 10 films left by, by the time the year ended, and that was like a mixture of his early Disney films and uh-huh. then like the westerns that came before it. Right, but do you know what, I've, I've just... I just had a double check. Did I ask about Miracle? And I think you did you do Miracle already? I did do Miracle with Andy. Fuck, that's why then you shite back. Yeah. Anyway, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's a good film, though. That's a great film. Yeah. About a great, great film about a great man, sir. Aye. I believe. One of the. One of the yeah. This will be a teaser for those listening to the episode because when the reviews are dropped uh, throughout the recording with me and Mike, it's done in chronological order. So this is technically the first drop-in review we have, me and you, but mm-hmm. as a wee teaser for people listening, I believe one of the tangents me and Andy had with Miracle was uh, Kurt Russell plowing his wife on the bonnet of the car wearing all 20 gold medals. That is Team Wonham. Just oh, all, all the other side just, just chant, coach, coach, coach. <laughs> and depending on how uh, rampant he was, he would occasionally drop a medal on her chest. Oh, nice. That, that, that could mean so many different things. So. Uh, you could hear Just it, can't it. you? Aye, you can. <laughs> Clank. 
and just making them skate until the lights go out. That's what he'd say. I want to skate the fuck out you, baby, until uh, your lights go out. <laughs> what country is this? America. <laughs> but you know, like great, great quote by Herb Brooks is a uh, fantastic one that I'll always, always is in the back of mind. Uh, the the was it the name on the front of the shirt is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Mm-hmm. It's all about being a team player, Stu. There you go. There we go. So, so. back to this belter of a film. Yeah. I'll I'll give you my opinion first. Okay. I quite enjoy this wee film. Okay. It is daft, silly. It's like at that stage of the eighties where like they'll just be outrageous, get away with silly shit. They all, all like all their wee campaigns to to steal TV time and piss mm-hmm. off the competition. It really. I think I was just surprised when I watched it the first time, like especially towards like the third act, all the stuff that's going on there, and it's like, fuck, I'm really enjoying this for for some reason. And it's just one of these things where it's like, how I probably would have like really enjoyed this as a kid, and I'm just wondering how I never had access to it as a child. Probably because of all them titties, and I know there's a lot of nudity in it. Yes, um, which I, I didn't think there would be, but there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I, I would go so far as to say it's okay. Had a couple of chuckles in it, but I don't think it would be something that I would be like, oh, I didn't come away from it thinking, oh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I kind of just had yeah. a, a more, a few more eye roll moments than <laughs> than I did sort of like, oh, this is actually really funny. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the whole, I did, it was, I suppose, it, to, to coin a tabloid phrase, it was an enjoyable little romp. Yes. As it's almost like a hedonistic kind of 80s, like, ah, oh, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I feel it, it fits in fine with the likes of uh, maybe Cannonball Run or Police Academy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you've you've kind of... Oh, there's almost maybe a touch of convoy in there as well with, like, the final, mm-hmm. like, lines of cars and stuff. But it, it, it's kind of got that, the I suppose, the nudity and, and the language of... Not just shy of a sex comedy like Porky's, I suppose. Aye. Um, a little bit more edgier than, than a Cannonball Run. Yes. Um, but not as... Uh, not as filling as a porkies. I don't know. It's bridging the exactly. bridging gap. <laughs> aye, aye. Uh, now, because obviously in the opening credits, I think I don't have his uh, filmography in front of me, but Kurt Russell's timeline. It was Disney films like he was like Dexter Riley and uh-huh. uh, now you see me now you don't. World's strongest man and all that. And you got to an age where I guess this must be a thing for most Disney characters where they want to break away from like. The, the child friendly image, yeah. Because the like the first words he utters in this film, I think he bangs his head uh, on the dashboard. He's like mutters, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> it's like I've waited <laughs> so long to say that on camera. I know. I have now spread my wings, and Mister Disney, you will not stop me. Yes, I am now going to do a dirty comedy <laughs> where there's boobs, sex, f bombs, no, death. Don't think there's drugs. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. There doesn't seem to be much uh, yeah. drugs in it, but there's gambling, drinking, mm-hmm. pr- promiscuity. So yes, it's um, everything he's probably wanted to do on camera, and he's now yeah. getting to. Yeah, I I just I suppose like, talking of camera, I thought that first kind of dolly shot and the the boom shot was brilliant. Yes, but it, it comes it down goes from, across the lot. Yeah, it just it kind of starts on high and it, it just sort of narrows down onto. Like the odometer of the car, <laughs> I just thought that was a it was a, a really well done shot, and 
I was just thinking now it kind of makes me realise, I, I suppose, the craftsmanship that was kind of required. Yeah. Back in, back in, I suppose it was in 1980 this was made. It was, eh? Um, I just, you know, like today it would have just been like maybe like crazy jump cuts or they would have just CGI'd the heck out of it. Aye. Um, but with that one, it was almost, it made me sort of really kind of appreciate the craft and how many people that would have taken to do it, how many, you know, how many takes would they have had to have done that in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and there wasn't a single cut in it. Yeah. So... It was uh, very impressive. It, again, it almost is a wee bit of a something that he maybe carries over into Back to the Future as well, where he's got that long, you know, like the shot of all the clocks going off at the same time. But right, yeah, yeah. Maybe just getting more ambitious as he was getting more money, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Jack Warden in this film? Uh, the Jack Warden is the old man? Yes, or... uh, with dual roles. Right, so... I. I was I sat and scratched my head for a little while. I, I didn't consult um, IMDb or that, but I did think, is that the same guy? Yes, I knew it. When I watched it for the first time, I think I never picked that up because his, his style is drastically different. Obviously, with a look, they already make it look like he's on death's door. Yeah. So he always looks a little worse for wear. Then he's got like, that moustache. And then when it cuts across the road to his brother... Clean shaven, hair's got a different colour to it, looks a lot yeah. healthier. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when I saw Jack Ward, I kind of thought, I can this cunt for something. What was it? What else was he in? I know him as well. No, he goes all the way back to, I think, The Great Escape, and like, he's done lots, but the films I knew him from was mm-hmm. Problem Child. Okay. And Toys. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, the, uh, two films that I haven't watched a lot of. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he's definitely a familiar face. And he was, yeah. uh, I think, in the original uh, Night and Day television series from back in the day. Right. He was a uh, knight of that duo. Ah, okay. As in, like, the, the Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz. Yes, I, exactly. Yeah. Like, the movie that was done that was based on, like, the old ass TV series that he was right. a part of. But ah, okay. I was scrolling through and said, no, there's got to be something more obvious. Because I feel like he's had that exact look where just him with yeah. the moustache, like, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. No, I've, I've certainly, he's, he's got one, he's a very familiar face. Yeah. And I, I suppose back to like your original question, he was outstanding, I think. He was superb. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do, you, again, try to recover on that ground again, just to say, hmm, is that the same guy? I think that is the same guy. So, and what really struck me was like, so is he had to do all of the scenes without a stash, <laughs> and then he did them with them, and um, was that his own stash? And then I started going off on a little, um, like my own little tangent in my head about uh, how <laughs> was it a prosthetic stash that he grew at? I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> but maybe he'd done it in reverse. Maybe he'd done all his stash scenes first, then shaved, and then exactly a <laughs> yeah. lot less hassle. And it would yeah, I. I think he was a he was a great kind of counterfoil to because I think like the the salesmen in this are quite loathsome at the start, mm-hmm. you know, and he's a he's a very good counterfoil to that, um, being like you know oh like you want to go into to politics now and he Aye. he tries to say we need to try and do this and do that he, he doesn't really turn around and say, um, wait I suppose he does say stop using the fishing trick, Aye, um, of course not very honest, um but again complete uh opposite to his brother across the road who's just a shite bag um, 
But he, 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 I think he, he plays both roles with a plum, really. Mm-hmm. Now, there is that moment where, obviously, they're spying on each other. Yeah. Um, Roy is spying on Luke, and you could clearly tell, like, he's grabbing his chest when he's looking under the bonnet of a car. Immediately, things like, <laughs> Christ, I think my brother's about to have a heart attack. Phone an ambulance. No, no. no. What's the name of that <laughs> rally car driver? Aye, yeah, give what? him a call. Yeah, get him to take that old 57 Chevy out. <laughs> it's like, Dad, I've no one to fucking left for that boy, ever. I know, but it's just that it's, it's so callous um, <laughs> how to do it, you know. Aye, and he's and so fucking, as well. like, I think the boy who's cried, Mikey, and he had no qualms whatsoever. Happy to do it. Notice he had, like, his heart medication. Let's do a sharp turn. And he's just like, oh, you look a little, you look a bit sick, pal. Don't worry, we'll be home in a minute. And it cuts to that fucking roll. Yeah. Right back onto <laughs> the lot. Aye, and he just, he's like, oh, well, you know, you, 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 maybe, you maybe die. <laughs> so he doesn't really seem to have much of a conscience, does Mikey? No, not. And, but it leads into that fucking brilliant gag where uh, Kurt Russell's haggling with a guy. He's like, come on, no one ever died over $50. <laughs> and the guy was like, a, it was like a mantra. Is like three times, and Russell caves. Is it right? I'll be back the new. In comes a look, grabbing his chest, screaming, <laughs> scares the absolute shit out of them. Oh, it yeah. was. That was a fucking. I it think that was a brilliant wee moment. It would. It was a bit like, oh, I. I kind of obviously, you, you knew it was coming, but Aye. you still, you still enjoyed it when it did come, though. Um, I think more so just the the when you've got like the other sort of the Kurt Russell clone as such, who doesn't like red. Yes. Um, he's just like taking what appears to be a lady of the night around a very old <laughs> shitty pinto. Um, and just him, pumping away. Yeah, he's just he's, his arse going up and down like a fiddler's elbow. <laughs> just like, I did not expect this. Um, <laughs> whilst watching a man careen about in a 57 fucking Chevy, almost having a heart attack. Yeah. So, you know, hey, it's, it's got a, bit of, a little bit of everything. Aye. Uh, let's talk about uh, Jeff and his superstitions. I mean, to be honest, he looked—he he fucking reminds me like a spitting image of the boy out of Young Frankenstein. As in but, Gene Wilder? No, the boy with the eyes. Oh, Marty Feldman. Exactly. I think it's like they've just got <laughs> big eyes. Leave them a lynch. <laughs> Stop connecting them. All. It's not a family tree. But... It's almost as if those two had a love child. <laughs> like the face of Marty Feldman and the hair of Gene Wilder. Yes, yeah, big hair. I only you know what's I only noticed the whole red thing at the end. What other superstitions? He was the rabbit. Oh, lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, rabbit's foot, and yeah. oh, there were some more obvious ones because I watched it twice this week. Sort of like when we rescheduled, I thought I'll watch it once more just to kind of stay fresh, yeah. and that's where I noticed more about the the rabbit's feet, and uh, there was fucking there were some more obvious ones early on, but it wasn't until when they have to throw the football game yeah. that he really hammers at home with mm. superstitions <laughs> like like oh, every fucking salt shaker uh, when he tried to shimmy under the ladder. Yeah. Find me a black cat and then he goes and finds a mirror as well. <laughs> and just fucking launches the stool at <laughs> But I, I never understood. I think it was like a more of a personal thing of why you can't drive red. Because at first I thought he was really freaking out because he was driving it around in like a a vehicle that was meant for the fire department. Yeah. Like I thought he just realised he was doing some, something very illegal. As did I when I first watched that. And then it's not until like it's, you just, you're, you're told 
I was like, all right, okay. I didn't realize there was some form of superstition around driving certain mm. colors of vehicles, but, but here we go. He clearly, obviously, doesn't have a conscience when it comes to the day after their their first uh, big sales pitch on TV, and it's him and the dog Toby, and yeah. it's that family of like nine <laughs> children, and even the dog's a great little character in this film. It is fantastic. It's just a, a cracking little beagle mm-hmm. um, that just like the that plays dead so well. <laughs> so then there was it's tongue so out, eating shut. I like there was an internet meme of that like a, a good few years ago where like you know it was on Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. and I say like, oh this beagle can play dead and it was done thirty years ago and nobody's ever noticed that Aye. So that cute little beagle um just like he even had like uh, it was Luke at one point he was getting the dog to go grab him different screwdrivers is I want a flathead Toby <laughs> and the dog walks back <laughs> drops it picks up the other and like, oh, that's, that's clever <laughs> and then realised the dog keeps coming back and keeps doing all these wee things. Whereas, like, Christ, uh, it is just another character, like, uh, this wee motley absolutely. crew. Aye. I think it, it almost, uh, when you, uh, kind of maybe going back on what I'd said before, but it almost makes them just a little bit more human as opposed to just these ruthless... Yes. ...kind of, like, money, money-grubbing money car sales whores. Yes. Um. So, just, obviously, to clarify that, when... They they were damaging the cars. It was on the other boys' lot, wasn't it? Yes, aye. That That's was uh, Roy's cars that they were shooting at. Yeah. Aye, because the prices were too damn high. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, let's talk about... We've we'll, we'll not on Kurt Russell's character yet, but we'll get there. It's mm-hmm. the, the fucking big boxer of uh, batteries not included. It is. It's also... Um... The, the the chief from Last Action Hero, Slater. Oh, shit. I never picked up on that one. I was, let's see, went in the podcast. I never knew, mm-hmm. never noticed him in uh, Rocky. Or was it Rocky 2? It was like, he was just a guy working in a meat factory. But it's like, it's always as soon as I see him, it's like, oh, that's the general giant for batteries not included. <laughs> and now he's like, What's get in the motherfucking car. He was he was superb. That's why I always get it. He is a great swearer. Aye. On screen, I, I, I always remember that from, like, he was a great shouter, mm-hmm. last action hero. But boy, oh boy, does he uh, he can fair fire out the swear words in this. Oh thing. yeah, it's it's fucking brilliant. I really enjoyed exactly. just him letting loose because the rest are fine, but he's the one where like motherfucker this, motherfucker that, <laughs> and even just like. The random times he just falls asleep, like just narcolepsy hits him. Like, sure. Uh, is, that, is that what it was? Was he narcolepsy? Well, that, that's my guess because Jed yeah. makes a comment saying combat fatigue, but I think that was just after their second uh, fucking assault on Roy's car lot. Uh-huh. He just wore himself out. But it's the fact that he falls asleep holding a blowtorch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just I just like, got to... What the fuck? <laughs> that makes sense, eh? but it almost seems that he is. He's he's either at zero or one hundred. There, yes. there's, there's no sort of middle ground for him. Aye. And like that's why they're like they're terrified to wake him up because it's almost like like um, explode. Yeah, kicking a bear. Aye. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I, I th- he was a, a great little character. Maybe maybe could have been used a bit more. Or, yeah. I don't know. Because that's it. He was there just to sort of shout and swear and get caught up in their hijinks. Because yeah. when they were trying to get everyone on the part, like. Uh, on the the car lot, and he's like, oh, I've never sold anything before. Like both, like Russo and uh, Jeff had the the gift of the gab, 
Like yeah. when Kurt Russell just switches a fucking mode, like where they like, race. It's like mm. an old white couple. It's, oh yeah, I'll see you in a minute. Then a Hispanic, and then he switches accents. Talks to him, leads him to a car, sees a black couple, he's like, hey, my man. And he's like, brother. He's like, what is going on here? D- can I just say, I'm maybe jumping ahead a little bit. Like the sleazy Hispanic guy mm. that he buys the cars from. Did you see his just blatant titty grab? Hmm. Right, it's almost at the end where they're picking up all the cars. No, I might have just him constantly grabbing his dick. Wow, dude, you need to watch um, that last bit because... I don't know if the, the actress knew it was coming, but boy, oh boy, does he get a handful. <laughs> and she doesn't have a brown either. Ah, I was just like, Jesus, right. mate. Fucking hell. So that may just uh, blow your mind, Stu. I, I, I only remembered one big old city grab in this film. Oh, we're, we're like the, the, the cameraman. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, settle, pal. Hands Dude, on I the think, camera. I, I think this is more sleazy. I know. Yeah, I was, I was like, just like, Ugh. fucking hashtag me too. I know. I was just, uh, she, she'd have a, she'd have a good, she'd have a good case to be honest with you. Exactly. Uh, that one. Like, let's talk about that wee moment where they were decided to hack the the football game, and yeah. I, I always wondered why they're all talking about the, they all freak out over the color of the car because it's Jeff's superstition. That is why. Right. Because right. you had uh, Jim behind it, and they, they described the car to him in the dark scene, it's a maroon car. Yeah. And they were all fine. And you heard Jim looking, going, maroon car, my ass. Like, that, that's, <laughs> that shit's red. And he's giggling to himself. And it's not until the floodlight comes on and Jeff looks and fucking freaks out. Uh, that's just clicked <laughs> with me right now. And I've oh, seen that right, film right. like three times now. <laughs> it's like, of course he freaks out. like, what, is it just because you had the word maroon memorised instead of red? What's going on here? <laughs> well, you've got to say it's the gift that keeps on giving, sir. Exactly. <laughs> and it just how he freaks out going, oh, fuck, ah, oh, yeah, this. And they try to <laughs> zoom on her and she's trying to talk. <laughs> but it's, it's just when he, her dress gets caught. And I mean, what are all the people watching it? You've got like a... A young know, football team? Ah, uh, you've got... Aye, aye, there's a fan with, like, who have more or less had enough kids to make their own football team. Then you've got yeah. a, a, two older couples that are, like, they're having tea and they're, they're all mouthing off going, what a stupid time to put on an advert. And then I think... And then somebody drops an F-bomb and they're like, what did he... Because like, it looked like the boy was eating a Tannock's tea cake and apparently spat the thing <laughs> out going, what? He, what did he just swear? And Yeah, and then you've got the amorous old couple in bed where the dude's like, oh. Oh, right, right enough. <laughs> Some titty on the telly. She's in a distant world looking for someone else in her head. He's I thought she was asleep, but I, I don't know. I think in the first clip, she's wriggling around. In the second clip, she's out. She's checked out completely. Right. But he's clearly not wasting what <laughs> what he's got in front of him. No, I um, can't do that. <laughs> but I, what, I think he had like a bar, like a bar room set and people watching it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when they said, let's see what's under the hood, Margaret. And it just fucking <laughs> rips the dress off. And that is the only memory I had of the film when watching it after the first time and thinking back. Like, I just remember big old titties on live TV. Yeah, yeah, that was the, yeah, it was good. Uh, and I, it, <laughs> it was the the football family, how uh, the silence. And they're just yeah, like and a kid, like, that's a pair of bare tits. 
<laughs> and then they're there the next day. I know. And <laughs> it's the, the dads, like the, the mum's screaming, trying to grab the remote. And he's like, no, no. And he, he's growling the name he's of the car lot. <laughs> the East cars. <laughs> like he's ingrained it in his brain. And it just and it was just a perviness of the fucking cameraman. It was like those years of fucking camera school paid off or film school. I know. And, and he's talking about like like love the camera. And he's wanting to get in there. Jeff no, Jim is being super fucking creepy. Like, he comes out with a fucking quote, right, but yeah. I can't even fucking remember it. It's no like... No, like oh, it's something about like a bye dinner. Or something like... Um, it's something about like... Do it. I thought he was going to say Jesus Christ, but Jesus Palomino. And it's <laughs> and like, what is he going off on? But... And it's just the cheeky hand going in for a squeeze. Like, too far. Oh, they're not shy in this film, like, dude. They're, they're not shy. And let's see, I would highly recommend it when... I think it's just after the Hispanic guy hands over that big board of keys. Yeah. And then she's going to leave with Kurt Russell. And he's just like, Mr. Honk, Handy. Honk. Wow, yeah, just a proper solid squeeze. He's just like, fucking hell. Aye. He's not shy. Terrible. Anywho. Fuck's sake. So obviously, Kurt Russell's character's got some aspirations. Yes, yeah, he has. He's going to be um, a, a senator, congressman. Yeah, aye, senator. And what was it, something like 10 grand to to get in the race? Or he needed like 60 altogether and he was 10 grand short. Yes, aye, that was 60. it. Yeah. Aye. And that was it. He was doing any trick he could to sell the car to make the money to to get him like that better life. He was also just hustling to get further ahead. But he had that great gift of the guy where he could talk his way into a lot of situations. And even when he came home at night and played his tape recorder back, and it's just all the queen of women that he's clearly talked into bed one time or another, all coming back, <laughs> trying to see if he's ready to sit and listen to that Barry Manilow record yet. Ah, right. Because <laughs> I, I do recall it just getting used by, um, as like just like a massive big... Um, it's, it's, not, it's not called a mulligan. It's, a, it's, that, it's, that, it's that MacGuffin, where it's like it just helps the whole plot along. It's like, ah, that'll get used later on. And then sure enough, like, oh, we've buried him. And she's like, oh, how could you do that? Aye. Uh, I think maybe one of the more difficult scenes to to swallow is that one in the restaurant. Where, where he's got the, uh, the the train ticket in his pocket. Yes. And yeah. he's he's just trying to get out of there because obviously the, they're about to interrupt the president's broadcast. And of course, mm-hmm. the, the fucking bear next to him has got a wee portable telly out. So he kind of gets a fist fight with that boy. So he starts doing that choking. Yeah. <laughs> or, like all of a sudden like it just starts dry choking and runs to the bar yeah <laughs> I think that, that, that yeah, that's kind of like the turning point where it, it's like you know what this it might not be like a scumbag after all because mm-hmm. you know if like you, if you're going to be like um, an absolute hustler selling cars and you want to be a congressman there's got to be something inherently wrong with you mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it's sort of, he, he starts to I think he's maybe softened up when he's he kind of has that first date with her and yeah. then he starts to grow a bit of a conscience, I think. Um, aye, because you know, he can't can help himself to hand the, the ticket over. Yeah, aye, and you know, as much as you can develop a conscience after burying a man in a fucking car. <laughs> but, I mean, on the flip side of that, you've also got the... He, he doesn't want everybody to know that he's dead or the, the lot will go to his brother. Exactly. So kind of got that, mm-hmm. that kind of propping that part of it up. But he's a bit of a shyster. Um, but then I think I kind of kind of warmed him at that point, where he was kind of like, "Yeah, I think you should go to Florida." Mm-hmm. 
You just know it was just going to go real bad. Aye. But the the scene that they interrupted with, like as we said, where they started shooting the cars. Yeah, it was good. Like, <laughs> no, it was, it was just like, um, you know, like blast out the windscreens of the cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was uh, just like, wow, that's 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 quite entertaining. And then just when he took a pot shot at the at the like the shouty man. Oh, the shouty, I, shouty when man. Jim sh- jumps up, going, "Oh no, um, it's I'm, high prices." That's it's Mister High Prices. <laughs> and he sort of shoots him, and it's like. Jesus. I uh, the, was the effect was really good. I know. And he just sort of like he just starts like dabbing his chest and like, rolls screams his eyes. and the bloody slide down the front of the car. <laughs> and <laughs> even Jeff's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think I'm possibly like shit, have I just killed him or not? <laughs> exactly. Because his scream was perfect. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that proper tickled me that one, like where he just like, he just he's rolling off the car. <laughs> And it was it was just like it looked like some fucking villain in like a like a dental commercial or like a McDonald's or just like the big purple thing shows up. I know. Oh no, I high know. prices. It kinda of reminded me of like um like Rick and Morty. I am I Hall Man. there was a great bit that happened after because obviously whilst all that's going on, you've got Roy in his house freaking out. Where I like how he puts the fucking <laughs> awesome. knee in the telly and shocks himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's just that's just comedy gold. It's almost like um like the bit in Scrooge where like he thinks his television channel is going south, mm-hmm. so he starts kicking the cats. <laughs> <laughs> and it just minded me of that, and I was having a, a chuckle at myself. He's just slowly just un- becoming more unhinged. Uh, the, the, the cars, especially when the Mercedes goes up as well. Yes, too damn high. And it's when he decides when he goes back because he kens exactly who's fucking doing it. And he's driving yeah. on the lot, and he sees Jeff looking around, and they go mm-hmm. into this fucking brawl, like where he fucking loses it and he starts punching through like the the glass door, and they go into the the office, and I mean the 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 two stuntmen that worked for them earned their pay that day. I know. I think it was even the the one that kind of yeah again more with the going back to that original shot was talking about. Like the craftsmanship of the the stunt work, mm-hmm. you know, like where like somebody genuinely threw something very heavy through that fake window, yeah, and that stunt man just made it out of the way of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think some of it was a bit iffy where you see him like sort of jumping through the doors. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, uh-huh. you can maybe maybe a softer focus on that one. <laughs> and the mood is a bit better. But... There's just a great moment where like uh, Roy picks up a chair and he goes to the bathroom, but he catches the column on the roof. And falls on his Aye. arse. <laughs> uh, there's some, there's some good slapstick in it, like. Sure. And he remembers it when he goes for the fucking like the, the second bite of the apple, and he picks up the chair instead of swinging it above him, he just throws it forward and manages yeah. to, to break it off him perfectly. Like Aye, he learned his lesson. Good. Yeah, I kind of. He, he seemed like um, quite the opponent. Because um, you kind of like that. The boy that he was beating up wasn't he? Wasn't too shabby to be fair. He wasn't like some kind of little weed. Aye. Um, but boy, oh boy, did he give him a hiding like. I never got a look in because every time he's like, right, I'm angry now. And he's like, whack. <laughs> and he gets fucking knocked on his arse. He's <laughs> almost like a, like, a, like a precursor to Jack Burton. Um, Aye. Big trouble. You know, like, I'm going to be the action hero, clunk. Oh, I'm not. Aye. Now, at this point, because obviously it all kind of falls apart when, well, when they discover where the body is hidden. To be honest, yeah. like that moment where he smashes the the family picture and picks up the shard of glass, like 
that, that's a dangerous moment for Jeff there. Absolutely. <laughs> just like, Christ. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when he looked at that picture, I thought this is him noticing that his niece. Like, I thought this was him thinking, Christ, she'll inherit the lot, not him. All right, I, I thought the... he was getting that realisation, not the fact that uh-huh. he realises where they're at is now actually filled in. I, I had the whole, like, you just had an epiphany, like, I'm going to stop being a bad guy. I'm going to be completely out of life field. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just like going back to the dog, you know, like when like the dog first lay under the car? Yes. I thought that was the dog, like, lying on top of where he was buried and the dog was sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it sums it wasn't. It was a ploy to make them buy the car. Aye. But, you know, it, but at least said to this man in the mm-hmm. But the, that best moment when they're driving off the lot and they go over the, the fucking the speed bump <laughs> and the bairns fall out the boot. Got the tailgate, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> they land in the fucking puddle. <laughs> they start running after the car. Aye. Is it that nice recurring gag, like, where he... He makes them buy the Buick and then the, the entire back bumper falls off. And yeah. It's good. Uh, the cars are absolute pieces of shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just that great bit where Kurt Russell gets up on the back of the lo- the the truck. He's got the, the tannoid and he's shouting across saying, right, let's go, this. And like the music, the orchestra that's playing, it's got like this um, like triumphant theme going. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's just like, man... It's like at that moment, it's like, man, I am really enjoying this film. Like the music, that bit's great. Everyone's banding together. Like they're gonna solve their problem. Everything's working out, and it's just that Aye. image of like that mile long of cars driving along a highway. Uh, that's impressive. Like, yeah. like it's, it's uh, very reminiscent of, um, like like a cannonball run, mm-hmm. for sure. Like yeah, or like or convoy, uh, that kind of triumphant kind of exactly. feeling that you get, that's get like behind you've... one man. Your mixture of all these different characters—they're all driving their own cars—and every time something happens, it cuts to each of them for a different reaction. Yeah. And even like when the the two kids tow in the car, and the fucking police officer shows up, and they freak out, and somehow that police car manages to flip over the towed car. I know it's almost like a Blues Brothers esque kind of. Yes. Like how the f- what? Aye. But you just accept it. You just go with it. I say no, yeah. that's fine. Aye. I'm not gonna. Let's just drive away. The police have arrived. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that that boy where it's like, holy shit! <laughs> like there's like three E's in that shit. Oh, it's it's almost as good as like the the holy shit from um from like Blues Brothers when like the crash the Winnebago. Aye. And then uh, it's and what was the moment where obviously they have to take it to the valley. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a a police checking point, and that's where uh. fucking Roy shows up, and it it turns into something that well, I felt like a fucking Mad Max was sitting drooling on the back of cars. <laughs> He's whipping them with a chain. Ah, you know what? I never even thought about that, man. Until you've mentioned that now. Mm-hmm. Just like um, his desperation, and Aye. even fucking Mikey shows up with a fucking handgun. I know. It's like they settle, pal. Mean, I know. <laughs> Just getting a little bit carried away. It's just a fucking, you know, just a couple of used car lots. I know. All of a sudden, Mikey's got tears tattooed on his face. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like fucking 13 on his neck. Call <laughs> <laughs> himself Eastside Bathos. But um, it's when he, when they crash, uh, when they, they bunk cars and he lands on the bonnet 
and he's right in front of um, Jim. Mm-hmm. And it's got him and Jim's got a great scene where he's sitting shouting with the other drivers. Like, oh, I want you. He's like, oh, come get me. And they're just fucking <laughs> like, really, come on then. And Mikey <laughs> lands in front of him and he just fucking punches through the windshields <laughs> and takes <laughs> him out. Yeah, again, just sort of like going down that hole. Um, it just he, he's he's either zero, he's a hundred, isn't it? It's, Aye. it's a nice start. Like. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I don't think there's much else because obviously they get there. Like the only tailback is when Jeff realizes he's in the red car and has the mental breakdown. Yeah. And the towed car was obviously their safety car, like the extra car. So it all falls on Jeff's shoulders to. That's right, Jeff. Jeff and the Beagle. Aye. Getting over that train. I know, and it's, it is a great moment where he's thinking, right, is he just going to wait for the train to go through? But no, like that that car with um, well, the truck with the other car on, on its roof. Yeah. It just provides like that great moment where he's like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's just go over the ramp. Like, no wonder that he's biting onto his fucking lucky rabbit feet. I know. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one should attempt that. No, no, but it's almost like that. We always sort of always said it when I was like recording with Smith. Is like you can appreciate a practical stunt, and yes, you know, that, that's another one that is, and it was impressive. Like, and some of the like the, the stunt driving at the end, just bringing in a lot and stuff. So always, always good to see. And I love how, like, obviously the the fucking judge what nothing to do with it. Oh no, no. more, more interested about the jolly at the office. I'm like, ah, you get nine holes in. You had other plans. And like, it's the fucking shitbag lawyer. It's like, right, let's start measuring. Let's start counting the cars. And his <laughs> bus is tripping. I'm going, oh. And he's, and he's giving him more shit. He's like, come on now. Why is it taking so long? He's like, I can't put these boys on rollerblades now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just laughing at him. Like a, it looks like a, just a fucking old wicked witch. Just uh. without the green makeup. Because he does like a wee <laughs> cackle. Because he's quite chuffed with his rollerblade joke. <laughs> And then it's all just like the the absolute chaos that ensues. They they measured um, two hundred fifty cars very quickly. Yes, the the, the magic of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's where the, they get to that point at the end where the measurements are. Ah, there's just inches left, and they fucking hit the car, and the license plate pops out, and the ju- the the judge is like, "Good enough for me." I know. <laughs> like, let's get to the golf course. Aye, uh, but then it also he, he turns very very quickly. Um, on the other brother as well, doesn't he? And um, he's all he's all a bit beaten up and looking a bit worse for wear. Yes, aye. So, I think that's that's justice for you, those two. And justice. it kind of finishes on that note, isn't it? Like, I think kind of I like the way it, they went out on like where they they just kind of agreed in the way that they were just going to con this old woman. Where they're talking about like the the yellow primer on the car. It's like, wait, yeah. was that a taxi before? And they're looking at each other and says, come on, you've got to accept our, our shite bag ways of conning people with bad cars. <laughs> ah, true. Um, but no, I, I think whether or not it's just like the, the love conquers always do. They, yes. She um, she completely forgives him, lying him about mm. her father. And completely forgives him, lying him at the end. Knowing all about the, the, the motorway that's going to make them very rich. Yeah, that's going to bring all this business to them. Yeah, aye. They go that the money talks bullshit runs a marathon, as aye. they say. <laughs> so. It cuts to the sequel and the fucking motorway's done nothing for them. Absolutely. Basically, what's happened is it's like cars, 
they've just been <laughs> bypassed. That's how Radiator Springs it's fucked. Oh. So everybody sat out in the forecourt like that. Mm. That would have been amazing if cars had race. a used car reference. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if it does. That would be a good shout. If it did, that would be deep cut, that. Like. Yeah. Just a wee Hispanic car sitting grabbing Sally's bonnet. <laughs> yeah. Like blatantly. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit uncalled for. Yeah, you have to honestly go back and watch it and you just be like that. What the fuck? Be, I, I can't even go over that. I was just like, eh? Have I just seen that? Yeah, I didn't I didn't rewind or that. I just was like that. What a cheeky bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, yeah, Ramon, like, grabbing Sally's <laughs> posh tay. <laughs> Aye. Oh, you can tell we're fathers of small children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know that, the, yeah, when, when are we doing cars and Let's not do Cars 2, maybe not even Cars 3, but, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to do, like, a a, a dad episode. Ah, no, um, Pixar dads season. And swearing. Yeah, pi- oh, yeah, Dads and Swearing. Mm-hmm. There you go. Actually, that's, that's the name of your Pixar season right there. <laughs> um, so, the, just obviously, like, you listen to if I do sound a bit tired, it was my son that Ted decided to, to throw up on me at 2 o'clock this morning. Um, didn't get didn't get back to bed and went to work. Uh, so, a bit, a bit sleepy. So if I do sound a bit low energy, I do apologise, but I hope I've made, made it entertaining. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm made this really at this point now, we're, we're done. You're free. And, ah, okay. So yes. Well, that, yeah, that was an interesting, it was an excellent for you, an interesting for you, back into the world of talking to a microphone about films. Mm-hmm. So th- thank you for affording me that opportunity, Steve. No problem at all. And let's continue with the show. You want to see him sprayed all over that map, baby? Where's the president? I swear to God, Snake, I don't know. Don't fuck with me. Welcome back. Uh, Mike, did you ever see used cars? I did. Yes. I did see used cars. Um, I've not seen it in, I reckon I could probably say about 20 years. Mm. I, I'm, one of the films I kind of hope to like come across that, like... Streaming. Streaming or even on like, like, like TCM or something like that. Yeah. Just because like, I kind of grew up watching it with my dad and stuff, and I always... I can never remember like the whole film, so I'm kind of always interested to figure out what I'm missing with. Uh, then 1981, we had The Fox and the Hound, one of the the classic Disney animated films. Yeah. And he was a uh, Copper the Hound. I mean, obviously we watched it as a kid. Yeah. I know something. I think he was the Hound. Yeah. But that's it. I remember watching it in primary school. It was just like one of those random occasions where I guess they couldn't be bothered teaching you, so they put on a tape. Yeah. And and then I rewatched it for that cur- that year. And I was trying to find there's like a moment where one of them gets killed, and you're just like, "Don't cry in front of the children. <laughs> don't don't cry in front of the children." Um. But at this point now, in 1981, Escape from New York is now time for me and you to discuss. Yeah. The film from director John Carpenter. Yep. Uh, written and... Well, sorry. I written by John Carpenter and Nick Castle. Yes. Who, he, it's The Shape, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that is the, the fucking dude from Halloween. The pair of them have written this film. And so it was interesting to see his name pop up, like, yeah. written by. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I seen it last night and I was like, holy shit. Just to see that he was more than just an actor. He was a stuntman, really. Yes, I... and then he did dabble in some like directors. He directed that uh, the last Starfighter. Exactly, that's a significant film. 
uh, from the period. Remember I've never anything. seen it. I don't think I have seen it, but I can't, can't quite determine if I've seen it or not. Aye, I was thinking I'd saw it, but I think I have it confused with Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting confused with. Mm-hmm. So, the cast, we have Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken, Lee Van Cleef as Hawk, Ernest Bognine as Cabby, Donald Pleasance as the President, uh, Isaac Hayes as the Duke of New York, Season Hubble as Girl and Chuck Full of Nuts, Harry Dean Stanton as Brain, Adrian Barbeau as Maggie, and Tom Atkins as Remy. Yeah. Mike, what is the plot to Escape from New York? Um, after the present crash lands and the toughest part of futuristic Manhattan is up to prisoner Slake Snake Plissken to <laughs> he is pretty sleek. rescue him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I that is it. Um, now, Mike, was this the first time watch for you? Nah, no, definitely was not. I oh. kind of, I always remember watching it when I was younger. Obviously, you, the type of film that's kind of kind of hard to follow all the way through sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was like, like in my teens that I kind of what's the word? Probably appreciated it or, uh, or yeah. uh, understood the storyline. Yeah and then I think I also didn't remember much about it until I like picked it up on Blu-ray a few years back. Mm-hmm. This is probably the I would say second occasion that I have properly watched it. I caught it originally, uh, obviously when I was doing my Kurt Russell challenge, that was one thing, but it showed on ITV4 that year, so I just recorded it on TiVo, uh, put it on, but the bad thing about it was I remember the fact that there was adverts every five minutes, Uh. what felt like it, because the film ran, the recording ran for about two hours and ten minutes, and it's nowhere near that, it's like an hour and forty, a hundred minutes. Yeah, about that. But all I remember is the fucking 118, 118 adverts at the tail end, like before and after every advert sequence, Mm. and it just done my face in, so it really ruined the flow of the film, because it would just get started, and then cut to 118, 118, and like, oh, piss off. So aye, it was was essential for me to properly watch this again, because I did buy the Blu-ray out of uh, CEX, Uh, I think it was the same summer, I just saw it, and it was like, fiver, I'm like, Bro, yeah. do. I don't think LA has a release. No, it might be DVD only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I, pro- I probably would buy LA because I watched the LA earlier on this year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it doesn't age well. I know, I, could, I, mean, I could agree. It's, it's, it's not a bad film. Yeah. And I mean, like Steve Buscemi's there. Exactly. I'm kind of torn between this Pam Greer playing like a, a man she or that. Mm, aye. Um, um what's his name? Who's the fucking guy that helps him at the door when they're surfing the like tsunami thing? Oh shit. Um I know who you're meaning, but I cannot tell you his name at this it's time. It's no David Carradine, is it? Before he obviously. Yeah. Hung himself in fucking some Asian hooker fucking closet. Yeah. <laughs> Pour one out for David Carradine. <laughs> uh, no, I can't figure out the name, but yeah, I fucking can't either. Uh, right, Mike. So, what is your thoughts of the film? 
Um, yeah, uh, I mean, what is it to fucking say about the family? Like, can you get the we just starts off with that score, and I mean that that score is as iconic as what fucking it Snake is. Aye, it's one of those things where it, it's very memorable, and it's it's like even if the film doesn't stay with you, that fucking score will stay with you. You'll just hear, yeah. and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. It's just. And I just had it playing in my head like the other day I was at work and I could just, just hear I, that you're, I'm just walking about work and the theme's playing in my head. It's like that fucking family guy joke where Peter had like a theme tune harassing uh, him. He was walking around and every time he started walking the theme music started playing. Uh, and like that was what was happening to me. Like by the day, end of the day I just made fashion an iPad shit like a post-it pad. Uh, just going a bit more work, shelving books. <laughs> fucking cry me. Sutherland. <laughs> like she's drinking at work again. I mean, it's like when you watch the film. Obviously, you didn't get the the remastered. Yes, I. One that we've got on like aye, it's or, the old. Yeah, because obviously, like the one big thing I can notice difference is when you watch, and the madness, like the soundtrack sounds totally different to when you listen to it on the remastered. Yes, I, I, because that's it. They've done it all again. Um, now my opinion of the film. Might be slightly controversial, but I love the idea of the film. Yeah. I mean, it was made at the perfect time, like early 80s. All the trailers have like that excellent grindhouse narrator. Uh. And it has, it's, it's like one of like, the ultimate B movies. It's got the plot, the president's crashed on Manhattan, which is now a fucking a prison uh, island. Uh, prison island, yeah. And like, how fucking cool is Kurt Russell's character? Like, it is an iconic character. Like, it's cool as fuck. Like, even the design of him having a fucking eye patch. It looks like he's in this military wear, and it is no doubt a cult classic. Like when I was released, you knew that yeah. that was definitely gonna be a cult classic in the making. But for some reason, it's definitely strange that I don't love this film as much as I feel I should, because yeah, I, I was... know a lot of people fucking really love this film, and I watched it, and it's definitely good. But it's weird they share their enthusiasm as much as I feel I should. Yeah, I mean, I was watching it last night. And I mean, are you saying like like the whole like, storyline? That's fucking. It's, it's stupid. That something that's never going to happen, obviously. But I mean, and it's the type of that's comes with, set with, in nineteen ninety seven. I know. I that how, seems to be the trend with a lot of films. What's the other one that done it? It was Demolition Man. They set their future. No, in the they, late nineties. They start. Uh, they started in like. 1996 or something, or 1995, aye. and then it was like 40 years later. Um, oh, Predator 2 was set in 1997, like 10 yeah. years after the original and shit. Yeah, and I mean, I'm no one to fucking shit on this film, but I mean, it might be something that has to grow on me, I might need to watch it more, but it, it's a film you could easily watch. Like, I've no mentioned any notes about rewatchability, but it is something that it's 100 minutes, it's, yeah. it's nothing. There's um, I th- I mean, it's the film's got some really good effects, yes, and some really terrible, terrible effects. Like well, I'm talking the bit towards the end where they're on the roof and they cut the ties of the plane, and like the wee planes, like that's the shot of the plane falling in the building, and it looks, aye, it has not aged well. It looks like a paper plane. It, it possibly could have been yeah. because it was early eighties. This was, was it post-Halloween, wasn't it? Halloween ah, yeah, was first. Ha- Halloween was the 70s, aye. Aye, so 
I reckon it, we've, we've not obviously not talked about the budget yet, but I reckon how much money he got to play with. But the technology was wasn't readily available. Yeah. So I'd imagine there were probably like miniature models yeah. used. I like the like when you see the shots of like the choppers looking down in the city. I like the, like the visual they're using for that with like the luminous like light and outlining the buildings and stuff. Oh, aye, it's, it's, it's like an X-ray where it's all black and they've got green outlines. Aye. Now, I thought it looked pretty good. Aye. Did you... Have you read the, the trivia note about that? Aye. aye? And the, just first now. Thing, the first thing I did recognise was the voice narrating the start. Uh, obviously, everything that's happened. And before I went and read the notes, I was fucking on the money set that it was Sigourney Weaver. Right. That was doing the voice. Okay. Because she kind of sounded a wee bit like, like Ripley. Yeah. And, I, and then... I was like, is it? I don't know. And then when I went and checked in, I went, ah, obviously. But it was obviously Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah. And it was like an uncredited like, role. So ah, I, I wonder if maybe she got a couple quid for it, maybe. <laughs> Here, work for me for ten minutes. But like, when you that. listen to it, like, I reckon if it was because it was like fucking about midnight, I was watching it last night, and I was thinking, is that, is that fucking Sigourney Weaver? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think it was like... Because obviously they're going to be would have been big at that time of after Alien, eh? and I was thinking, it maybe would have cost a bit extra to get fucking Sigourney Weaver. Oh, aye, definitely. For some reason, I think when I heard it, I had a thought where I thought was it Linda Hamilton, uh, but apparently it was like probably makes no sense. But I never looked it up. Probably unknown at that time. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the story? Um, I mean. <laughs> It's it's like one of those far like far and the thing plots, is as well is it's one of these tried and tested methods in films where you see criminals like are going to be getting it's, it's like Suicide Squad mm-hmm. like they go and do something and if they do it they're going to get released and yes. it's it's kind of like like Demolition Man Aye. and uh, fucking Wesley Snipes comes out of cryo fucking prison Aye. and then in order to stop them they have to thaw out Stallone yes. Uh, and I mean, it's one of the fun that you you switch your fucking brain off and Aye. you watch it. And I mean, like, I did quite like Ernest, Ernest Bognine's character as the cabbie. I thought he was, I thought he, he was a bit great, lighthearted and he was quite like his music he was playing. I thought it was quite, quite mm-hmm. comical. To be honest, I was, I was sitting scrolling through his filmography trying to figure out where the fuck I know him from. And to be honest, I think I might have just got him mixed up with the fucking, the cabbie for Scrooged. Because then when I looked uh, at the cabbie for Scrooge, completely different cunt. But yeah. He just had like that look. The, yeah. The cabbie for Scrooge was a lot younger than uh, Ernest was, but he's got that great look where he always just seems so fucking happy, even though he's in this like prison islands watching yeah. some vaudevillian show, but he just looks like he's off his tits and stuff and he's just so happy. <laughs> what I, about- I thought it was a bit an interesting casting choice. To have Donald Pleasance as the president. Mm-hmm. I mean, none, I mean, they take nothing away from Donald Pleasance. And that, like, he was fucking brilliant in Halloween. I'm trying to think what else he was in. It was good. Oh, Prince of main... Darkness, he was pretty good. Aye, well, he's one of the main characters, isn't he? Aye. Because I've, I've, I've yet to watch it, but I've seen him. He was on the cover of the the new release. Like, he's on yeah. the, the poster. Um, I mean, he's... Being in like also your old like style war films and stuff, but I think he's more iconic roles with like Doctor Sam Loomis and then exactly. this role here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 
It was alright. He kind of looked a wee bit youngish. Aye, there was... I, I reckon if he had much to do, he was... Like, obviously, he was just like... Yeah, a, it was just a, a, a weird choice for him to, like, handcuff his hands to, like, the, the briefcase. I didn't care. Aye, the documents. I guess the, these valuable documents he could not part with. Yeah. Because, obviously, it had, like, that tape, which was... I think they were saying it had the the information that needed to cancel the, like, the threats of war. Yeah. Like this this nuclear fusion thing. That, it was all recorded on this cassette. So it was essential that the president was kept with this cassette. So, because he was going to like a peace conference when he got shot down, Aye. wasn't he? Yeah. Well, he wasn't shot down. It was hijacked Aye. by this crazed woman who was part of like a terrorist organisation. But we've got to talk about Snake Plissken. I mean, if you've ever wanted to see Kurt Russell doing an impersonation of uh, Clint Eastwood, there you go. Ah, it it's definitely... quite broody. Ah, like, I just talking in that low voice where, like, it didn't look like he's gonna move his lips much, but it, you cannot deny it. It is probably one of the fucking coolest characters. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you didn't like kind of figure out why he's called Snake till midway and or towards the, like, the last act of the film where he's. On that table. Oh, he's a big fucking tattoo. tattoo yeah. yeah. How I like how the fucking bottom half of the snake suggestively just go below the belt. It's like, how far? Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but it's like, how far does the tattoo go? Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell probably, aye. I, I reckon this was the role that made him. Yes, aye. It at could the be, time, anyway. Because that was 81. 81 so, so, and yeah. we mentioned all the films prior to it, and yeah. there's no really. Used cars was just like so on the verge. I was like, that's a big one, but yeah. this is the one that kind of broke the mold. Eh? Like, yeah. he was a Disney kid doing all these films. Used cars was a bit more raunchy, and this is him fucking sci fi B movie, badass bank robber, special forces agents set to save the president. Yeah. So, um, what I noticed on the, the Blu ray was. It had a trailer and it had a deleted scene and it was showing you what he'd done to get put in jail. Yes. I've, I don't know what, I never watched it. It was like quarter to one minute. I think it was supposed to be, it's like a bank, a bank, bank robbery, robbery, yeah. Yeah. And it might have him and uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character. Because uh, they, they mentioned that they'd worked the job together and it yeah. all went tits up. But And I mean, there you go, Harry Dean Stanton, eh? I you, know, like, you can't help but love that cunt. Oh, I loved his his line at the end, like uh, like seconds before he's fucking killed. But once they blew up the taxi, and he's like, "I told you, take a right, you ass." <laughs> and he just has like that great deadpan delivery, where I think he was described as like a some sort of poet because it's him yeah. and uh, Adrian's character uh, Maggie. Yeah, they're held up in like a library. She doesn't really they? talk, does she? No, she just fucking runs around in a low-cut top. A very low-cut top. Yes. I feel her fucking chest should have got, like, casting credits as well. Like, <laughs> they got put through a lot of work in this film. Like, you've seen them running down the stairs of that library. It's like, I, even on audio commentary, Kurt Russell says, I deacon how anyone managed to focus in that scene at all. <laughs> like, everyone should have just been looking at her. I'm... I'm- Hoping the new remaster's got a lot of fucking, a lot of new stuff with it, because I will, I will definitely. We we do have to give a wee a wee bit uh, 
to the late Frank Doubleday. I know. He's a fucking brilliant wee character in this. No, I was like, I was watching it last night and I'm like, I, I can that dude. I know that dude. And then right. I went and looked through the cast and I was like, Frank Doubleday. And I was like, that name runs a bell. And then when I clicked on the thing and I, oh, that's a fucking. I mean, it had that iconic role in Assault Precinct 13. Yes. I mean, I wonder how much it would have cost for it to take the, the cast to pull the trigger. <laughs> Aye, but I mean, this role here, it was great. Like that introduction scene when you had Lee Van Cleef yeah. and his SWAT team, and he comes in, he's like this wee vampire goth kid going, <laughs> and then they started to do this wee countdown. Aye, and they were just like, back off, let's go, yeah. get away. I mean, one shot where it's like him and the Duke, and they're sitting, it was when they're sitting taking pot shots at the president. And he's all kitted out in gold. And he's like, this boy looks like the fucking, like, supersonic the hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> the way his fucking hair goes back and spikes. Yeah. He's gold. He's got all this gear um, on. He's like... No, leading up to that scene about him taking pot shots at uh, Donald Pleasance while he was handcuffed. To Aye. I did find it really amusing when Donald Pleasance and in distress. In distress and it- in drag. Oh yeah, uh, and the American flag, and he's tied to the chair. <laughs> I almost thought you were going to say about his delivery, like where you had uh, Isaac, Isaac Hayes, yeah, getting him to say his name, like you are the Duke, like you are number one, <laughs> <laughs> and it was always one of those things that like Trevor from Ask Movie Side UK would say, like for no fucking reason, like you are the Duke. Like, as if it's like Tourette's. And I always wonder, where the fuck are you saying? Like, I always thought it was like, it's just one of the daft things he says. Because he had a lot of daft things he says. And I mean, his accent in this is a bit, like, when you listen to his accent in, like, Halloween and especially when he's that, like, eccentric. Yes. And, like, towards the end of like, Halloween where he's shouting and all that. He's a bit more calm, even though he's, like, in distress. Aye. And it's just, it's when he's up against that wall with all the fucking holes around him. I'm just kind of expecting him to just piss his pants. Yeah, aye. But it's when he gets to fucking turn it on his head at the end where Donald Pleasance has gone to the top of the wall and he just picks up one of the dead soldier's guns and starts fucking firing shots into the Duke and there he is again fucking repeating the dialogue about, you are the Duke! (laughs) And he's just fucking tearing him open with a machine gun. Mm. I mean, as well, like, like Isaac Hayes as well, he is a cool dude in this film like, like only he like and maybe Keith David could get away with putting fucking chandeliers oh, on their cars man. like Keith, many fucking chandeliers Keith fucking David I know like that's another tangent we could fall doing but <sighs> it's just the fact that they have was it Corvettes or like yeah and they had fucking chandeliers on them like how fucking pimp does that look like only <laughs> shaft yeah <laughs> only I wonder though like because I reckon this would have been around the time where like Richard Roundtree was like kind of coming off the plane of shaft. I wonder if maybe they persuade and try to get him. Cause Aye. I wonder what would have because Isaac Hayes was like a, a music performer. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe the water today is something a bit different. Aye. I was like listening to it and I was like, that chef, that chef. Exactly. Right I was just kind of like waiting for him to like bust it out a bit of chocolate salty balls. Yes, I thankfully the president didn't need to get introduced to those. I know. Uh, let's see what 
Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I've just got the fucking image of Donald Pleasant giving Isaac Hayes a hammer. <laughs> you are the Duke. <laughs> you are number one. <laughs> so we'll crush you on his face. Uh, uh, I think the one thing in this film that I did not do was the fight between Kurt Russell and oh yeah there's oh no I forgot to look up who he was who he was because he looked I, I was I, that's one day like day. nowadays it, it looks as if it was it's like the big show but yeah it I looked like, it was like, uh, something like like somebody with Flash Gordon it looked like Ming yeah. the Merciless but huge just look and I think the credit is just something like it was like stag or slag or just some generic big beefy bastard and I was there to fight him but I did appreciate like how he managed to kill him I was the, the, the it was the baseball bat with nails wasn't yeah. it to the back of the head and it just he falls like over the ropes and it's just staying there and it was a good effect because when he hits him and he lets go of the bat and it just stays there so you you know the fucking nail is embedded in his yeah. skull. Uh, uh, his name is Ox Baker. Ox. Oh fucking, he's old as shit. <laughs> um, What's the top four? Um, how do you figure the top four? Again? I guess use the first four listed, and then it's in the order. All right. So, escape <clears throat> from New York. Yep. Um, blood circus. All right. Aliens come to Earth to fight has-been professional wrestlers. Okay. Let's see if there's anybody interested. Nope, Cassie. Pinwheel. 2017, but the guy died in 2014. Okay. And Stampede Wrestling, so he was a wrestler. Right, I was going to say that was... Professional wrestler. Um, that must have been Big Show's dad. Battle Creek Brawl. Oh, aye, with Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah. So... He looked... He, looked, he, did, like, he, he looked the like Yeah. Ah, he looked like a big mess and cunt. <clears throat> and I mean, that was like the only part of the film where I thought, like, there's just... There was no really any need for it, you know? Mm-hmm. It was good, you know, like, a few people mentioned it, but when uh, Snake, like, when they get caught by the Duke and... They have like Snake pinned up, and they've got uh, like a an arrow in his leg. Yeah, and, and it goes up to him and like twists it and stuff. Exactly, I like the continuity to that because Snake spends the rest of the film with a limp. Like he's got his belt wrapped around the leg, but he's always fucking dragging that leg for the rest of the film, so you could tell like he's properly been mm. injured. I quite liked um, the scene. I did quite like the, like the escape towards the end when Brain. And Maggie decide to day one air on fucking yes. uh, Romero well, double day. Aye. But um it's just it's the face that fucking Frank Double Day pulls when he's been knifed. Aye, aye, I think Falcon mentioned like he's almost like deflating him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just how quick Maggie fired the gun. And yes. very accurately. <laughs> aye. I I feel we need to have a wee toast to Frank Double Day. Since he is no longer with us. Clink. 
because even though it is only really two roles, it's been some of the most significant parts of John Carpenter's films. Yeah. So we rest in peace that golden little hedgehog. <laughs> that magnificent hairy. I had. always um, kept forgetting as well that um, Charles Cyphers was in this as well. He was one of the like the higher ups. Uh, uh, Lee Van Cleef's character and that. Oh, right, okay. And he was obviously the uh, Sheriff Brackett in Halloween. Right, okay. And he kind of looked, I think a couple of years obviously after that, and he kind of looked a bit withered. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the thing about like John Carpenter films back in the times, and even like, he's kind of doing what like Quentin Tarantino's doing. He's mm. kind of like the same, like, mix of people yes. putting them in like the same films, because I mean, he worked with Russell two years in a row. Aye. But then Escape and then uh, The Thing. Yep. And then went back a few years later with... Big Trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was the same with, obviously, well, Frank Doubleday had worked with him already. I can't remember if... I don't think Harry Dean Stanton was in anything else with him, but... Uh, no. uh, so it might have just been... It's just really curt and uh, Adrian... With her being in the fog. Yeah, Cotton Adrian, Donald Pleasance was in Ah, of course, yep, that's um, it. So I think that's the main one, because Lee Van Cleef, I don't remember him appearing in anything else. No. Isaac Hayes, I don't think, was no. anything else. But um, one thing I do really love about this film is the artwork to it. You know, cinematography. Those, those uh, no, I mean the actual physical, like the posters. Oh, like, like that poster of the Statue of Liberty. Yes, that is crumbled and then, but like, so because that's, uh, I was gonna say that's almost as iconic. But I think I just really love the artwork that they produced because, as we said, Snake's an iconic character. So the design of them is brilliant. Uh, but I always really love it. Every time I'm in Edinburgh and I'm flipping through the soundtracks in Fop, they always have Escape from New York. Nobody buys it because of it, like. 30 quid, it's always so fucking dear, but it's just uh. the poster of Snake and the president, and I think it's Adrian firing a gun, but it's just that great image of, like, the destroyed Statue of Liberty and... Yeah. And I think, actually, in the film, it's still intact, because uh, it has a uh, helicopter shot of it going yeah. around it. It's a bit, uh, mass marketing there, like... Aye. Supposedly that image is... What do you cry it? Uh, somewhat inspired Cloverfield... Because their image of the Statue of Liberty had the, the top head half. Missing, yeah. Yeah. And that and the was... the it was rolled in shape. Exactly. And, like, that makes sense. Like, if they had that poster of the headline in the street, yeah. that works. But that was supposedly, like, a reference to, I think, J.J. Abrams really liked Escape from New York. And that iconic poster was, like, one of those things. Yeah. Now, whilst the, the artwork we're getting for the new 4K releases is a little bit different, but it's still... Just as good, I think it just comes down purely to the design of Snake Plissken. Yeah. Looking like, just, I think if I watched this as a kid, I probably would have loved it a lot more because it's like the ultimate action man movie. Yeah. I mean, as well, like, how OTT is the fact that he's got like an Uzi with a fucking massive barrel on it and a massive scope. I know. It's an iconic weapon. And supposedly in one of the more recent seasons of The Walking Dead, Carol uses the exact like same model of the gun oh. for one episode and, and I, it's just a carpenter reference. I like how fucking accurate as well um, the Duke is when he's taking the pot shot at the president and then it's just 
sitting, sitting, chatting with him, like he's, the gun laid on his like, like his lap, and he pulls the trigger, and it manages to fucking shoot the <laughs> the briefcase. Yeah, the snag bit that like obviously opens it. I think uh, one of John Carmichael's comments on that scene was that they were joking about one of the things that you didn't see in the scene. Every time Isaac Hayes fired the gun, obviously the 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 shells of the gun would pop out, and it kept hitting um, Frank Doubleday because he was sitting right beside him. So <laughs> I think it was just because the shell was hot. But you know, was, you see, every time he did a shot, Frank Doubleday would flinch uh, because he was feared he was going to get hit by the shell of the gun, uh, or the shell of the bullet. Now, are, are we at the ending? I feel, is there any other... I think we're pretty much... I think we've reached that far yeah. in our discussion. Now, it is a good, like, where they decide, right, time's running out. The the wee fucking capsules in his neck, which is like feels like the most like eighties sci fi is like we've injected you with a fucking agent that's gonna explode in twenty two hours unless you save the president. And they're getting in at like fifteen minutes left, and the, all of them's in this fucking taxi going across the bridge covered in mines just to get the fucking president to safety. Yeah, we'll overlook the fact that they managed to blow a taxi clean in half with a landmine. Yeah. It's probably it's a low budget film. You shouldn't squabble over those things, but it's the fact that all the characters start dying so quick. Yeah, you feel so bad. The brain gets done by the the mine. Ah, he just runs and fucking hits. <laughs> it's this great shot where it looks like just a, like a dummy gets launched into the yeah. air. And then obviously fucking Maggie's distraught. absolutely fucking pretty much split in half by the taxi. Ah, like and it's one of those shots I reckon if it was done deliberately, but. Also, she takes Snake's gun. Well, he loses his iconic gun, and he's uh, just got a gun. But when she takes it and holds it, she just squeezes. Like it's one of these things. Like I don't know if it was intentional that she had to squeeze her tits together to fire this gun, but it was made clear that like I wouldn't have fancy catching the fucking hot shells and them. Like <laughs> imagine that. I'm sure it's ten enough hot shots back in the day, but thankfully Mike did not spit his beer across the table. I know. To that, that lame joke, but fucking her getting ran down is brutal. Yeah. Because also she was just trying to fucking shoot out the Duke because he was like chasing after them, but yeah. wasn't it a good enough shot? So, but I love it when obviously we've, we've talked about Donald Pleasance and Isaac Hay having their wee shootout, but they get out, they get over the ropes, they get over the wall. And Snake runs up to like that doctor, that scientist who's got the panels to de- to destroy the capsules in his neck, and I love like he's got this intensity, but he's also fucking really exhausted. That like, he's out of breath, and he's like his eyes are white, and he's fucking his chest heaving up and doing, and he's sitting looking at the wee timer on his wrist as it runs out, and he's like, okay, my head didn't blow up off my shoulders, I'm safe. Whatever fucking because it looked like little panels you would give somebody. Like to zap their chest. Oh, like, the defibrillator. A defibrillator. defibrillator right. Aye. It looks like that and they put it on his neck. But the great scene that follows it is when he, get, he wants like a moment of the president's time. Yeah. Just to see, like, like all these people kind of die there. What, like, how, how were you feeling? And how did you feel, like, with the reaction that he got from the president? Like, his answer was so half hearted as well. It's like that phony, half-arsed, phoned-in answer. Yeah, I mean, I was, 
I was kind of waiting for fucking Buskin to like somehow like have like a stash gun. Because that's it, he was getting shaved. He was, he was ready for like a television appearance, wasn't he? Yeah. I almost thought he was just going to take a blade and just fucking cut the boy, but you realise he's already pulled a fast one on him by swat- switching the cassette tapes. Aye. Giving him, it was like some old, old town. Aye, it's one of the tapes for the cabbie. Yes, aye. So it's just like a wee jazz song. And it's just when he's on it's TV. His reaction is Where like, he's like, I have the answer that's going to solve all our problems. This cassette tape will solve, it will create world peace, blah, blah, blah. And he plays it and he's like, what if they put the tape in and it was like, you are the Duke. Oh, it's just just this fucking home, home <laughs> tape between him and Isaac Hayes. <laughs> chocolate salty balls. Surely someone on YouTube's done that. Oh. Uh. There's bound to be somebody that's parodied it. Oh, what if it's like just a Rick roll? It's like <laughs> the answer is never gonna give you up. <laughs> it's like what? It's like, well, it would be. It would I mean, definitely be been, canon by 1997. That, yeah, that would have been way ahead of its time, like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's only the internet would appreciate a joke like that. But it was just great that Snake's walking away and he's got the limp and he's just pulling all the cassette tape apart. I'm like, fuck you. Aye, because like, obviously he has that wee, a wee meeting with um, Lee, Lee Van Cleef. Cleef. Aye, because he's like, I could do it like a man, like, a man like you would be good on my team. Like, just something like, the the job's yours if you want it. Yeah. And what was it? He's like, oh no. He says, you're going to kill me now? Because they had like that discussion. Aye. And Lee Van Cleef was like, I mind you threatening him. I could fucking kick you off the planet if I wanted to. And Snake's like, I'll fucking kill you. He's like, well, you're going to kill me now? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm fucking tired. And he's like, come on, Snake. And he's like, it's Pliskin. <laughs> like, the friendly time's over. And the score kicks in. It is. Now, when it comes to who steals it, I've put Kurt Russell or Lee Van Cleef. Because I think Lee Van Cleef is also equally as cool as Kurt Russell in this film. And he, yeah. he does a lot of it. He's the main contact for Snake. But... And again, it's also Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. Yeah, I mean, that's his breakthrough role as well, so I mean, it has to be. It's iconic. It is, like, one of the most Actually, famous... nah, nah, nah. Donald Pleasant sealed it for you, you are the Duke. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that on a You're number one. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it is, like, one of those things where it's, like... It's just like, oh, fuck. He says it, and you forget a bit, but it's just when he brings it back at the end... It's, it's as if a scene of deliverance and he's getting to kill the guy that raped him. Or it's like the Paul Pierce the Toast. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh. Smear. Men, smear. <laughs> okay. Um, aye. So the only shit, I mean, that's it. We've covered it. There's no much else. It's really just down to Trivia, Mike. Yeah, well, trivia and budget and box office. Go for it. Uh, what would you think your budget for your 1981 film is? I can't imagine it being much. Five million? <sighs> Close. Six million. Right. Well, that's fair enough because you could tell. Like, and I mean, he was like, he kind of started the whole low budget independent aye. films. And he mentioned it a few times on the audio commentary that they did not have a lot of money. A lot of the shots you see in the film are all done in one take because they didn't have 
the the budget to do like different camera angles, a lot of cutting, editing together. So it was always just one shot camera following them around because it was the cheapest way to film it. Yeah. And even that shot about like all the 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 outline, all the buildings, things like that, rather than using CGI technology because there wasn't a lot of it. They just became creative and done their own thing. So I knew there wasn't a lot of money in it. Yeah. But six million, you said. Yeah. You mm-hmm. reckon I made his money back? Surely six million. I mean, I only got the uh, domestic box office, but domestic box office was at twenty five point six. Million? Yeah. Fucking hell. Okay, that's fine. Because I was really worried for you to say, like, just 25,000. No, you just... No, no, no. Nah. But I guess it, and a half, so. it's post-Halloween, so he was a... Yeah. So that's decent, especially if it's just domestic. That would have been still good if it was just worldwide back yeah. then. Mm. So that's fine. Cause... Uh, trivia notes. We've kind of have kind of picked up on it. Um, Kurt Russell has said in numerous interviews and stuff that this... As his favourite role, and this was his favourite film to work Aye. on. I mean, can who win the work because he's a such an ex mercenary? Exactly. It's. Uh, I was trying to describe, think of it earlier, and it, it is as if, like the figures you got as a kid, action man. Like, yeah. There's never been like a sort of proper action man movie, but that's probably as close as you get. Like sure, the the plot's a wee bit more advanced yeah. than what you'd imagine as playing as a kid, but. Those soldiers you got as a kid, mercenaries, things like that, like this dude with an eye patch, and ex special forces. It's like he is pretty much yeah. the action man. And yeah. when you said he was chuffed about playing that role, on the director's commentary, he did mention that he ten himself, his wife, and I think there's like seven to them, seven like between his children and this that and the next thing, and his family all to like a screening on. I think I think it was like a December release or like Thanksgiving or something, but he paid for his whole family to go see it in the cinema because he was so proud of his performance in it, and he knew his family would enjoy it because it's it's not violent, uh, it's not gore. Like there is one scene that looks like there's going to be someone getting raped uh, towards the start, but there's nothing. Like, I can show this film to Cameron without scarring him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, like you just, I can't show him the thing. I know that. Uh, <laughs> You've got to work up the films like that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I quite like this one. Um, the model that they used for the city was um, repainted and reused for Blade Runner. Okay. So the same model with the city. Aye. They used that for Blade Runner. Aye, it, it, it makes sense because it's both, again, like sort of dystopian futures, but I wonder, probably wouldn't it, I guess it would just cost effective. Yeah. Decision for him to do that. Mm. Be interesting to see if anyone online has done like side by side comparisons with screenshots. Yeah. That'd be quite good to have a look to see if there's anything out there. Um no we've never been like we've never been shown or any proof that Pluskian has like a bad eye. Yeah. And a bit it was him that came up with the idea plus can hear the eye patch. Yeah. I thankfully they never flip it up to see like a, a wound or anything. Yeah. Or if he's just Captain Ron and he's just hiding another eye. <laughs> yeah. Um and the other one was it Carpenter and the crew somehow managed to convince um the city of St. Louis 
uh, the officials to shut off electricity in ten city blocks. So I think I think they filmed in St. Louis. Yes, aye. So get like the whole Manhattan's just like this dead island. There's no yeah. power, and so they managed to get them convinced to shut electricity off for ten city blocks. Fuck's sake! I would uh, be raging if I had a freezer for shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's cut, Russell. Aye. Christmas turkeys in there. <laughs> Um, aye, that was a trivia. trivia there. Normally, this would be the point where we do our Amazon one star review slash Amazon plug, but fuck it, there is no one star reviews because fucking love a Kurt Russell film. I'm not going to talk bad on it. So yes, <laughs> do your Amazon shopping via Films and Swearing. Go to filmsandswearing.com, click on Amazon link, do your shopping as normal. This is the easiest, quickest way to support Films and Swearing. Do your shopping as normal, buy yourself something cool, and we get a small commission of your purchase. Mm. Easiest, fucking most convenient way to support us without having to actually put your hand in your pocket and just pay us. This way you get something you want. So if that, if you want to buy yourself, I reckon, a nice new 4K telly, fucking, uh, uh, was it an Xbox X to go with it? Uh, and all the John Carpenter 4K films. Just go to filmsandswearing.com first and click on that Amazon link. Yeah. Make it Christmas for both of us. <laughs> right, so uh, back to our Kurt Russell filmography. Let's see, 1982, The Thing. We covered this film uh, previously on episode 113. Uh, that was me and Andy, I think it was our, like an October no, I was going to say an October horror season, but it wasn't. It was this when we were doing the cinematic alphabet. All right. When so that was T. So we done the uh. thing, and it was good because Andy that that film blew his mind. I don't think he'd properly seen it before uh. then. He'd, everyone had heard of it. Yeah. Everyone had and seen I mean, clips. I mean, it's still like the the ending is still questionable with this day and age. Yes, I. And I've never. Did you ever play the PlayStation game? No. Nah. No. Nah. Because I think that was a continuation. Oh, right. Or you did not know it was a continuation to, until towards the end. Because I think you... I think you were... You found Keith David's character. Like you were like the clean-up crew or something that went in. Uh, and you find him in the snow. But Kurt Russell's character's not there. So it gave you the impression like, was well, he the thing? But the spoiler at the end of that game was... There's a mystery pilot helping you throughout the game. Turns out to be Kurt Russell's character. Uh. So... But who knows if that's actual canon? Like they can, if they've ever really went into the fact. But I know there's. I think there's been comic books, and then obviously you got that. Uh, I think it was like a 2011 sequel. Ah, uh, prequel. prequel with yeah. Mary. Yeah. Elizabeth Lassie Fifargo. That ruined you McGregor's Joe marriage. Getting... It was all right. Yeah. It, was all right. it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But it was right. like, it kind of made you question. As well, which is what you want for a, a prequel slash remake of a film as big as the thing. And I mean, the thing is really, like, it didn't really gather cult status till like the last, maybe about 15 years, maybe. Because hmm. it ultimately bombed. At the time, I mean, it was the same year as like E.T. and all that. Yes, I actually got... bombed the same weekend as E.T. And Some heavy hitters. And nothing was touching. But I knew it is, it's... Like, years after it it's like one of those fucking uh, films that we all have to see I mean how how hard was it for us to fucking obtain 
the arrow copy. I know, uh, uh, there was like, we were all feverishly messaging each other, saying, oh, it's here, it's here, oh, it's sold out. And then it's like, oh, Savvy's got it. And it's like, it's cheaper. And we're all quickly changing orders. Like, I'll order two. Yeah. And it's the same as like, they're steel books. And then a week later, it's like, we're releasing a standard edition. Like, you're an arsehole. <laughs> What's the point of saying limited edition if you're just going to release, like, a standard yeah. anyway? But I mean, I, 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 I quite like my limited edition. Like, yes, I, it, it is quite a nice wee box. You get the book as well. Mm-hmm. All the production notes, which is a good wee hang. Aye. Uh, let's see. 1983, Silkwood, that was his film with, I think it was Cher and Meryl Streep. It was based on a true story. And about people, I think, what was it? They were working in a factory, but there was something about like radiation. And there was like a cover-up. It was based on a true story, I think. And the yeah. woman that was trying to reveal it all gets run off the road and killed. Sorry, that was the ending of the film, by the way. Uh. <laughs> like, but... Fucking really bleak watch. Uh, Swing Shift, 1984, was one of the films I never got to see. Because I think that's him and Goldie Hawn. But, never got to see I never managed to obtain a copy of that film. Yeah. Uh, 1985, The Mean Season. I think that was like a political thriller. I think he was working at a newspaper for that. And I can't remember really much of anything. Mm. 1986, Big Trouble in Little China, of course. We covered that in our 80s season. Yeah. Uh, episode 143. And obviously, it is uh, one of the fucking greatest films. I think it was the first Arrow Blu-ray I picked up. Probably the same for me as well, I think. I, I like, think I was drawn to the, the specially commissioned artwork uh, Lightning. Yes. On the front cover. And Aye. you had all the bonus features, which I've still never delved into. No, no, I've only ever listened to the audio commentary, um, but you've gotten, well, I guess you have two editions of it now, eh? Nah, I've got rid of the... The original for yeah, the steelbook. Yeah, got the new... The black steelbook. It comes with a, you know, a booklet, I'm a, I'm a sucker for all these fucking spec editions. Eh? Oh, that's it, there's this, there, there is like a more valuable steelbook, aye, the, the white yes, cover, aye. the original poster one. With him... Aye. I know, and that's my preferred cover because I've switched my my normal Arrow Blu-ray from the custom artwork to the, yeah. the original poster because I really do love that original poster, but that would have been my steelbook of choice, but that is like easily 50 quid yeah. sealed. So, yes, I will not be purchasing that just yet. Yeah. Um, then we've got same year, The Best of Times, that Robin Williams football movie Yeah. we spoke of. Um and of course, Overboard, 1987. Yeah, I mean, what's the story of Overboard again? It's he convinces a woman with amnesia that she's her husband. Yes, yeah. aye. She's a, a snooty, I think they have like a run-in where she kind of looks down on him, just being like, yeah, you're a bit of a redneck. She's rich, yeah. she's rich. She falls off a boat, loses her memory. He saves her. She wakes up, wondering what's going on, and he's like, you're my wife. This is our children. Yeah, and I mean, as well, it's, it's, it's quite funny the fact that his character's name in the film is Dean Prophet. Yes, he is definitely profiting. Yes. At least it was like, it's done in a nice sense. Like, he didn't find her knocked out. It's like, <laughs> rape. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> no. Aye. Oh, no, he's going to build Cosby. Oh, no. No, they didn't give me a cup of coffee. No, no. 
Um, then nineteen eighty eight we got Tequila Sunrise. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier with Mel Gibson. I'm home to eventually see it at some point. Mm-hmm. I always check like TCM's like planner in the next week and see if it's anything decent. I mean like I've got Deliverance there. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty sure they had Main Streets one week as well. Alright. Winter People, that was on Netflix for a while. Uh, it was like I um, it was like much like a an old house in the prairie drama. And there's a point where he had a I think he was like sort of looked down upon by the local town people because he was a bit of an inventor. So they all treated him as like a bit of a dandy. And then at one point he'd fallen down like the side of a mountain and got caught cornered by a bear. Yeah. And he had to kind of shoot his way out of that one. Dang one cash. Obviously, yeah. we covered that again in our 80s season. That was like our double bill with Roadhouse. Yeah. Aye. Uh, and that was uh, Films and Swear in episode 146. Then, of course, 1991, Backdraft. Yeah, we covered that this summer. Ron Howard's Backdraft. Yes, that was part of our 90s season. I like how it mentions that he's also listed as Stephen Bull, McCaffrey, and, of course, Dennis McCaffrey. Yeah. The dad. <laughs> like, what's the difference? Mustache. So, yes, that was um, episode 186. Unlawful Entry. Now, from what I can remember... I'm trying to remember who the fuck starred in that film with him. Uh, really, really, really was the yes. like the the mental policeman. Aye. It was like he had a thing for um, Kurt Russell's wife. wife. Aye, and yeah. that is uh, like that should get the arrow treatment down the line. Like if Dark Blue, yeah. like this, I feel like is equal to that. Yeah, I do remember. It was alright. I've, I've, I've not seen it in a while. And I have, really, it was brilliant. I it. think I watched it. Like when I was at the time where I was able to understand films, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe I picking up on the story yeah. and aye, yeah, and I mean it was alright for what I remember, mm-hmm. but I mean obviously this was like uh, this would been the same near enough the same year that Reload I was like fucking just coming off of the Henry Hill fame, right? Okay, so he was like top of his game in that as well. Mm-hmm. Then same year Captain Ron, yeah. we spoke of that already. Him Martin Short. Now, I, f- I feel like the film's like a 12. And I always remember this strange scene where, like, there's actually some nudity that he has sex with his wife in the shower, but it is, like, the smallest shower cubicle. And there's just this shot where she's just pressed against the shower door. And I was like, I'm seeing this woman's tits. This is a... I feel like... <laughs> Almost was... as bad as Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, aye. Yes, because... That, that Mila Jovovich, that was almost like a, a fucking trademark of hers. Yeah. It was always slipping a, P- a nipple. PG rating as well, and, like, full-on two tits were shown. Aye, Everyone. exactly. It was like, ah, they were out of focus, or they were pressed against a shower screen. That was enough to get past the, the BBFC. Yeah. Who knows? Then, now is 1993, our review of Tombstone, so... After the break, you'll hear me and Smithy from Mars Movieside UK covering Tombstone. I'm, I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. <coughs> I said throw down, boy. Welcome to episode 200, Smithy. Hello, sir. How's it going? I'm very good, very good. How about yourself? Ready. I'm getting there. Glad good. Trev's not here. Hi. <laughs> 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 I reckon if you've said something similar, because I think by the time we play this point in the episode, he'll have spoken first. I, so. I, I could always say something like a dick. Ah. <laughs> a dick. 
I'm just wondering why he's like, why did they no one interview you together? They always <laughs> want to talk to us separately. <laughs> so, funny enough, we had you on episode 100 of Films and Swearing That's for right. Batman vs. Superman. Aye. And Trevor never showed up to that one either. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking true. Please, yeah. So, uh, funny we're here 100 episodes later and it's the, it's the same deal, but... It's all the same shit. So... <laughs> Uh, and and we are going to be talking about Tombstone today. Yes. Yes. The awesome Tombstone. I forgot how awesome this film was. Definitely. This is one of the films, I actually said to my wife yesterday, I think one of the films that I'm like, Tombstone's a great film, and I never remember how great it is until I watch it again. Yes. Because there's like that period where you watch it, think it's great, a few years pass, and you think, Tombstone, you look at it, it's on for two hours, like, man, I can't even remember if it's that good. And you start watching like, this is amazing Aye. and it gets better and it gets better this cunt shows up that cunt shows up Aye. that boy's in it and you're like this is fucking a brilliant how how am I not watching this at least once a month Aye, definitely and like how am I not like repeating all this dialogue all the time oh quotable as fuck Aye. quotable as fuck what you gotta do just gotta stand there and bleed come on let's go <laughs> you brought in a thunder <laughs> and like oh, man I feel like I should talk like this at work now it's fucking ace like um, so it is from director George P. Cosmatos. Aye, uh, something like that. Aye. Uh, I've noticed he is the director of Cobra and Rambo First Blood Part 2. Mm. Uh, Tombstone stars, we've got Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday, Sam Elliott as Virgil Earp, Bill Paxson as Morgan Earp, Powers Booth as Curly Bill, and Michael Bean as Johnny Ringo. And I mean... This film's got Hobdy. Everybody. Charlton Heston, Stephen Lang, Thomas Hayden Church, Dana Delaney, Paul Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, Billy Bob Thornton, a wee baby face, chubby cheek Billy Bob Aye. Thornton, Terry O'Quinn, Aye. Billy Zane with hair. Another one of his great wigs. <laughs> all cunt in their dug <laughs> is in this film. It is surprisingly epic casting. It is an awesome cast. Let's see the plot to Tombstone. Uh, successful lawmans plan to retire anonymously in Tombstone, Arizona are disrupted by the kind of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. Because the boy just wants a quiet life. He does. He just wants to make some money. Aye. And quickly. <laughs> uh, Smithy, what, what made you choose Tombstone? Um, well, this wasn't actually my f- first choice that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd kind of thought of like a John Carpenter one. But I think you did might have done it or aye. yeah and then uh, similar to this uh, in a film that I absolutely love but I never realised how much I love until I'm watching it I considered Vanilla Sky oh thought, aye he's not got a big enough part in this no he's like a maybe he's like a counsellor or he's like a psychiatrist or he shows up like every so often but oh. then I remember Tombstone and I was like Tombstone's fucking ace mm-hmm. I've not watched that for years Good excuse to revisit great, it. Definitely a great excuse to uh, watch it again. Aye. Do you own it? Aye, I do, aye. Aye. I, I was, I would, oh, by the time the credits were up, I was on Amazon thinking about buying it, but I reckon if there's any special editions out. I think there was a steelbook at some point, but I didn't think there was anything different. Aye. I think it's just got like a making of trailers, right. storyboards. Yeah. There's nothing amazing on the blue or that. Because that, that's my thing, if I watch something. I then look to see if like if I could if it's a DVD I'll just then 
I'll just burp all over it. Um, <laughs> I'll just engorge on like special features about Aye. something I'm really getting into. You've obviously seen Tombstone before. Yes. You got, do you have like any first memories? I was trying to think about this, and I, I'm not actually sure when I first seen it. I think I maybe seen bits of it when it came out. My dad's a huge Western fan. And he's actually been to Tombstone. Oh, um, so he's fucking daft on his Westerns. <laughs> but I'm sure I've maybe seen bits of it when he had it on video. Yeah. And I think I didn't actually properly see it all until late 90s, early 2000s on DVD. Mm-hmm. It was like entertainment and video. Awesome fucking label. <laughs> um, so I, I seen that and I was just like, man, why have I not watched this before? Because this is fucking ace. Oh, is it? Just this year I, I discovered uh, Unforgiven. Oh, Unforgiven is great. Never, ever fucking seen it. And it just came up as one of the random picks for like our 90s season. Mm. So I watched it and like, Gene Hackman's fucking brilliant in this. Like, I just love the fact that the cowboys are all cashing in their favours with the prostitutes Aye. before they've even killed the boy. And there's like, oh, they're just paying their favours early and sleeping with all the fucking prosies. And like, <laughs> and the 90s had a pretty decent amount of westerns. Like, I mean, there's Unforgiven, there's mm-hmm. this. Uh, Young Guns 2 I think falls into the 90s that fucking um, I was surprised you said that because when I finished watching Tombstone I watched it on Amazon Prime and the first thing that came up right after it was Young Guns 2 right. and I started watching it and like the difference in films was I, I reckon it, it was hard to watch I couldn't finish it but you had Emilio Estevez doing an old man voice narrating aye, the film. Aye. It just sounds like Abe Simpson <laughs> <laughs> well we were doing this and then doing <laughs> that it's like why couldn't you just get an old guy? Uh, What's wrong with an old guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Quick and the Dead, another awesome western for mm-hmm. the 90s. Um, so, I mean... It's funny, you think westerns are an old thing, but they've never went away. No. Like, even if it's just a case of, like, remaking 310 to Yuma, uh, Bone Tomahawk, like, even Hateful Eight, it's kind of like a western yeah. in a way. Like, Django. Like, exactly. Like, all this shit still exists. It's never really gone sure it's maybe not coming out as often as like superhero movies are now mm. but every year there's always something like even like Michael Fassbender done something like Slow West and so there is always at least one western creeping out there Aye. it's like a genre that's never went away and it, you could still it still continues to impress you Aye. like with what they do with it like Bone Tomahawk I just thought it was a normal western and when it had like that twist on it like this horror element mm. that was fucking brilliant I'd never expected that but it worked so well together and True Grit with Jeff Bridges like fucking blew my mind at how much I enjoyed that film but we're not talking about any of those today <laughs> no and I didn't have any first memories of this film I think it was just when I was working my way through Kurt Russell's filmography a couple of years ago I was like right Tombstone add the basket and went and watched it there because I was I've always got like memories of going to like walkers videos and renting stuff mm. and getting mum and dad to get films for me, but Tombstone never came up. It might have been one of those things I saw on Sky, but never in its entirety. Aye. Um, I my dad. That's ever since I was a baby, I always watched his westerns. Aye. John Wayne. That's his. That's his. Uh, that's it. <coughs> Clint Eastwood for me, like, but John Wayne. Yeah. My old man. Aye. I'll not tell you how many films of Clint Eastwood I've not seen yet. Oh man. I'll upset you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So what do you think, Tombstone, does it hold up? Oh, it's, aye, aye, it's mm-hmm. awesome. The sc- score, the cast. Aye. Score goes everywhere. Star Wars is sometimes, I feel. I was, when I was watching it the day, I was like, man, it feels like the, whatever orchestra they were in, they were in their prime. Like, it was like, man, it's full on proper frontier stuff going on. Aye. So I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of got shades of, is it John Williams? 
Aye. For that. Cause so it, I, I was kind of, I was wondering, did he do this as well? It was some uh, dude, Barry, Barry Bronter. Or, I it was, uh, yeah, I remember it when I watched it the first time, but it wasn't like a recognisable name like Jerry yeah. Goldsmith or, or fucking John Williams, but everything works so well in this film. Like the cast are great, the music, the fucking shoot, the fact that you don't get a proper shootout till what feels like almost an hour into the film mm. because it's just not needed and when they finally have a shootout it's an amazing Aye. fucking sequence even the look at it and everything I was think when I watch a western like this where it actually has like a, a town it's like man they must have to build that from scratch yeah and just went in the desert and built this wee town from scratch and I mean, maybe there's this, this one that they all use and paint it up differently or that. I don't know. Like, aye, aye, like a famous set. But I was thinking, a lot of effort must go into making a western like that. Totally. And I think the locations has to be fucking spot on to make it look authentic as well. Because even just the way that the cinema's cinematography, where it's shot from the ground looking up, and you just see the beautiful, clear blue skies mm. and the clouds, and then those long shots where it's just all the mountains and the clouds and the sunset, and they're all going by on their horses. Like, just all these brilliant shots it's probably like maybe paint by numbers for a for a western but it's always impressive to see in nah, a film nah, it looks beautiful mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> let's have a wee look at our characters obviously we've got like the the Erps mm. this family where oh I, I also noticed an alternative title for Tombstone can be uh, Mustache the movie <laughs> fair enough aye, that works. Like, you're, you're no worth a damn unless you've got a fucking moustache in this movie <laughs> and have all, actually everybody's got an awesome moustache apart from the, the Mexican guy who's just got the bits of uh, yeah. I'm really <laughs> like, that one the, they've, they've tinned the tash off him he's obviously done something to offend <laughs> him so they've removed the majority of his moustache they've just left him the bookends <laughs> but I obviously he's rocking this amazing moustache like fuck's sake and they all just look cool as fuck I know uh, the herbs especially man kind mm-hmm. of look like that dress and they're very long coats those fucking minted moustaches aye well, well, I mean like Sam Elliott Kurt Russell and Bill Paxton like what a fucking like, dynamic trio aye. and I, I, I guess like sort of like the age range obviously Virgil's the oldest brother and then I think it's uh, Wyatt mm. and Morgan must have been the youngest one like Bill Paxton because he, he seemed to be a little bit more naive aye. and a wee bit Mayor Daft, but he always following what his brothers were doing. Aye. Whereas Kurt Russell's character, Wyatt, seems to be like the middle man. He seemed to definitely fucking set on making money. Aye, aye, <laughs> Milking Tombstone Milky for... Milking the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved his introduction at the start where he went to the, the Oriental, where they're looking and said, well, that's probably the only place to avoid in this town. You just see him walking across aye. the street going in. Aye, just fucking walks right there. Just like... Talking to the bartender and that, he's like, "Why is it so quiet?" He's like, "Ah, oh, that guy over there, fucking." He's a bit of a dick. And he just goes there, just fucking, just fucking. You're in my seat. <laughs> and he's like, "What?" And he's like, "I can that fucking voice. I don't recognise that face, but I can that voice." And it's just Billy Bob Thornton and all this puppy fat. Aye. It's just like he was young once. <laughs> that's, that's like I couldn't comprehend. It's like he was young. That's why he looks weird. <laughs> And it's just all the, the lines that fucking Wyatt was giving him. Like, where he's like, he's going to shoot, and he's like, you're scared, boy, I can see it in your uh, eyes. And he's like, what was it? Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. You're going to do something, you're just going to sit there, you're just going to stand there and bleed. It's just I like, was like, oh. throw down, boy. <laughs> just like, I would piss myself in that situation. <laughs> I would like uh, just take your seat. I, know. Right. I kept a warm for you. <laughs> just run, jump at the windy. And then you meet uh, Doc Holliday, oh. who is the fucking 
best character in this film. He looks like a fucking vampire for the beginning. You forget, like, I always thought like his illness was like something that happens later on in the film, like mm. after getting shot or something. But for the very start, this was like a vampire. Nah, he's just sweating. And All cunts got pale. this 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 western tan. Nobody looks golden. He's white. <laughs> like, nah. sweating with his wee mustache. He's a sophisticated cat. Aye, aye. Like, it's just the way he's... Everything, everything the southern says, drawl. Everything he says is just like, man, I wish I could talk like that. Aye. I, that's, I completely for, forgot to introduce you as my huckleberry as well. It was like one of those <laughs> things like, I better use that line when we start talking. But it's just like, he's like, I'm your daisy do. And like, just all this shit he comes out with, like, the, he gets the best dialogue. He's easily like the coolest character. Watching this again, I'm, I'm like... I have to think when a situation is going to come up when I can say this shit. There's a fight to put the kick off and you want involves I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> like, what? I'm going to glass you. <laughs> You're a daisy if you do. <laughs> I'll just run away. Smash. Oh, he cried so me a daisy. Because <laughs> uh, I, I almost think this might be Val Kilmer's best role. Maybe, I reckon, maybe next to like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because he's brilliant in that one Aye. and but the only other films I can fucking remember him in is like Batman and The Saint but I don't think there is um, what was this? Uh, I was getting that oh that was funny, funny as fuck Aye. yes I, I just saw that in the last year there's this one guy at my work wouldn't like, like you've no seen Top Secret sure you've seen all the films and you've no seen Top Secret and he started telling me about it and it was like and it was on like Sky and I watched it it's just like watching Naked Gun Aye. and it's like when they're fighting on top of the train that goes under the tunnel and they break the, the bridge <laughs> and they're looking at it oh, and they just throw it away. The bit where um, Peter Cushing too he's got the, the magnifying glass and he's just got the big eye. It's just fucking <laughs> daft. Or he's sitting with his legs up on the table and it's not his legs. <laughs> oh, I love spoofs like that. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would say that I'd direct this as my favourite Val Kilmer role. And he must have fucking loved playing that role. Aye. Like that's... Must like, have thought it was fucking Christmas getting the uh, dialogue like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and obviously, like his character's like not in any fit state at all. And I like obviously he's got an illness, but I feel like his Irish like lassie doesn't help him any much. Nah. Always supplying him a drink, a wee smoke, and when he's like almost, you know, he's not his deathbed, but he's lying there after seeing the doctor, and he's like, "You need to calm down this lifestyle." And she comes through with a fag and starts rubbing his cock, and he's like, he's like, you're a good woman, or maybe you're the Antichrist. He's <laughs> like, oh, this Irish mistress, I think she's got to do a number on you. Ah, oh, fucking awesome, man. The bit, um, jumping forward a bit, but the bit with Johnny Ringo, and Johnny's fucking spinning his gun in there, right? And he just gets his cup, and he's just like, just make pass, just spit it a bit about just taking the utter piss. I know. Because they started doing that shit where they started talking Latin to each other. And oh, it's like, that's awesome. And he looks and he's like, ah, he's an educated man. I hate him even more now. Because <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's the like the first night that they were running Oriental and mm. Curly Bell and Johnny Ringo all come in. And I fucking love Ike. Like, Aye. he's the most pathetic character, but he talks a good game and as soon as anything happens he's the first one to drop to the ground and greet Aye. where he comes over and he's like ah oh, fuck what I need? I've got the line here the law don't go around here and it's like it's all run by the cowboys as I heard you and he's fucking you know, like he deliberately folds and lets like, Aye, Curly Bill win like 500 yeah. so he could leave and that's where they do the whole flipping guns and he flips his cup Aye. but it's it's just 
I think it, nah, I'm, I'm talking piss here because it's later on where Ike's getting all mouthy and he's shouting. And when he leaves, he slaps the bartender. Ah, that's later on. No, that's, a, um, shit, what happens there? He accuses um, Doc he, of cheating. Ah, and he loses to him, but Doc's in a fucking bad state. Ah, he falls over. Fucking waste it. And he's, ah, he's LT, ah. Ah, And when he's leaving, and he's like, that serves him right for fucking cheating me. And the, the barman's like, you lost fair and square. <laughs> and just slaps him. He's like, see? A little slap in the beak to get some respect around here. And honestly, I could watch... Um, Sam Elliott on a loop like just clubbing over the head with a gun aye. like there's something about that that's just so entertaining just like he's talking he's, shit aye, and Disney Kennedy's behind him turns around smacking the pus with a pistol aye. and it even happens the next day where they're letting him at the prison and there's this other guy who fucking bumps into Kurt Russell and he's like move you son of a bitch and he's like it's cool kid calm down I'm sorry and he's like you better be sorry and he's just like his gun smacks him aye. in the pus where he's like can they take <laughs> nay shit and it's just how he hits him he fucking falls and he falls off the step and it looks like a fucking bad drop and it just makes it look like he just totally loses his faculties when he gets fucking knocked on the head and it's like oh, so fucking cool yeah, cool as fuck <laughs> um, also fucking awesome in this film is Powers Booth and Michael Bean they're just I mean, Powers Booth is just is is amazingly fucking sleazy and nasty aye. and in that shit eating grin. Aye, just he, laughing all the time. I know. Fuck. And he had this perfect look. I reckon if they they made him up to look like a a Mexican, but he was he was well tanned, a big thick tash, aye. cutting a bit in his big red shirts. And I love uh, when like that theatre troupe come in and you got Billy Zane on stage mm. and it looks like. The prettiest man I've ever saw. It's <laughs> like <laughs> Curly Bill could go, could go gay for Zane. <laughs> that, that roof of that theatre must be in bits. <laughs> the fucking ceiling <laughs> shot to fucking ribbons. Aye. Fucking glad it didn't rain anyway. I love that when they were doing that shot and it's the when it's like the devil false thing prancing about and it's just an old boy with a whiskey bottle in front of the camera mm. just to change the lighting effect. It's like that, that take didn't even need to be in there but it just like Easily what they must have done back in the day, but it's amazing we touch just to alter the light and just put a bottle of whiskey in front of it. I thought that too. I was like, man, that's fucking ace. That's what a great, a great practical wee idea, like at Aye. no cost, because there's probably bottles of whiskey everywhere in, in those places. <laughs> but <laughs> but I love Powers Booth, like that time where he's more or less half his face in opium and just decides to walk out and just start shooting everything. Mm. Just because I think kind of just thought opium would just be a bit of a something to chill you out. Aye. But for some reason, he just went fucking mental, turned around shooting, like, all cunt and no hitting anyone. But it's when the old marshal tries to calm him down. Total dickhead sheriff sends a marshal that claims a fucking pussy. I, I, I can't mind who that dude was. He looks familiar. Aye, I can't can his fist, but I can't quite his fist. He almost looks like um, the guy that does Family Guy, Seth. Aye, he does a bit, aye. This looks like him with a tash. Not some time traveling shit, if that was him, but I've seen him for something. But I just for him to oh that's this is your jurisdiction and just sends him it to get fucking shot. Old fucking bastard. Aye. And <laughs> um, one bit about this film that I'm no entirely keen on is the whole romance thing. I like I mean I, I like the fact that doesn't paint white up to be fucking like white a cheater. White. Yeah. Can he's obviously as soon as he's like as soon as she steps off the wagon. I was like fuck my opium addicted wife. Um. Yes. <laughs> Let's forget about her. 
And even she was like, look at this fucking toad drink of water. Uh, <laughs> and Billy Zane's being all like, educated, like, oh, it looks like the look of predator and prey. Like, his wee short drawn eyes. <laughs> and all this shit. And he's like, oh, I think I might, I want one. He's like, happy hunting. He's <laughs> like, oh, I, I thought there were a couple at first. Uh, I, think, I think there might be, but just They're, like Just like an, oh, an open relationship. Uh, maybe a necessity rather than actually loving each other. Exactly. Aye. But, um, but I'm no overly keen on that, but I kind of, I mean, I can, I mean, I think this film is pretty accurate um, in, the, in regard to the events that happened. Aye. Um, but I believe the real Josephine was, how can I word this? She was a bit of a slut, I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't as um, proper as she is in the film. Yeah. Um, and I think it's believed that she fucking, she would, she seduced Wyatt with his wife. Aye. Um, it's not as romantic as the film exactly, where makes it. It's stretched, they go out horse riding and they have like, sitting and have a wee picnic and all this and, they really ha- like ramp up the fact that his wife's got a, a wee opium problem. Uh, and at the end of it, I mean, can jump forward, but at the end of it, it says that um, she died of an overdose. Uh, I think it's widely believed that she overdosed on purpose because Wyatt fucking left, left her. Aye. As far as I can, like. But, um, uh, uh, the romantic, I mean... And they didn't jump the gun too quick. It wasn't like he ends up fucking knocking boots where the first time they meet. Uh, He's really like, no, I'm in a marriage, I'm good. And he's like, I'm an oak. And oh, wow, that's fucking it. <laughs> <laughs> and there she is right there. And he's like, almost like a quivering school kid. <laughs> you can tell as soon as Doc said it, I was like, what would you do? If <laughs> she was to come in and he's just like, I'm an oak, I'm, I'm, I'm a married man. And she walks in. And he oh, just shuts down. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it is when it's in the theatre and she's like, and he's like, who's the devil? And she takes the mask off. He's like, I'll be goddamn. And it's like, well, if you're lucky, you might be. <laughs> and his wife's like, what his the fuck like, is that? Fuck? I was going to see him get flung off the balcony. <laughs> oh, there's that much stuff that just, like, gets said on that in front of his wife, and you're like, Jesus, man. They need the hair. No wonder she's sitting swigging opium. Back then. <laughs> there's, there's no fucking headache. She's just tired of him. It's uh, like, oh, I can't bear to watch this happen. Again, no paint them to be too white when this is um, someone like, um, are you faithful? And he's like, pretty much. Again, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> Neither When there's no witnesses. Aye. When the wife's at a nut. Aye. Here's a, I got you some some opium at the shop. <laughs> but even when he goes back after um, being in the horses where he goes back to his wife, and it's like he's he's still infatuated with her, the, the way that he's talking to his wife. Aye, he's all currying up to her, want to get her a wee kiss, but she's a bit hammered. Nah, she's with her. Nah. And he's like, is that a new bottle? He's like, don't <laughs> judge me. It should just be like her and Curly Bill phone at the opium den. <laughs> like better fucking drinking buddies. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I love that shot. It, it's, it's a lot closer to the end when it's that martial shootout sequence when they're just destroying all the cowboys. But it's an opium den and the boy's trying to smoke a pipe, but it's, it's a barrel of a gun. gun. It's fucking ace. He's it's like, pays the trigger. He's like, really? You're that half your puss? Like, that could have been some guy's dick. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, there's a barrel I can wrap my lips around. I think like, it's awesome to get two montages of killing the cowboys, not just one. It's like, aye. Bargain. But Virgil, he gets a fucking cracking scene where the town's more or less worked on him enough to take up, like, become a sheriff mm. like where he kind of walked in the town and he sees like the scared child and the woman with a scar on his face on her face Aye. and it's like he's had enough 
Like, sure, we're, they're there bleeding the place like fucking vultures, but he feels like he can't just watch the town get overrun by uh. cowboys, and he, he just decides to fucking man up. And Morgan's like, <laughs> Morgan's like, oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, well, if he was going to do it, of course I'd do it. And they're just wanting to pressure. And he has like that great speech because Kurt Russell's like raging. Eh? He, nah. He's like, we're, we've came away for this life. Let's fucking stop it. And he's just he's like, you're just greedy. You're just wanting money. He's just doing this. He's come up with like the law about nay guns. And he's like, you could carry a gun, just not in town. Nah. <laughs> and all these going, and there's fucking all kinds of their guns waving us. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> but it is it's like when he finally he gets that great scene where he's right I'm establishing the law now and it's like one of the few moments where like Sam Elliott really gets the shine like mm. that's his scene I reckon if Bill Paxton really gets a scene of his own apart from his no other than his his, his death scene exactly it's like there's not really a scene where it's him like he takes control and he makes a big decision that Obdi follows he's always just following yeah. suit so it was good to see that Virgil got that one scene where like that says he's took charge. I'm gonna take care of this town and Aye. and it's no until they realise they've fucked with the cowboys enough that fucking why it's like right you better enroll me sheriff oh, or you better awesome. you better swear me in that's and it goes him <laughs> like how he changes coats <laughs> like takes off the, the the coat for the Oriental and puts on the fucking the long jacket. See them walking in the street, the four of them. Oh, badass. There's the like, fucking burning building in the background. It is epic. Walking into the fucking, oh, the, the famous OK Corral. Aye. And, like, that sequence <clears throat> is amazing. Just, it, I feel it shows you something that you didn't normally see. Like, how hesitant everyone was. Mm. Nobody really wanted to have a fucking shootout. You've seen the fucking cowboys like that. Thomas Hayden Church and um, Ike. Like, they were really shitting bricks the fact that they were just about to have a fucking shootout with, with like the Earps and even like Bill Paxton was fucking like seeing his lip twitch and like nobody really wants to have a fucking shootout apart from Doc <laughs> you know he's like, <laughs> like fucking smiling at him and winking he's just like oh yeah like fucking that Thomas Hayden Church just couldn't cope with that that was enough to set off like they're all kind of like <laughs> like that cut's so cool <laughs> I want to shoot him yeah he's cool as fuck like there's a bit actually earlier on. Um, is it earlier on that? The guy says to him, like, uh, you've seen double. He's oh, like, I've two guns, <laughs> one for each of you. Aye, aye. It's <laughs> so fucking cool. And it's so effortless. I think that's the thing that really cements it. Because I think that's when the the sheriff gets killed by Curly Bill. Aye. And they're all trying to back him up. And aye, the rest are aye. trying to arrest him. Aye, because I think he's. he's Fell out of him inside already. Aye. Because he's playing the piano, I think. Aye, exactly. It's and him and... You're, you're so drunk and bit yeah. of too. Because <laughs> I got a gun for each of you. It's like, Aye. Fuck, it fuck, even when he's wasted. I know, it's just like, it's so effortless. Um, I mean, apparently, like, some of the shit that he says um, in the film um, was documented at the time that he said it. Aye, like, I've the, 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 the gunfight, the okay, Corral, um, apparently, when the guy says, can I've got you now? He's like, you're dizzy if you do. Yeah. Fucking apparently said that, and it's one of those lines where it's like you'd wonder, why the fuck would they say something like that?" Unless it it was actually factual. Aye. It's the same when they they talk about him on his deathbed saying, "I'll be damned," Aye. was supposedly like his his last words. Aye. And you think, is is that where that comes from? It's like is that the origin of that phrase? Because <laughs> I've always heard that "I'll be damned," but I always wondered like where did that come from? And it fucking Doc Holiday, Aye. and it's it's mental because I was. 
it was weird. I never knew how how factual this was. I never knew like all the history of this. I could probably follow down the rabbit. I bet there's like documentaries and. I think yeah, even on YouTube, I think there's like loads of documentaries. Aye, and stuff aye. Because like times I'm just thinking, oh, it's a film. Like there's just somebody that's really written a good story. But when I was looking at, I'd just seen white Arab this, white Arab that. Like there's movies just based on, like more movies on these characters and like. Ah, oh, fuck Kevin this Kusner one and everything. Um... Exactly, aye. And Val Kilmer done one in 2012, like The Legend of Wyatt Earp. And I thought, fuck, this is an actual thing. These are, it's it's based on true stories. Mm. I think around that time, when Michael Rooker shows up. When he... When he throws in the sash, like, after they've shot at the girls. Uh, the ambush. Aye. Where he's, like, he has a great wee supporting role in it. Aye. In the sense that... When you see him at the very beginning of the film at that Mexican wedding where they're shooting Ocon, even like the Padre gets shot, Aye. and he's a wee bit tin back. And I'm just looking like, fuck, Michael Rooker's got hair, curly Aye. black hair. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just when he shows up later on and he's got those two boys that were had like a gunfight when they first showed up. Aye. And I love how it's Obdi Kins Obdi. Like when they come out, it's like, like Wyatt? Dark? And there's like, fuck, it's like they're all drinking buddies. They've all just shown up at the same place together. And but it's the fact that they show up and say, if you ever need our help, like fucking consider us in, and they're thrown in like the red sash. Aye. And it's like you're supposed to be with them to the bones. Like, Not after tonight. And it's I like, like that. I kind of got a bit of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Respect for what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Shouldn't people's wives isn't fucking cool. Exactly. Because <clears throat> the the storm that night is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the lightning and everything. I watch that every time. Like man, that's amazing. Aye. Now, does that lead into the same sequence where Morgan gets shot? Uh, aye, aye. Virgil gets shot first. Aye, he gets shot in the... Uh, he gets shot in the... He comes back. He didn't actually see him getting shot. He aye. comes back into the Oriental and he's all bleeding. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, Virgil's been shot. And, and he's then... at the pool table and then just gets fucking stung aye. in the back. And it's weird, because you didn't get to see who does it. Nah. Uh, I was like, I was waiting to see Ike run away or something, like one of those shots, but it's just slow motion getting fucking tagged in the back like, oh, fucking puts his gun on the table I'm trying to think if there was any symbolism than him taking out his weapon placing it down but I couldn't figure it out because it's just like a strange choice to slow it down just to kind of and it can give Mil- Bill Paxton a little bit more screen time just man it, it, his death scene is fucking he's, he's awesome aye um, and like when the doc's try, doctor's trying to get the fucking and he's re- getting right in there they can't reach it and he's fucking screaming the Doug's howling, the wife screaming, Kurt Ross is like, get rid of them, get rid of that woman, get that dog Shut out of here. Dog up. <laughs> I can't, my fucking head's bumming. <laughs> like, get them out. And it's just when he, he fucking dies and he walks out, like up to his elbows and blood. Yeah. And it's just, he's fucking lost, like the emotion, the fucking rainstorm comes out and he's wiping his chest. And it's just like one of those moments like, oh, they're going to pay now. Like, it's, it's, and he says to himself, like, there's a thunder coming. Like, when he gets them all to the train station. That fucking is awesome. Right, and it leads into, like, the best montage, but they all think when they're doing the funeral, when they're walking, and they stop and they see Curly Bell and Johnny Ringo sitting there. He's like, we'll be leaving now. I'm like, bye. well, bye. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you, you dick. And then you have, like, fucking Ringo's like, smells like someone died here. And it's just like... Total dick, eh? Aye. Although I do think, I think Johnny Ringo's got some awesome lines, too. Like, it's yes. Awesomely bad. In the theatre, 
<clears throat> where it's like, would you sell your soul to the devil? And it already did. And it's in such like a sort of remorseful tone. And Curly Bill kind of laughs it off, like, no, really care what you mean. But, and it's funny because you think Powers Booth is the villain, but mm. it really comes down to Johnny Ringo. Yeah, he's the. Powers Booth's made just a. He's just a bit of a, a rallying. He's just a bit large. Aye. Whereas Ringo is like proper. Like calculated. He knows. And, and he's clever. And yeah. he's, he's kind of educated and everything. He kind of fucking. Uh, Spanish, Latin. Aye, he and can Spanish better than the Mexican guy. Yeah. It's just like. Aye, and then you've got like, obviously he's skilled with his gun when he was mm. showing it at the start. So it's like, that's the guy you've got to worry about. Sure, this big guy looks intimidating, but that's the guy you've got to worry about. Aye. And you see it at the end where fucking Wyatt's even sweating the thought of going to meet him. Aye, because like, like, I can't beat him, can I? Aye. So. But that bit is ace to like, can we just think does. it's him Aye, just, just a silhouette. Is it, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> it's like one of those things where you'd probably cheer in a cinema. Aye, you could stand up and be like, punch in the air. And it's for like, for what sounds like a corny line out of context. Like, that's brilliant in the film. I know, it's just like, so fucking cool. The other bit too, I guess it's in the middle of the montage, is um, when they hear the gunfight with um, Curly Bill and that at the, the river. Yes. And fucking Wyatt's just walking through the river like the fucking Terminator. Aye. Apparently that happened too. Kind of like him, like he, he shot at him like a few times and missed. because you just think his whole there's all these cowboys over here. He should be getting riddled with bullets. Aye, but it's like <laughs> God's on his side. He's just walking on water across the kitchen. <laughs> Man, that's another thing Doc says too. And uh, Michael Rooker asks what he is. He's like he's down by the river walking on water. Aye. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's it. like any other situation, he should be fucking toast. But it's just that when fucking Curly Bill goes to meet him, and he just fucking sh- shotgun to the stomach, Aye. it's like he's no getting back up. That's it. Just Aye. fucking. There's a few scenes that are quite no overly gory of that, but one the guy gets um, a rifle butt in the face, and Aye. it's just like poof, blood <laughs> his mouth. Is there's fucking... there's some boy getting a shave and he gets shot in the face, and the blood goes. <laughs> just the big blood packs going off it's like oh, it's amazing and it is it's when they, they wave off Virgil they take him to the train station because he's he's not going to be Aye. good to anyone he's had a shot in the foot shot in the arm get rid of all the women let's just get on the train and you hear Curly Bill like go get Stillwater go meet them at that station and fucking shoot him and they're like there's Virgil where's Wyatt and it's like behind you it turns in just fucking shotgun close range to fucking Stillwater and Ike so fast to the ground going, oh, Aye. I'm sorry. Aye. And he just greets out, please, did he kill me? And he's got his boots on now. Because... Aye, this looks cool as fuck. And just fucking cuts his face. And he just fucking... He's still pleading. He's like, please, did he kill me? I'm so sorry. And that's where he comes out with that fucking speech, which I'm trying to find. Aye, you called down the thunder. Now you got it. You see that? And he's like... <sighs> like, the fucking <laughs> hair stand up. And then it's just them going fucking rage like one boy rides a horse just they don't even open the door just ride the horse through a fucking glass door and start shooting all cunt in the bar it's like any cunt re- wearing red that day did <laughs> and it was just fucking brilliant like there's na- like even Doc Holliday like going through and there's like some cunt lying in his bed I'll give you a minute turn and shoot a couple more boys turn comes back <laughs> you ready alright <laughs> alright and it's great to see that they picked up those two boys for the beginning and then Michael Rooker's part of their team is like mm. 
they've become a posse you know like they're now because there must have been sheriffs before and now they're like they're state marshals so it's obviously like they've they've now went big aye and now it's like it is a proper force to be reckoned with it's like they've now got like the license to kill just freely go in any kind of way in red deed aye aye and it's so fucking cool man I think I'm tapped out um, I just pretty much gets to the end after that eh? Which, um, the end there isn't something I'm overly yeah. keen on that's it feels like a bit of a different tone the end and kind of I mean it's nice and that but again yeah. were you kidding that it wasn't that romantic and what about your wife Wyatt <laughs> 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 on, club, they stayed together for 46 years it's like what he's fucking what, eh? what he is bought it? her a six pack and left she overdosed aye. blah 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 nobody cares aye. but it's still an awesome film but the end and I always feel that I, I kind of missing something aye, I think it's one of those things that while it's also like a true story as well it's like, how do you really end the story and mm, so right okay all the bad people are dead now and right we've got enough reason for him to go away with the girl because like right away when I thought he's in this relationship and they had her with an opium problem it's like well that's it they're trying to give him an excuse aye. like a reason like he's not happy in that match he's trying aye not portray him as a complete dick aye yeah but I suppose I mean if he did go away and I suppose I can how would you end it aye know. that's it Horses into the sunset. Shooting at the fucking screen. <laughs> like James Bond. But it's cool even with the, the, the end credits. Hitting the scene with them walking down to the Old Quay Corral. Aye. Because that is badass. That and like the score and you're just like, fuck. And it's, it's like fucking like your hair stand up moment. Just like, it's just, it's like one of the coolest films you forget that Aye. exists. And there's one of these things new where it's like, I, I need to fucking own this. It was like when I watched like Backdraft for the first time in ages it's like how fucking cool is this film aye mm. <laughs> alright man well thank you very much for your time thanks for having me man cool take it easy alright you tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me you hear hell's coming with me welcome back uh, Mike you got memories of Tombstone yeah no aye um, I always remember Val Kilmer mm-hmm. like dying pretty much I've, not, the majority seen, of the film I've that not seen the film since I was probably about 10 or 11 and I'd, I'd, I'd like to revisit it. Oh, definitely. You definitely should. I would should. like to revisit it and like, it's, it's in the 5 for 30. It is. It and is. it's like, no, no. I, I no. almost bought it as soon as I finished watching it on Amazon Prime. Like, as soon as the end credits were up, I was on Amazon going, ah, ah. Because, uh. I mean, Bill Patterson's in it as well. Exactly. And fucking, um, an astonishing cast. And, Kurt um, Russell. Sam. Sam Elliott. Fucking Bill Paxton. Powers Booth. Yeah. Val Kilmer. Michael Rooker's in there. Billy Zane. There's just so many cunts in this film. Better than Young Guns? Definitely. Well, I have not seen Young Guns, but it's definitely a lot better than Young Guns 2. With fucking uh, Emilio Estevez. Yes, old man Emilio. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then let's see, nineteen ninety four. It's interesting to see that he's got that uncredited bit in uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, Elvis. Yes. Now, obviously, it's overlooked the fact that he done the John Carpenter Elvis movie, but that was a TV movie. Yeah. So that's why it's not mentioned on this list here. But for him to play Elvis Presley's again. And Forrest Gump, but his voice only. Uh. It's interesting. It's something I've never noticed, but 
Yeah, I'll I, definitely I, look out for it I again. Need to re- I need to also rewatch it and find mm-hmm. it. Stargate, obviously, that show has been so fucking popular to to warrant a feature film. Because there's always something I always knew it was, it was always on Sky, or yeah. always on Channel Four, and I never really bored with it. Yeah, it I remember. Like, I think I remember my dad renting it, and it just wasn't very good. Like I don't know if it's because it was just boring. I mean, aye. Like, I mean, Jane Spade. Jane Spade is a good actor, but I mean, I yeah. just found the film really boring, and I've never like, revisited it since. Mm-hmm. And that's I've seen it maybe. Twice, because I think Kurt Russell's season, and I watched the director's cut, and it was just like, oh, so long. And then when watching it in preparation for this, it was something that never really grabbed my attention either. And I was just yeah. like, oh, Christ, come on. But uh, executive decision, as we mentioned earlier in the episodes, we all thought it was going to be a brilliant Steven Seagal film. Yeah. Surprise. Then, same year, Escape from L.A., we mentioned that obviously Kurt Russell acted as both a writer and producer so it was also like a project he really wanted to get going now obviously one of my favourites 1997's Breakdown yeah I'll, I love it because it has like a proper like Alfred Hitchcock feel like yeah. this man is just going insane like his wife's been missing and uh, all the townspeople are convincing him that he didn't have a wife with him and yeah. it's like what the fuck is going on here and then you just realise there's a plot to it and it's so dark and just it's twisted in a way. Yeah, it's, it's when he confronts him in the kitchen. Yes. At the dinner table. Mm-hmm. But like, the wee kid and like the grandpa and all that, and like they're all in on it. He's totally like a man pushed over the edge. Because yeah. he's just driving his wife and he's like, I'll see you in five minutes. And then whoo, vanished. And he's just it's like, no, she was just here. Like, what do you mean you do? You've never witnessed it. It's like, and it's just all the. I guess like hysteria, like he just yeah. properly sends him over the edge. It's one of those great roles. Uh, now, 1998, we have Soldier, and that was from was it Paul W.S. Anderson. Yes. I realise, just reading today, he's cast uh, Tony Jaa as the lead of his new movie. The film cried Monster Hunt. Alright. Now, I don't know if that, because I'm thinking there was either a film from China called Monster Hunt, or there's a popular series of video games called Monster Hunt. Now, obviously Paul W.S. Anderson has a history of making video game movies. Resident Evil. Mortal Kombat, and as such. Yeah. So, I would not be surprised if this is his take on... I mean, on... the very first Mortal Kombat, I quite liked. Yeah. And I mean, there you go, there was another reference to Virtual Mortal China. Uh, yes. Raiden. Aye. We'll never mention Annihilation. I know. I've, oh. I've never properly seen it, but I've always never heard oh, a good thing about it. fucking bad. <laughs> so, yes, Paul W.S. Anderson, Soldier. I sat down with Kenneth. They're on Podcast on Fire. So after the little break, you will hear me and Kenny talk about Soldier. Soldiers deserve soldiers, sir. But one soldier can 17. What are you going to do? I'm going to kill them all, sir. So, joining us now, the the head honcho over at the podcast on Fire Network, one of the easily, one of the biggest Asian cinema podcasts and networks still going. Well over 10 years now, Ken, isn't it? 
Yeah, you're right. Holy shit. I mean, uh, to, uh, I always mistake the year, but I think it's all seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, true, true to form, because I'm stupid and old, I didn't celebrate the 10th because I, I just kept working. Mm-hmm. So that's it. So viva us. Hello, folks. Uh, greetings for the nation of Scotland. <laughs> All right, we always get that Eurovision feel when we do podcasts together now, isn't it? I'd give you a 10 any time of the day because it's your 200th episode. Congratulations to it and the Films and Swearing community and your audience. And uh, well, well done on just producing like fast speeding tractors or something yes but, uh, like uh, always happy to see you being creative and uh, congrats again on reaching 200 thank you very much man um so we've reached the point in kurt russell's career uh, we're in the late 90s now 1998 so we are going to have a small discussion about paul anderson's soldier now this was before he became a uh, paul was it paul w anderson I feel like W-S, W-A-S, he picked up some letters along the way. Maybe he needed to differentiate himself from uh, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, exactly. Because, uh, same year as Boogie Nights, this mm. came out. Or he was trying to get him, get the audience confused with him and Paul W. Wait, no, that is Paul W. See, it's happening to me. Um, <laughs> PTA, PTA. <laughs> we've got one guy that does Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil. Then we've got the other guy that does, is it? Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's the only example yeah. I have. Of, I'm waving at a hand in an empty room looking for yeah, more Red references. Blood, the Inherent Vice, Boogie Nights, Hard Eight. Was uh, he the master? Magnolia. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that guy. Uh, the chalk and cheese, the only thing that sounds the same is their names. So, two very different style directors. That's what I'm trying to get at. So, uh, this is, I believe, Soldier is prior to the Resident Evil series, because that pretty much became his wheelhouse for what felt like 10 years. Uh, but this is definitely post-Mortal Kombat uh, and Event Horizon. Now, I haven't seen Event Horizon, but I've always been told that is like a must-watch. It is pretty nice. It's If I were to describe it, and I mean, I, I hate when uh, these things kind of boil down to like think uh, compared to this movie but it kind of is hellraiser in space although paul shot a way much more hardcore movie than that then the mpaa stepped in and just cut a lot of stuff out of event horizon because they, they went for a sadistic sort of a vibe because if you remember hellraiser that had quite a strong horror tint and sadistic vibe even sexual vibe to it right so uh, but the event horizon is pretty neat not a masterpiece but pretty neat mixture of sci-fi and uh, horror so so it's not them chasing an alien around the ducts of a ship or anything but uh it's it's more uh, hellraiser in tone mm -hmm. and fucking sam neil and Lawrence fishburne so Mm -hmm. so I, i still can't believe i've not seen it yet but we are talking about his 1998 uh sci-fi Action effort, soldier. Of course, let's go through our cast. Nadu, it stars Kurt Russell as Todd, three four six five. We've got Jason Scott Lee as Kane, six oh seven. Jason Isaacs as a uh, Colonel. I was gonna say Meacham, but I feel Meacham. Meacham, Meacham. Yeah. Little uh, wi- little whiny twat. <laughs> yes, that boy with the mustache. Uh, Connie Nielsen as Sandra. Sean Pertwee. We Shawnee shows up as Mace, Jared Thorne, and Taylor Thorne as credits as the child Nathan. Mark Bringleson as Rubik, Gary Busey as Church, KK Dodds as Sloan, 
and James Black as Riley. Now, the plot to Soldier is a, a soldier trained from birth is deemed obsolete and dumped on a waste planet where he is reluctantly taken in by a community of defenseless, stranded travellers. So Ken, I, I'll ask you, was this the first time that you've watched Soldier? No, it's my second time. I, I believe I rented it uh, like a Blu-ray rental, so it's a few years ago now, mm-hmm. based on uh, wh- when Blu-ray rentals uh, were still physical or I was still doing physical Blu-ray rentals. I, I just added stuff to my list and you mm-hmm. know, they dropped into the mailbox and this was uh, one of them. So it's uh, it's a second watch and uh, not not a painful one at all to bring in a small opinion uh, mm-hmm. uh, off, off the bat. That was sort of self-explanatory because I was going to ask how did this film get on your radar in the first place, but it's, you've answered that very efficiently, Ken. Yeah, I, I didn't um, follow um, like either filmmaker or actor like hardcore and looked for new announcements back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies just came out and I added them, and that was it. So, uh, but uh, hey, going in bland, uh, bland, rather blank, <laughs> and with zero expectations or hype is uh, always a healthy thing so it was nice to just uh, get it put it in the player and uh, see mm-hmm. what uh, comes out of it yeah hey, I- i'm saying that was my second watch uh, of the film last night and i had never had any idea what this was um until of course everyone's sick of hearing it by now but when i done my the kurt russell challenge that was it just blind by all of the films and that took my fancy that night, and I do, I still do have the DVD, and it is definitely in that first generation of DVD cases where it is just a cardboard sleeve with a plastic clip. That's the uh, old Warner style uh, snap That's cases. It. Yes, I, and it's just like what looks like a blank disc where there's no no art work on the discs at that stage. So you always have like that momentary hesitation of which side is the film on. <laughs> and back then you had. Uh... Uh, maybe not for this uh, disc, but uh, back in the day, back in the day, we had widescreen and full screen versions on the <laughs> either side of uh, on the respective side of the discs, kid. Well, kids. how is that? When I fucking start pop the DVD in the player last night, the film just started, no menus, just right into it, and you just think, fuck, this was for back in the day. Like that was the day where they could uh, list menus as a special feature. <laughs> Scene selections. Yes. Uh, so, what did you think of the film? It's surprisingly um, solid and mature, actually. I Because I didn't expect anything out of it um, other than, well, it's probably an action piece, and it is. But I think, um, without knowing the extent of how Paul Anderson operates in terms of how he does his drama, how he does action, if he wants to do maturity in themes, I don't know how that works in his other movies, uh, but... Uh, this movie surprises me with a solid dramatic foundation because uh, we got uh, this uh, super soldier that trained from birth and uh, he's, he's got an unshaped mind and he uh, because from birth he's, he's uh, grabbed by the government and shaped mm-hmm. into a soldier into following orders blindly and therefore he knows only one way of living and he's a human machine and therefore he gets trained to be happy following orders uh, Therefore, and not, nothing of that is subtle, Stuart. Like, it's really on the nose, but I think mm-hmm. Paul really gets away with it because the key here is the cut, I think. Um, it, because the theme is deep, actually, but 
you're making an action picture, you, you're getting your main actor to buff up and get a bit muscular for the role, mm-hmm. and you might not get much more effort than that. But I think Russell is really enjoying the fact that he can chew into this role with very little dialogue. I yes. mean, I didn't count the line, but I think he doesn't have more than 20 lines of dialogue. And most of, that, most of them are punctuated with sir. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's no monologue about uh, I I was a kid and I grew up there not knowing anything, but now I know everything. Exactly, and, I've and learned I, to love. Exactly, butter snakes so, with boots. And and I think Kurt embraces the non-verbal challenge to uh, after he's been you know re- reborn out of the garbage chute, which sounds ludicrous, but he gets <laughs> away with it, Paul, uh, as he gets dropped onto that planet. It's a new way of life he doesn't realize exist and it's foreign to him and he uh he he wants to embrace that he he wants to um get to know this other way of living it doesn't seem foreign to him he doesn't see them as enemies as he meets connie nielsen and, and all of that and for for someone who's associated with action Stuart, which paul certainly is mm-hmm. i found myself both the first view and the second viewing being involved in this uh sort of character trajectory that he's um, he's being reborn and uh, finding uh, purpose. He, he was never given a chance to explore because he was always trained to be a human machine. Like, they're not robots, but yeah. they are to be human machines, so obviously he can die and all of that. So, And, and he continues to be mute and emotionless in that new world. Uh, and, uh, and Kurt is not overdoing that either. He's very good at acting in a non-verbal mm-hmm. way. It, and it's it could have been hokey, but it isn't because he listens like he's a robot. He has like these mannerisms, like he's taking in data mm-hmm. and he's observing like he's a kid or anything. But uh, and, and and then his spirit and soul awakens, and Paul and Kurt really feel inspired together, working this uh, non-action sort of core, and then uh, bringing in the action beats, which are, which are all sufficient, and they're yeah. all uh, they're they're shot with clarity and style, even though they don't light up my world as such i, I think uh, they're, they're functional but uh, i like the dramatic core of and um, the very non-verbal core i mean heck th- that's a brave choice to go non-verbal in a big action and also kurt needs to be commended for not uh, playing the ego card and requiring uh, a monologue about <laughs> what he's feeling uh, but mm-hmm. uh, and the, all, the rocky like, monologue uh, not Rocky, Rambo. Exactly. There's no need to uh, to <laughs> like, like Rambo. That's verbatim for Rambo, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I really think they pulled that off. It still survived in 2018. It's 20 years ago now, and uh, I mean, shit. Even um, you can say and argue that this character has uh, PTSD uh, to a degree. Definitely. Uh, he has uh, flashes of. Uh, past warfare that uh, stuck with him rather than just uh, you know performing the mission and then forgetting about mm-hmm. it and uh, that I, poor I, cunt I for the shield yeah. a bit got ended when he mm-hmm. presented the scarf to him exactly and uh, uh, michael chiklis that's it uh, pre-shield shield thing yes uh, so I, I i really think paul also keeps it from being sappy because he is trying and uh, if i didn't know anything about <coughs> paul anderson i would be sort of inspired to explore if he explore this at all in other movies obviously Mortal Kombat is not a movie for this mm-hmm. a dramatic exploration but that's okay uh, so um, I think uh, that it, it still surprised me how uh, 
solid and mature it uh, it came through in that way to me and uh, and i'm glad that a superstar understood that this can be a shiny commercial action piece but we can strip it from dialogue and present a little bit of a challenge to the to the audience and to the main actor himself and the studio didn't panic yeah. about that fact clearly you know what i mean because there, there there was no added like okay just having talk his heart out by the end please because all this is like it seems like they got their way it seems like it's paul's desired movie or the screenwriter's desired movie and it, it's not the greatest drama ever told but i i don't think many people expected uh, those who liked it that is i'm sure people hate this movie too but yeah. i don't think many people expected this to be um a little bit of a challenge you know what i mean yeah for myself it's when i watched it the first time i, I think i might have not been in the night like, the best mood to go into it like you stick a film on you're a wee bit tired so it doesn't get your full attention i think i just kind of read it off as just like a generic sci-fi b-movie action like pretty much the last half hours just gunfights explosions people getting stabbed in the eye snakes and more snakes and i kind of just it didn't last like and it didn't stay as like one of the like the, the top kurt russell films i'd witnessed in like that last year that kind of just fell to the sidelines and forgot forgotten uh, so when you suggested to do it for our uh 200 episode i was really surprised to say, ah. after, the prof- after the profanity i settled down and then re-examined Ken's choice and, and i thought <laughs> oh you're lucky I still have this on DVD. Let's just watch it. And I think I actually do appreciate it a little bit more. Because I think even just the whole introduction to the film. Like, as we see, as, like, that thing where it's, like, taken from birth and then trained into the ultimate soldier. And then when uh, Jason Isaac shows up with the new, they discover, like, this new synthetic uh, fucking super soldier uh, with, like, the the prize pooch in the form of Jason Scott Lee, who mm-hmm. looked fucking jacked to the nines. Like, his head was about to pop off his shoulders. There's just... The, two, the 2.0 model uh, making a grand grand appearance. Yes. To see him, more or less, they describe it fairly, saying that he becomes obsolete. It was great to see the, the journey there, because when watching films like this, you'll definitely get shades of... Um, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't they don't name the planet that this is uh, that. Wait, wait, I think they actually might have. I think it was Arcadia. This the, yeah, the trash or, or planet they get put on. Or something. Yeah. Yes, aye, exactly. But it's not out like uh, Mars. They don't just say it's like one of the big planets. But I do I feel. Mean, I mean, it's an inhabitable planet too, because obviously they they, they can breathe uh, oxygen and stuff. Yes, aye, and. Especially being on a trash planet, it must be fucking stinking. But um, other than that, it's the... where Wally got uh, got its uh, idea for for the setting, obviously. <laughs> oh, I could just see it now, just <laughs> going through, sifting through all the bodies of dead super soldiers, packing them into <laughs> little cubes. Yeah, yeah, to have to make it uh, children's friendly, but the trash planet is uh, uplifting. Yes, sort of. <laughs> but. I do love that that comparison scene where it is Kurt Russell doing a jog, and then they send Kane after him twenty minutes later, and it's just that great shot of him jogging out of the fog, and then just seeing Jason Scott Lee 
just and you can just tell the difference between like a man in his forties jogging, and then some dude in top shape, just overtaking him with ease. And yeah, I'm nearly in my forties, and uh, I would love to be in in that shape that Curtis in this movie does. Aye, so he, he's no slouch, man. No, no, because that's uh, those scenes where he was sitting, uh, where he's got a makeshift punching bag. Like it still shows that like he toned up for this film, because well he might have maintained like a suitable. I'm not even going to try and explain this either. That was a tangent that doesn't need to happen. Um, explain the science between working out suit. Exactly. He's like he's either sitting at him eating cheeseburgers or he's working it. I tend to think he's working it. So, but when you take on a role where you want to be a super soldier, you want to look. Like you're in, in like have the physique of a person that could carry out. They make it look realistic. Yeah. Like we're not gonna believe the guy with the beer gut is a fucking elite assassin. But like breaks a sweat climbing a set of stairs. So, but, but how was your reaction to the sort of uh, his uh, reawakening? That 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 because it's a big storyline. I mean, mm-hmm. did that get to you at all in terms of uh, cheering on the character to to actually discover his own death? Because they, they they say a key thing early on when they're talking about the new improved models, mm-hmm. if they have spirit and J- Jason Isaacs or uh, spirit, whatever. Ah. And as sappy as on on the nose as that sounds, I think it's a key for the movie that uh, he still has spirit and he gets to discover that. So was that at all mm-hmm. compelling for you? Um, I would definitely say that because by the time where it comes to where he's being uh, forced out of that community after like his, his PTSD episode, you could see he's actually somewhat reluctant to leave. Like not that he physically not that he's refusing to go, not that he's saying anything, but you could just see it in his eyes, like he's almost teared up where he's either grown to appreciate these people around him as a family. And even to the point where like he'd been gifted that scarf and it's what he was wearing mm-hmm. as, as he was leaving. But you could see that he all he's trying to do is just kinda kinda be re-entered into society but for a man that's trained like that there was no place for him there yeah. so you could see honestly that he was a bit heartbroken about being sent away mm-hmm. and that's it there was no need for like a giant um five minute speech to say that he's a changed man is that the next thing like the fact that they've kept him so remote so little dialogue was a bold choice, but it definitely works for the character. Yeah, he, uh, he the actor shows up. I think that's the key, rather than mm-hmm. the actor got in shape and then cashed his check. Yes, yeah. and from what I read, it was quite the check. Uh, no, I... why not? Why not? I think he earned it. I mean, uh, in nineteen ninety eight, I'm sure it's uh, peanuts compared to some of the wages that we see today for oh. for, for for lesser effort. But definitely. But that's, this is not like a role that, say, uh, Kurt Russell phoned in on any account. Like, definitely, even though there's minimal dialogue, the, the the emotion that he puts across in like that thousand-yard stare, whilst maybe it's just because it, he's got this wet, great weathered face, like battle-worn, like he's got the scars across his face, there's all these scratches, and the man has lived a life in combat. And I think it pretty much has like a resume tattooed down his arm. In fact, across his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his name across his face, and then all the uh, the conflicts he's been in uh, tattooed across his arm, uh, mm-hmm. which seemed like a mandatory thing for the character, just to 
add his uh, CV on his arm. So ah, they know as if it's where almost been. like not quite like badges of honor, but you like that's his history right there on his arm. I, so. I mean, you, you you have to act with your eyes, and I think uh, uh, Kurt really comes through and i mean it sounds like a simple thing to focus on just okay i just need to use my eyes great i'll earn 10 million dollars doing so but damn man that's hard that's yeah. hard to uh, communicate and uh, I, I think that that's what stuck with me when i saw it so many years ago and that i was still impressed with uh, how how much effort uh, kurt and paul combined and uh, everyone else of course um, mm-hmm. brings uh, so i think that that's way more interesting than the action sequences albeit that there are some cool beats in them but uh, uh, they they don't linger as such, uh, but then again, the movie is only ninety eight minutes over and done with quickly. When it's over, it's over, mm-hmm. and that efficiency counts for um, you know towards the grade too. That it doesn't overstay its welcome either. Yeah, and then you've got let's have a wee word about the action sequences in the film. Like to begin with, one of the the most shocking um, things I saw in the film was that eye gouge to to Jason. Scott Lee. Yeah, it's a pretty this, mean piece of makeup. They, yes, uh, they. Uh, it took it to a level throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It took it to like a level I was not expecting. Because sure, you you'd imagine like gunfire, like like blood spurts, squibs, but to, to see like that horrific eye rake and just to see the makeup and the blood is like Christ. This is they're definitely like maintaining that eighteen rating. And yeah, I I. I there's a fair amount of brutality in it, but yeah. I just have a, a slight feeling that the MPAA cut some stuff out of this, uh, you know, uh, more blood spurts than we actually did get on screen. It's not mm-hmm. neutered, but uh, I, I, I think a uh, an unrated version would reveal some more blood spurts here. And I think yeah. Paul went for the jugular liter- literally in a few scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the, the action in the second half? Because it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty functional. I mean, it's, it's they, they, they have this apocalypse, post-apocalyptic wasteland. It's uh, you know broken shells of planes and cars and what have you. So, and they stage some decent pyrotechnics, some cool shots of uh, usage of flamethrowers in the open, in sets and what have you. And uh, it, it's all very functional and, as I said, clear and coherent. Mm-hmm. Too. So we're still in the late '90s, where they weren't shaking these movies to death, and the action coherency with it, um, yeah, g- going uh, away with it, uh, and uh, that. And, and Kurt makes for a convincing action hero mm-hmm. because he's in his element at that point. So he's not like when he sh- when he shoots the guy with the uh, rocket lo- launcher. It's not like he does the Arnold thing uh, of uh, now coming up with uh, one-liners or anything. <laughs> it's all that. That's a, uh, a part of the mission. You know, mm-hmm. Kill and then move on. You know, he, he because he calls everyone sir, including the women and the family and all of that. So he, yeah, that that that's part of his being. He he's not a '90s action hero now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but it's all ca- captured well enough. I, I I don't think it's uh, signals that a new bold voice or anything in action. But it's all very sufficient. Looks good and uh, and uh, yeah. So n- no complaints really. It's mm-hmm. it's not like it. Uh, Negates the drama and uh, or, or the drama takes away from the action or anything. So yeah. because in a ninety-minute package, it's uh, they both have a place and they're both uh, well executed enough. Mm-hmm. I do love that moment where Kane is driving. I think they describe the vehicles as crawlers, and he's talking about is that like he's communicating over the radio to one of the other soldiers. It's like you need to change your course. You're driving straight for me, and the person keeps replying back affirmative. No, you're you're driving towards me, and then when the camera cuts and it's Kurt Russell driving 
and they just draw like I think there's a sequence where they knock a bus and they just flatten two soldiers like just like a quick jump cut and it's just him wiping through wiping through soldiers but just to drive right into the side of Kane where like he's whilst he he's being efficient he's also was ruthless too strong a word uh, I mean that's the trading of uh, ruthless only. I mean, even early in the movie, we see him uh, shoot presumably an innocent woman. Uh, someone is using as a shield, so he, ah, yes. he has that in him still. But mm-hmm. he doesn't perform any such uh, actions towards Brandleys in the rest of the movie. You know, yeah. so uh, these are more genuine enemies, uh, faceless enemies, and stuff. Mm-hmm. When researching this film, it was interesting to see that this has kind of gotten a, a, a cult following, whilst the know. film. Uh, received like a sort of like a negative reaction upon a negative reception upon release i'm not surprised to see that it's kind of been looked at a little bit more favorably nowadays because it kind of has those elements there where it's fair to say that it could be classed as some like a a sci-fi b movie sort of like those for for like the plot for instance that how a man has been trained to be like an elite assassin only to get replaced and then he's on a trash planet and so it's got like sort of like key sci-fi elements and key elements yes. for for action, uh, but then there is some something like the imagery, like the big, like there's, I had to think one of the shots like in between like all the several sandstorms that they have to get through. There's like a a giant battleship just abandoned on the planet, and it's I'm trying to find a better way to describe this visually, really interesting, but it's definitely like steeped in sci-fi like to be honest the only image i could picture right now is the final shot of the film where it's kurt russell um the child nathan and he picks him up and just points out the window and it was not like a shot of three moons yeah their next destination towards the end of the film yes aye and to be honest i think i'm trying not to sit class it as cheesy but I think it could get away with being cried a cheesy sci-fi film. Like, the, the opening title sequences where you get to see him go through, uh, like, where he, it's, it's uh, what the fuck, they cried it. Was it, like, the Russian incident or, no, the Moscow thing, and they're shooting how he shot the, the soldier who was using the woman as a shield. Then there's in one shot, they're all in spacesuits with, like, heavy-duty machine guns. And it's yeah, almost like lasers, machine guns, by that point. Yes, where it almost looks like, like it may be over the top, but I feel for like a late '90s sci-fi film, that probably would have been fair enough. Because yeah, it, it's not it, overly yeah, I, serious. You know, I think it, I think it embraces the fact that it's not the greatest story ever told. I think they know that they will be slotted into the action a sort of uh, genre slot, uh, but uh, we're going to be a little bit better without being pretentious about it. Yeah. So, so I think it, I, I think that they don't forget about the evil aspect to make it entertaining, but we're also going to, you know, try and get, engage with a very, uh, a character that doesn't engage because he's not trained to engage uh, as a person, as a character. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's some clever, you know, uh, train of thoughts behind it and aware train of thoughts behind it. Yeah. Now, I, I did pre-emphasis this by sending you some questions saying who steals the film. And to be honest, I think it comes across as fairly neutral. 
there isn't like one character that outside of Kurt Russell, there isn't anyone that kind of really captures my attention or manages to steal the film for themselves. Is it there? Was there anyone for you that really impressed you with the film? No, no, nothing that no one that uh, took the spotlight away from anyone else. Uh, but uh, probably in terms of the solid characterization and presence and uh, a character you engage in, probably Sean, Sean Pertwee's Pertwee's mm-hmm. character. Um, it's an actor. Uh, I don't know if he's English or uh, or um, well, I know he's British, but I yes. don't know if he's English or not. Uh, uh, and you know, you've seen him in tons of movies, probably playing bad guys. I'm just going by mm-hmm. gut feelings. It was nice to see he was this uh, this kind character that who, along with his wife uh, Connie Nielsen's character, they 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 are open to taking this character in. But he he doesn't. Um, you know, hog the the you know Kurt's light or anything. But he he's a solid presence and uh, across the border are solid, you know, solid performances. But no one that uh, runs away with the movie as such. But that doesn't mean they sink into mediocrity or anything. Um, and, you know, the only piece I did like was the fact that they made Jason Isaac's character whiny towards the end uh, because uh, i I want i wanted to fear him a little bit more but towards the end he becomes this uh sniveling weasel essentially (laughs) uh which which is audience friendly you know because uh, you want to see bad things happen to that character but uh exactly you want to see him but this like any choice it was that he was like please 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 (laughs) you piss in his pants Oh my god, I I actually did not like that moment. I thought it strayed a little bit, but I, I I can see it's an audience relief that yeah he was he was there he was a chicken. Aye, <laughs> but um, Ken, unless you have any other set notes, just give it a chance, people. It's out there. I found it on my local iTunes for a cheap price. So hopefully it's on the UK iTunes and just give it a chance, whether an old DVD or pick up the Blu-ray. So um, because uh, it's over and done with, and uh, you might be surprised. Uh, about the dramatic depth it attempts. So it's even listed as action, drama, and sci-fi on IMDb, and that's that, that I think is correct. Exactly. Now, um, on terms of rewatchability, would you feel that you could come back to this one quite quickly, or go give it some space? Wait, that was not a pun. I swear that was not a pun. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a clever one, though. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll rewatch it, but it's not one I'll rewatch yearly or anything because I, I think you, you'll get the entirety of the picture in one go. Yeah. So it's not like a, a, a tight rewatch. Um, a quick rewatch will uh, make you notice details galore. Like uh, if you watch a movie like Fight Club, you want to see that the day after because now, <laughs> that was the twist. Now I'm going to go back and watch it for all the clues that Fincher left. Yeah, Paul doesn't do that. It's a straightforward movie. You'll get everything in one go, and you'll uh, walk away. All right. Uh, I think on that note, Ken, I think we're just gonna put a wee pen in it. Alrighty. All right. Thanks, buddy, for including me, and uh, happy two hundredth once again. Thank you very much. Uh, now, Christ, that's awful. <laughs> Christ Almighty, what that Mexican fella do? Soak his old socks in the pot. Mike, did you ever get a chance to see Soldier? I. Yeah, I've seen Soldier. I was around that age where I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. For what I remember, it was alright, wasn't it? It was, not, it was like one of the like, straight-to-video I did. It like, does films, definitely yeah. come across as a proper sci-fi B-movie. Like, the shots of him on, like... See, what always reminded me? Universal Soldier. Aye, aye, definitely, because he was... tried to humanise him. Yes, aye, that colony he was with really yeah. tried to bring the human side out of him, but the shots of him going a bit in, like, a silver spacesuit 
uh, with like, the astronaut helmets on with machine guns just <sighs> sitting shooting guns and it's like man this is like proper sci-fi B movie as it gets this is like ticking yeah. all those boxes there's a shot where he's looking out at space and there's three moons and like I was totally properly like a late 90s B movie yeah where there's also there's been this change where he's went I was going to say where like he's not as big as he used to be but I think if it's just fair like Escape from LA Stargate he's Tombstone I think it was a tipping point because he's fucking brilliant in Tombstone so I think it was like his I'm trying to think as if he was like a stock market like if his value started going yeah. down at that point but following up you had 3,000 miles to Graceland I've seen that Aye, uh, I, I quite liked it. I thought it was all right. I do remember it because I liked the idea of it. Like it was like it three was or four was Elvis's Elvis convention. Yes, at an Elvis convention, doing a robbery. Yeah. And I just remember this fucking action sequence at the end. Someone hanging upside down, spinning around with dual machine guns, shooting out, and they had Spine Shank playing on the soundtrack. Yeah. And I was like, right enough, two thousand one. It was like new metal yeah. as fuck. Kurt Russell was a uh, Elvis. Yep. He was a cat with an Elvis. Yep. It's and a black guy was an Elvis. Yes. Can't remember his name. I almost want to say Christian Slater was in there, but aye, he was. Yes. He was the other one. No, aye. no, no. Kevin Costner. Yes, that's Kevin it. Costner was aye. the other one, and Courtney Cox. I, aye, I can't even which. I can't remember which one shags Courtney Cox. Kurt Russell. Yes, because she just is putting it out there because. It's just, um, Kevin Costner ends up being like the the, the bad guy. Yes, and uh, he's like the he's like the leader of the group. Aye, aye, because he has that money mm-hmm. and he tries to get it back up. I actually quite like that, and I, I think it gets shown on that TCM channel quite a lot. So I might actually go and look for it and record it and rewatch it. Aye, because all all I just remember is I actually remember seeing more of just Courtney Cox's arse than her face. There's like there's shots where she's hiding money in the ceiling. It's just she's got like a G string on. Mm. and that just leads to Kurt Russell having a sex scene with her mm. and I feel sorry because like she's got a kid and I feel like the kid keeps getting shoved in the next room so she could just sleep with all these Elvis impersonators <laughs> I think this uh, I'm sure let's see 2001 this is prior to her getting like those big Adrian Barboa fake tits that she had in The Longest Mile remember her in Adam Sandler Longest Mile oh yeah and she had like the weirdest big fake boobs uh. and like Agent Barbeau boobs. Like, fucking hell. Yeah. Some cunts ready to escape from New York with MTs. I remember just having a conversation with Margaret and I was like, man, those are big fake tits. <laughs> They're new. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember them and friends. <laughs> I was like, They're huge. I wonder if Adam paid for those. <laughs> like, all right, you're perfect for the role, but we need a bit more oomph. <laughs> Could be oomph. Ah, like double-handed oomph. So, aye. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Uh, Vanilla Sky was the same year. I've mentioned already that is a slightly bonkers film. If it, if you ever get a chance to see it, Tom Cruise. Eh? Yes, Tom Cruise. Uh, Cameron Diaz. Yep, Penelope Cruz is in there as well. Kurt Russell and. Just when, like, the shit hit the fan, like, you're like, oh, yeah, fucker, this is... What? Like, you have to sit down and watch this film. Uh, it's definitely one of those weird, weird fucking... A long film. Might be two. Uh, Might be two hours. Uh, 
Interstate 60. Something I never got to see. Nah. I'm not too sure what that was. 2003, Dark Blue. So who was the cast again? It was him and Ving. Ving Ving Ravens was the, like the... Was he like a police chief? Ah, he was like the police chief. He was a black police chief because this was set during the Rodney King race riots in the early 90s, late 80s. Aye, and Kurt Russell's... See the bad guy in this one, eh? Um, Or he doesn't come across too clean. Yeah, it's him and he's part of this group and he's got a young apprentice with him. But it's fucking... um, Brendan... Fraser? No. Gleason? Gleason, Brendan. Brendan Gleason. Aye. It's absolutely amazing in this film. And there's a young Jonathan Banks is in there as well. Oh, right, aye. Um, but it's all to do with like, the corrupt police and stuff yeah. like that. And it, it's a really good film. Mm-hmm. And it shows you like the police life and then it like, goes him and I think his wife's like a judge or something and like the relationship with his wife isn't great either. Aye. And it's... It's a good film. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, soundtrack's pretty good for what I remember as I well. I remember the trailer having, like, a POD on it. Aye. Again, like, your early 2000s new metal wave yeah, or Christian I mean, I metal. I think it's got, um, like... I think the Arrow treatment gave it, like, director commentaries with Kurt Russell and all that and stuff. So yeah, decent. Might be interesting to check out. Yeah, I think I'll pick it up. Like, in one of the 5 or 30 sales mm. was definitely the time I would pick it up. And now, 2004 is Miracle, the the Disney ice hockey movie. We'll take a little break, and it'll be me and Andy, the no-care, always swearing, covering Miracle. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. Welcome to episode 200, Andrew. Thank you. Today we will be talking about Miracle right. from director Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. What's he famous for? Well, I think he kind of went up from here. Like he, oh. he did start with um, Miracle. There's a couple other ones before it, but I've neglected to write them down. His heavy hitting directing credits, though. Mm-hmm. Warrior. Tom yeah, Hardy, Cage Fighting like, Film. I like that film. The Accountant. I think I've seen Ben that Affleck. One. And Anna Kendrick. Is that like he's, your where he's your like situation where he pretends to be a mild mannered person, but in really they go out at night. Kilfolk. Kilfolk. I've not seen it either. I, from what I heard, I thought people just assumed he was a guy with autism. <laughs> <laughs> so when you start comparing him to me, there's like, am I autistic? <laughs> I know it took me about forty five minutes to set up this podcast and rig, but. Yeah. <laughs> I've never checked myself. I have to go on, like on a Facebook quiz and just say, "Am I autistic?" Yeah, because Facebook's like the best. Oh, that's like WebMD, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, NHS twenty four. <laughs> Am I special? <laughs> Question mark. And this boy has been uh, announced as the director for Suicide Squad two. Oh. Who was the, who was the director for the first thing? First one was I forgot his name, but I can remember his films. He did End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal. Fury with Brad Pitt. <laughs> no. Get me in direct. It is a fucking totally a name I, I, I knew. But the phone's coming out. It's one of those ones when you find out, it's like, this guy's directing Suicide Squad. It's like, shit, this might be really good. Mm, but... And then it's like, shit, this film's really average. Well, that's, like... maybe, that's maybe a bit harsh. It's not a bad film. Mm. David Ayer. No. Aye. 
Like, just don't argue with me. I've got no <laughs> in front of me. I have the facts. No, I dig who the fuck he is. He is 15 time director. Ah, he done Bright, Will Smith, and like World of Warcraft, uh, cop movie. The old orcs and shit. Yeah. And Sabotage with Arnold. That's oh, Arnold no. saying it. <laughs> I end of watch Street Kings, Harsh Times. I'm not talking about his life, that's his filmography. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, that's not who we're talking about today, but yes. Gavin O'Connor directed Disney's Miracle. How did they realise it was a Disney film? Aye. So I, I saw that we fucking... It's like, what the fuck? Aye, the logo. The castle it. came out. Aye, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck does Disney have to do with fucking hockey? Aye. Balls. The mouse paid for this film. Aye. And it was, it was weird. I think when I watched it for the first time, I might have not... Nah, it's impossible. You had to have known that this was a true story. Like, sure, we're not really well aware of our... No, Winter I'm Olympics. Big up on my fucking 1980s. Olympic yes, I went to Olympics <laughs> trivia. So who knew that this was a true story? But I think you kind of guess. Right. Like when they're the big match happening is not even like the final for the gold medal. It's kind of a couple of rounds in. Yeah. But you're thinking, right? Okay, because no, if, if it was normal Hollywood, it would be the finals, and it would, be, it would come down to fucking. I was gonna say penalties. I'm trying to think if that's a thing in hockey. It no, is. Right. Shoot. Shoot, ah, and it's like there's a different terminology for it. Like it's not Hollywood enough. It's in the sense that ah, it's real. Didn't they hear the Hollywood ending? Yeah, where so. it was like supposed to be in the final. And they're all throwing each other up in the air, and they're holding <laughs> the cup, and all the Soviets are being shot out back. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, d- I doubt the fucking uh, the coach mm-hmm. gave him the no day approval at the end. So. Ah, he. Really he would thought never that. Have done that. I know. There's like a, it was, that was like him withholding like a minor stroke. Just <laughs> and Carlos was like, "I got the nod of approval." He's like, "No, Vlad's dead." Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That was a generalization of who was, all the Soviets. Who was the president of Russia back then? Coming who was before Putin? Yeah, the old, uh, Lenin, Stalin. Just saying Nikov at the end of it and oh, oh, oh god, that's fucking a fuck Nikov. Fuck Nikov. <laughs> so Miracle stars Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. Yeah. Patricia Clarkson as Patty Brooks and Noah Emmerich is Craig Patrick. What? That's like his second in command. Uh, no, because it was him there was a few folk I'd recognised. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I can those three. I don't know who the fuck the rest of them are. Eddie Cahill, I recognise him. He's on some sort of fucking so, crime show. Alright. So, I recognised him. Yeah, I didn't know anyone. I thought this could be like a... Because let's bring up this talking point now. What's, what's your history with hockey films? How much have you seen? How much do you know? Very little. I think it was just Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks and Goon. Aye, Goon, sorry, aye, I've seen Goon. Aye, they're mad too, I don't think I've seen anything else. Because I know there's a lot of them. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's one called Slapshot. I think that's like a, an 80s, so like, I think it was like a Bad News Bears, but hockey equivalent. Because mm. uh, I know there's, there is one that Keanu Reeves was in before he was famous. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's Slapshot, but that's what I was kind of looking for here. When I was watching it, I was really scanning the face, the, Faces of the players thinking, "Oh look, there's a young thingway. Oh, mm. there's there's a young Aaron Paul, like just something like that." 
Gonna be skating about shouting bitch. Eyes hockey, bitch! <laughs> Soviet, bitch! <laughs> Aye, so I was really looking for that and I was like, ah, they can any cunt in this. Aye. Only can the actual actors, because I'm, I'm under That's assumption... That's a bit fucking insulting I to know, the rest of the cast. To the craft. I think <laughs> a lot of them were all hired on like their hockey skills rather than their acting skills. This is, this is what IMDB would tell me. Hmm. Has told me. Saying that it is like the first acting credit for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So most of them cut their teeth with medical. But could you name them? No. <laughs> Not just, with a phone in front of me. He was just the only face that really stuck out to me. I recognised a couple more for like maybe one or two episodes of certain things. But yeah. Like he was the one that's got like a mainstay on some. Aye, one that's lasted. Aye, the goalie. <laughs> and that, he kind of had a bit more to play with than other players. I like. Aye, he had like a a, a wee bit more of a backstory. Aye, he got a bit of a mere screen time with Kurt and Aye. got some shit, and then he fucking took that hit at the end. Mm-hmm. So they gave him some drama, but uh, the plot for those that's wondering what the fuck is going on, Miracle tells the true story of Herr Brooks, the player turned coach who led the nineteen eighty U.S. Olympic hockey team to victory over the seemingly invincible Russian squad. Uh, so Andrew, what have you seen this film before? No, sir, not before this review. No, because no, no, I was need to share. Because I, I could ask, um, why did you choose this film? But the answer might be because you told me to. Aye, you told me to pick a film. I had already picked and watched and the then, film. <laughs> no, another. Because <laughs> no. I was, I'd done the notes for the podcast and I copied and pasted his filmography. Then I was color coding it, and all the ones that we'd done, I was writing notes and sizing. Done on films and swear, 160, like for Hateful Eight, Big Trouble. And then there's a right, there's Trevor's, Mike's, Gary's, Tom. Like, Where's Andrew's? I'm sitting scanning through. It's like, it's not even on his filmography. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I forgot it was like a TV movie. It's like, <laughs> how could he find the most obscure film in history and find an actual stream of it? <laughs> and then I realised, wait a second, we're missing a decade. So I thought, Andrew, go and choose again. Hmm. Please. Bastard. So, what did you think of the film? Aye, I, I quite enjoy these kind of fucking biopic dramas. Yeah, because all that's like, like, you kind of have your two main ones when it comes to the true stories and films. It's either going to be a sports film mm. about something they really well, or a crime. Something, something, someone doing something really horrible. Yeah. Enough for them to make a movie out of. <laughs> so, aye, this is like the more positive of the two, where it's like something really. Yeah. Oh, something really positive. You've said that word already. Uh, something really... Well, it was huge because they, <laughs> like, they won Olympic gold. Yeah. Well, that's enough reason itself to make a movie yeah. as well as like beating the Soviets for the first time. So yeah. why not make a film about it? And it's already had like... Uh, if you have a look at like the connections for this on IMDb, it mentions that there's already a TV movie made. Oh, is there? And one of the ice hockey players, I think, was Steve Gutenberg. Mahoney for Police Academy. All right, all right. Yeah, that guy we all thought was died, but it's not died. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> just isn't on TV anymore. Oh, just hiding for TV. Yes, like, the guy for Cocoon. Aye, police, just, police story. No, Police Academy. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> he's an extra in a nice hockey TV movie now. Yeah, he's on the Zamboni, <laughs> just cleaning the ice. <laughs> Still in the caution from Police Academy. He's the fucking guy that was saying gaff the ice away, clean up and get him. <laughs> I was like, Steve Gutenberg's it. 
I didn't know you were in the swimming pool. I'm not. I run the ice hockey arena. <laughs> <laughs> I want him in my fucking build. <laughs> I'm going to show them plates academy before they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. There's a documentary on it. I think it was like Miracle on Ice. Right. And I think this sort of spun from there. Mm. Because IMDb straight up say this is a remake of that documentary. Mm-hmm. So they were just kind of took the magic behind that and thought we can make a the deleve the steroids <laughs> possibly I, wait I don't remember steroids no in the film alright oh, aye but I'm saying oh, in real the life. film left out the steroids yes oh aye definitely that's Disney <laughs> there's no Disney it's situation. Disney we're not going to show you that we're just <laughs> going to show loads you loads of asses and like... needles hanging out <laughs> <laughs> it's like we just come straight out of college it's like well now it's time to become a professional Thoink. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of a needle going into an arse. Because yeah, that's about the time fucking Rocky Four was set. Yes, that was that came out in eighty five, and I think it's the whole thing at America versus the Soviet so Union. So and he was like a computer enhanced fucking steroid freak. I fucking pump food drugs and it's like, what's that technology? Uh, it looks like drugs. Nope, technology. <laughs> <laughs> They're vitamins. <laughs> I'm lifting trees it's and he's fucking wired. inject it with technology because you can't grow a beard quite like Stallone yeah. <laughs> um, so you liked the film I yeah. quite liked the film when you chose it I was a wee bit like yeah. aye because it was like two hour ice hockey film I've seen it once before but years ago yeah. and then it's when you start watching it and when you start fucking really turn them a new arsehole when yeah. they draw with us like Norway or something like a 3-3 and they just start making them skate the uh, ring back and forward and it's like this is when it starts getting good when that's start... really insulting on Norway <laughs> <laughs> you drew with Norway he's a shit <laughs> <laughs> well it was enough to piss Herbie off right. so just making them like fucking skate to the to puke essentially right. in the friendliest way possible but <laughs> it's like for fucking Fargo or some shit <laughs> <laughs> But you were just thinking, like, right, this is where it's like, I think, and for me, there's like, this is where the story got interesting. Because it started, you kind of got all the history, this is going on, that's going on, mm. this is the situation. You've got these kids, start making them with the players, and like, right, sort of standard cookie cutter ice hockey film. Mm. And all like, up the end, the fucking, that ran the situation, we're all like, nah, nah, we'll just get the best players we possibly could. Aye, it doesn't matter, it's like, we want people with the talent, not the fuck that. Are like, you saying, like, fuck you, prick? <laughs> You'll get, I'll get who I want and you should shut your puss and then they come out and it's like no chemistry whatsoever Aye. like they may as well be falling all over each other and so and I'm going to turn these into a team aye skate until you puke aye or until you admit that you play for us aye who do you play for <laughs> America finally lights it aye, let's go <laughs> you can go home <laughs> they're all still lying on ice going oh my legs did you obviously we've touched briefly on Noah Emmerich like the the right hand man mm-hmm. recognise him aye I know him as the dude for the Truman Show like he was like Jim Carrey's best pal that would always show up with like six six pack of beer oh I don't know I've not seen the Truman he, Show I, he's done a fucking bunch of because he's got credits for like The Walking Dead but I think he might be like a dude in the first season aye he was a he was a scientist aye and tell Rick, you're fucked. Uh, you've got to be <laughs> doing a show you. for ten years. <laughs> Just shoots himself there. Uh, and I got credits for another TV show called The Americans. I've never seen that. That's like 
Is that not like the opposite? Like he's a Russian sleeper agent? <laughs> <laughs> so he could do it all. Aye. Yeah. And he never really got a lot to do in this film. He was just sort of there to talk to Kurt Russell. So Aye. Kurt Russell wasn't talking to himself. He's like the fucking team's morals. Uh, like he, Kurt Russell has none, and he's like, "Did he make them skate in me?" Ah, he's like, "Come on, now, that's you gotta be like, this is almost cruel." My lips are too safe for blood this whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the Christmas. No, like that was a nice bit where it's like they they all teamed together and got their coaches, and they got him the wee bear's whistle. No, and then Kurt Russell got the the fucking bull whip. No, <laughs> his wife's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for her to do fucking sprints. <laughs> what country? I don't know. Who do you play for? <laughs> now, there was a trivia note saying that only inaccuracy possibly between this film and what happened in real life was mainly to do with like Herb. That Christmas sequence would never happen in real life because they said there was no friendly side of him to the players. Ah, right. So this side, it kind of showed them, like, oh, they're all hmm. having Christmas dinner, they bought them a present, they're all having a laugh, and like, nah, he would never go have dinner with them. He would... <laughs> no, it's like he was trying to get he was business. a camaraderie Tri- yes. with the team, like, getting them all to join forces against the coach. Aye, he's like, not there for the pleasantries. I'm not joining you for dinner. Hmm. Skate until you puke. <laughs> <laughs> so we just all had turkey. Get on that ice. <laughs> So they're saying that was one of the things like they would never imagine. I guess they just well, it's Disney. They mm. painted it in a nice light. And they're like, no, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a cunt till the end, which Not is a bit him. sad. I know because <laughs> he, <laughs> so like, like, oh, he died like before yeah. the film was it? <laughs> I know, Not, bad choice of words, but I like the fact that they were, they weren't all friends at the beginning. With yes, it's like they went into the history of the boy that played for. The coach mm-hmm. in Minnesota, aye, and how they won the championship ring, and then the other team that they beat, there was players for that, and they they didn't like them, so aye, it was a started king shit. <laughs> it was like a motley crew. It was like fuck that. It wasn't just a team he picked up. He made yeah. a team of just all these spare parts, and they didn't get mm. on. And there was even the, you could like, tell there was let them like, go. There was like one fair like Boston. Cause he, like, aye, had, the goalkeeper like, was for Boston. Aye, because that, that fucking accent he pulls off. He's like, I'm going to play hockey. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. Because it's the part where he, he's like lighting a fire under them. But under him, just specifically, because he's got a bruise on his leg. He's like, the bruise is on your leg, not on your heart. He's like, you want me to play hockey? <laughs> I'll play. What I say leg, but I'll play. Aye. And then, like, he's just walking in and he looks to his fucking pal and says, that'll fire like, that'll get them going. It's like, yep. And it's like, That's just basically, like, the 80s version of fucking, you're just a fucking pussy. <laughs> it's like, I'll, I'll show you who's a fucking pussy. You're a shite bag. <laughs> <laughs> get off your ears and get <laughs> your cunt. It's only a bruise. <laughs> it's on your leg, not your heart. It's a bit deep, Dad. I'll get you a bruise in your pussy when you get your eyes. So, I. There's like any other fucking any other situation you would just imagine him be getting skates chucked at him. Yeah. <laughs> Running at the locker room. He's like, that's a bit harsh, coach. <laughs> Did that know him in football ones? Like they were chucking like boots at each Ale- other. Alex Ferguson kicked a football bit and scaled David Beckham in the face with it. 
Where's their film? <laughs> I know. Oh, there is one. Class in 92. So, they went to Madison Square Garden and got absolute skelt by... Because it was like friendly games for the Soviets, wasn't it? Aye. Just they are A warm-up game. Yes. And part of you think, well, this has to be a movie. Like, a, f- a fictional in a case. Like, here's them without like the camaraderie and the team players. Yeah. Like, they're all still going to get their arse whipped and, and then they'll have to realise themselves, we do need to work together to beat them. Yes. Because <laughs> it just looked like an absolute shit show. Like, they were being thrown around mm-hmm. and they're all tripping over each other and fucking thought we were sitting scalping each other with sticks. And I was like... Aye. And the referee was saying, like, covering his in when it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> And it so. fucking and uh, just so and that's the one thing I wasn't sure that it was real was like their best player gets injured in the warm up game just before the Olympics. <laughs> that's like in every fucking sport forever. So the team is like, I'm gonna do it, coach. Then, no, <laughs> I I always kept thinking like they done that part where they had 21 players and they had they could only take 20, Aye. and then as soon as one dude got injured, it's like time for the comeback kids. That's what I thought. And they thought, nope, no, nah. <laughs> so. I'm still gonna bring that cunt on. Like, I was like, now I'm gonna wait till he like properly falls off. Like, like, no, he's been amputated. Now I could play. Get him a stick. Yeah, get him a stick with a blade on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just working skating about with one arrow. Like, anyway, this is an 80s grindhouse. <laughs> That's all the rage. <laughs> Slashers. Oh. <laughs> Just t- <laughs> Nah, they just never brought him back. I thought it was like that was the thing. Mm-hmm. They just and actually, he was one of the ones I kind of recognised for something as well, but I didn't know what. Aye. Uh, and then from there, let's see. Aye, it was a Sweden game is where he chose to inspire them by insulting that dude's l- bruised leg. Yeah. And fucking pussy bitch. Aye, and it worked. Aye. Like they won the game, and it's like the turning point because this film's on for two hours and ten. It was something about that, aye. Aye. And why was like when Hank a lot of times anything over two hours I'm always a wee bit like uh, you shake yourself. It's like, oh it, I can't last that long. Is it gonna be worth my time? I'm gonna <laughs> have to watch this in five parts. <laughs> <laughs> and it kinda goes quite quick, even aye. though it like it doesn't feel like it drags for a while. Like so mm. now you look at it, oh it's only an hour and a half. Fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> it goes quite quick because then by the time when they're gearing up for the final game it's like Correct, there's not even like half an hour left. This is mm. like it's fucking it got there fast. Ah, it just kind of like ends <laughs> after the fucking match. I was like, eh? Ah, it's like, alright, we're not getting anything after. It's like, they're not going out for drinks. No, no, mm. no, credits, cards. Oh, I hit. thought, I thought I was sitting there thinking, oh, let's we'll see, we'll see maybe a montage of the final, but I didn't expect it to just be that. <laughs> I thought there would be a wee bit more. It's like cards, this is what they're doing now. Yeah, that Perfect. was cool though. Aye, it's always that nice thing to get at the end of like. Aye. How, what are they? How are they doing now? Aye, other than Herb, who is not doing who'd, nothing. Who'd died in a car crash before principal photography. Oh, was it a car crash? He died. Yeah. Aye, but it's probably doing fucking laps, <laughs> <laughs> just driving up down the street, <laughs> crashing. Hit a bit of black ice. <laughs> oh fuck. Aye, uh, but the. They, they made it an awfully classy moment where, like, died before Principal Photography. He never saw it. Mm. He lived it. Oh, it's like, oh no, the, Disney, the tears. Mm. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, he did love it. He didn't need to see the film with Kurt Russell. <laughs> Broken. Mm. 
But what about the amount of fucking players that are investment bankers, me? Did you know sit and read all uh, the fucking things? There was figures? a lot, man. <laughs> it's like, wow, that was pretty easy to get into. Because it was like vice president this, and I was like, man, it went a fucking completely different direction. And then there's one that's a car mechanic. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if they asked them, so right, go and just tell us what you're doing now. Mm. One of them's a student at fucking a shitty college. I always wait for just like one of them to be in jail or something, just like one of them, yeah. like, just. Uh, and there wasn't like any players that was a dick. So, uh, what could you say about the final match? Well, the Soviet match. Yes, aye, yeah. aye, because the final match was. Where did they play? Was it like Finland at the end or something? Aye, aye, aye. The the the, the final game of the film where they yeah. do go against the Soviet Union, and it is the you get the great tension like off the ice where it's just the two managers staring at each other, <laughs> and. Yeah. The Soviet Union one may as well be like a cardboard cutout for the first hour of the film. No emotion, no nothing. Yeah. And Kurt Russell keeps looking at him trying to see if there's anything. Mm. And then you just fucking panic and, and go and mental. And when they pull off their their key, uh, like their goalie, mm. and swap them out, it's like, this has never been done. What was he thinking? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, I've got them riled. Mm. And I mean, part of me is like, I wonder, because it looks good. In the sense, like, it, uh, hockey experts watching this, does it look like it was portrayed well? Like, all the ice hockey stuff, does that look like? Or, mm, like, like, like if I watched, like, a wrestling movie and go, man, the choreography, or, like, that's so fucking rough and ropey. Yeah. But, like, as, a, like, a hardcore hockey enthusiast to watch that and then see if that looks like authentic hockey. Hey, I'm wondering, there was a bit where they were, where they kind of panned to a telly. Yeah. Was that was the real, real footage? footage? That's what I was wondering. And supposedly the the closing line, uh, something about it's like, have you ever seen miracles on ice or something? And then like, yes, like that's is a bit of audio strip from the live broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's the same broadcaster that was doing it for the film. Mm-hmm. So he was just kind of recreating a lot of dialogue. But that final line, they they stripped it from their actual broadcast and tidied it up and just kind of seamlessly edited it into the film. That's cool. Because they're saying like that moment could not be recreated. You could say it, but it just wouldn't have as much uh, impact. It wouldn't have been the same passion and feeling and through it. Yes. And they did it. Fuck the Soviets. <laughs> like, yes! You copy you. bastards. Fuck you, Reds! <laughs> USA! He's a shite, dude. Get out our lands! Our country! <laughs> the one they ended, where were they playing? It was uh, Lake Placid, Placid, New York. Was it? I thought they were in Sweden for some reason. <laughs> No, no, because that's it. At some point, they'll come through. It's like they're playing it here. They want it on our home turf, and they couldn't believe it. Like Lake Placid. It's like there's big alligators in there. Don't play it on there. I was imagining. Oh, he's just under the ice, fucking scratching. Let me your prick. Scaring the shell of the Soviets. And then I didn't give him a play here. These Americans are psychos. They play it across the road. No. Play on the ice. <laughs> there's ice in door too. I was like, there's alligators in door too. Like, oh no. Aye. <laughs> uh, what would you say about the film for rewatchability? Aye, it's an easy watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not often that I kind of like find myself really enjoying like a sports film. Yeah. Because I'm not the most sportiest of persons. But saying that, try to think of like sport films off the fucking top of my head, and I can't really think of. Anything huge like what is like the top fucking sports movies? I'm always thinking like baseball, just Rocky. 
Oh, well, aye, boxing, aye. Boxing films. Mm-hmm. There is quite a few baseball Because I think there's like a Tom Hanks one, there. and then... But... Tom Hanks boxing film? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the one where he gets thin at the very start, and that's it. Aye, was he in the uh, baseball one with Madonna? Aye, uh, was he like a league of their own, or... Aye. Uh, I can't think I've seen a lot of baseball films, I don't think. I've only seen Moneyball. Ah, yeah, I guess that counts, because that's, that's a true story as well. Yeah. But... In the same way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Aye. Because they just pick... They just pick the folk the stats and exactly. steady fucking names. Exactly. Yeah. I've not watched that in fucking ages. Mm-hmm. I just remember, like... Because quite a few folk got, like, uh, nominated from it. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, I know where Jonah Hill got that his is it. Yes. Let's see, is there anything else medical related? I have mentioned any breakout performances. Who steals the film? I mean, Kurt Russell's really good as the coach. That's only true to that. that. Kurt Russell and the goalkeeper are. Aye. They got the. Or is it goaltender? No. I, call it. I would say. I still think. The goalie. <laughs> goalie. I think what accent I tried to. The goalie. Aye. Like, that's me as a Canadian. <laughs> it's not at all. It's just me being you fucking get silly with Canadians my voice. that talk like that nowadays. Aye. Or Americanised or French. <laughs> yes, aye. I was going to say it's either French, Canadian, or fucking Yanks. Okay. Aye. Mm-hmm. Um, but aye, I, I feel we've, we've completely missed it on his missus. Aye. Surprised you never left him. They had a solid relationship <laughs> at first when he was refusing to go to bed and he was sitting rolling the film and writing down the stats. We could have seen like her, it's me or the team. Yeah. And he's like, get your coat in, cereal. But no, mm. she was very chuffed for him beating Soviets. Right. Film finished just before he pumped in the parking lot. <laughs> the sun. Like, just. Properly ploughing into the bonnet of their cars, like, what country is this? What country? <laughs> Fucking dead in the car, <laughs> All these are back going, coach, coach, coach. Skate and again, puke. Skate again, and puke. Again, again. <laughs> They're all just fucking waving gold medals over their heads. <laughs> Does the coach don't get a gold medal? Ah, that's what I was thinking, like. Because like I thought coach that would, be, team, that so would be something. If I wrote this film, that'd be something I would do. If I was a coach and he got a gold medal, I'd give it to the twenty-first player. Ah, the so guy. That was there for him. That the rest of the team would be as good. <laughs> and they're all there. No, we all got to chip that into twenty pieces, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all got our bet. <laughs> the shards. <laughs> oh. But aye, because it looked like when they were handing them out, it's like ah, they've, they've made plenty of those. Right. So it looked like Obdi on the team was getting one. But. And it's funny because now that we mentioned, like, well, how did he not get anything? Because he was always like a, a, an integral part of the team. Yeah. But when it came to all the press events, he would never let the team talk. It would always be him, uh, and they would call him out on it, going, "Like, why is the team not talking? Why are we having to talk to you? You just wanted to be all about you, you prick. Aye, now you want the gold medal for yourself? Well, and I will fuck you then. Talk to the some, the fucking assistant coach. I'm not even coming anywhere. Ah, uh, oh, we didn't want Truman Show. No. <laughs> Oh, imagine that. I've just went back to like the cut sex scene with him and fucking Patricia, what's her name? Right. It's just the coach with 20 gold medals on. Just <laughs> his wife. It's all about me. <laughs> every time he's fucking getting really in, he just drops a medal on her chest. Oh, just... come on. <laughs> no, she's never's weight resistance. 
<laughs> just, just to get a bit of fucking... put 10 gold on each or one of her wrists so she's yeah. pending. <laughs> you can't move anywhere. But... Crimey coach. Oh. <sighs> yeah. The woman, their, their parents just sitting in the car. Sitting with earmuffs on, the car's just rocking, you just hear the sound of suspension. <laughs> they're more screaming like fuck <laughs> just screaming like animals then just the coach throws up this <laughs> <laughs> is just too much but I'm not going to stop <laughs> the, the, the bends in the car just screaming America America that's usually, that's usually what gets them to stop <laughs> <laughs> no that's something like 20 years time fucking rotting in their psychologist's office <laughs> America Oh, I just hear the <laughs> clink of the gold medals. <laughs> oh. And his dad's boss slapped off his boss ears. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any reason why you moved to Russia, son? <laughs> and, and trying to join the Soviets? They've been gone for years. <laughs> fucking hate hair. <laughs> anyway, I think we could call it a call it an episode there. Yeah. <sighs> Alright, on with the show. Son of a bitch must pay. Have you ever got a chance to see Miracle Mike? Don't think I have. Nah. Again, like, Kurt Russell's always had this relationship with Disney. So it seems, because that again is uh, like a Disney produced uh, film based on true events. And then 2005 is another. Uh, Sky High that's like a Disney superhero movie yeah. where I can't remember who the kid is if it is like a young Zac Efron but Kurt Russell plays a, like a superhero parent and it's like his kid goes to a, a superhero school called Sky High so uh, and it's him trying to live up to the name of like his famous father ah uh, right <clears throat> and to be honest it wasn't a terrible film it wasn't it was actually decent Dreamer the same year to be honest I'm blanking on that I don't think that was one I got to see oh no no I did get to see Dreamer that was that was a good one it was one of those ones where it was like a a horse racing movie it was him Dakota Fanning again it was another Disney movie and it was like a young girl that nurses an injured horse back to racing fitness with the help of her dad and granddad so it could be entered into the Breeders' Cup. And it's got, hey, what's his name? David Morse in there. Yeah. Uh, guy for the Green Mile. Oh, aye, aye. 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 It, was bad. it wasn't bad. It was just like one, another one of those Disney true story things. What about Poseidon for 2006? you ever seen that one? No, I never got really seen that one. It was alright. I've got the Blu-ray of it kicking about somewhere. But it was one of those things where Kurt Russell at that time was like playing the, like a begrudging dad. Like it was either one of the main characters was dating his daughter and they yeah. didn't really like him. Was that a straight up remake of the Poseidon Adventure? Chip tilted upside down or yeah. was sinking. Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those things where he didn't agree of the the relationship, but maybe moments before he died, he kind of accepted the kid for who he really was. Uh, oh, you're actually pretty good and dies. I always find that a weird, like, title for a disaster from the Poseidon Adventure. I mean, it's no... Not an adventure. Yeah, even <laughs> a classic disaster and adventure, would you? Aye. Um, of course, 2007, we got Death Proof. 
We've spoke about that already. Yeah. Uh, Cutlass is a short film that could be found on YouTube. It's got him. It has his daughter, is it Jennifer Hudson? All right. Yeah, it's Jennifer Hudson. For some reason, I was getting her mixed up with uh, the wife or ex-wife of... What's his name? The black wrestler that's a lawyer. Oh, David Atunga. Ah, what's his, his wife's Jennifer? Uh, yeah, Jennifer Hudson, I think. So, well, I'm thinking of another person then. Um, Jennifer, because Kurt Russell does not have a black daughter. Yeah. Uh, Between him and Gordy Horn, they cannot make a black child. Um, Kate Hudson. Uh, Goldie Horn's daughter. Yes, aye. Right. That is the daughter of Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn. I'm certain. Because obviously they're still a couple now. Oh no. Oh, children, Wyatt Russell and Boston Russell. Goldie. Kate Hudson must have been born prior to them becoming a couple. Alright. Um, so it's a short film with her. I think Dakota Fanning as well. It's just it's just like the short story about her wanting to play guitar, mm-hmm. wanting to buy a really expensive guitar, and it's Dakota Fanning. And then when she's older, it's Kate Hudson, and her daughters wanting to play like and I think like Kirsten Stewart maybe uh. is wanting to do something similar, like get an old car. And, she, and Kurt Russell's like the granddad at that point, and he's telling the story of you were like that when you were a kid. It's like ten minutes or something, but mm. it was also directed by. And Kate Hudson as well. Ah. Uh, Touchback is one of those films I remember. It was a, it's like a flashback film. The guy's like a fire, a fireman, and his life's no went the way. He's just lived in a small town, and then he gets into a, an accident on one of the the jobs, and his, his life flashes back, and he gets to play it differently. Ah. And, because he's it was either a football team, I think it must be a fo- football team. I'm not getting it mixed up with medical. And Kurt Russell was the coach of the football team that was giving him the push, but he decided yeah. to go with the fire force instead. So I think this is him getting live his life a little bit differently. That wasn't too bad. It was something I had as a source of the internet. It was like two old files, and it was really bad quality, but it was decent for what I could see. So if I ever got the chance to watch it streaming. I would properly watch it again. 2013's The Art of the Steel was fine. That was something I watched really early on in my Kurt Russell challenge because it was still on Netflix. Uh, and it, it would I feel like... I have seen that. Was that like... Is that kind of like similar to that, like, Now You See Me sort of thing? Yes. Like, like it's like illusionist. That, uh, an Ocean's style. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, it was, it was the... It was the amazing... Yeah. The Netflix documentary The Battered Bastards of Baseball was really good. Kurt Russell plays himself and it, the reason he's featured in this documentary is because it's about a baseball team that his dad ran. Right. So it was Kurt Russell doing the majority of the talking because it was his dad's baseball team and it was like a team of losers that actually got good and started really became popular. Mm. Uh, so it's him telling a lot of home stories about he was a kid when this was all happening so he knew all the players and uh, uh, like most documentaries got like a great good feel to it and then by the end it shows you how many because I think they got shut down in the end because there wasn't like a, a 
in the major league, but yeah. it was like a local team that got really big. So they all went on to bigger teams or they went on to do different things. But with it being all part of Kurt Russell's family, he had a big part in the documentary. And it was Netflix produced, so it's always on there. Yeah. So it's always worth having a watch. And then, of course, 2015, his appearance in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting decision. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like, I've always, I think, I think you can only kind of really watch like the Fast and Furious films like once. Mm-hmm. So sort of I mean, they're no, they're no, they're no bad films, but they're no great, great films. Yeah. And I mean, they're getting the bad. last, ah, they're getting like more silly as it go on. And I mean, it was an, like, it's, it's an interesting role. And I mean, it's a role that, yeah, you kind of would expect them, um, Lee Jones to maybe crop up in. Mm-hmm. So I was quite surprised to see him show up in that. Yeah, because that's he plays like a special agent, like Mister Nobody. Yeah. So I can't remember much, but obviously he does that, and then he reappears in Fate of the Furious, reprising the same role. Yeah. Uh, now is our time for our review of Bone Tomahawk. Of course, the same year as 2015's Fast and the Furious Seven. So after the little break, you'll hear me and Tom KW from Podcast on Fire. Review Bone Tomahawk. Sheriff Hunt, what do you intend to do about my horses? They're not my priority right now. Those are my finest. Quiet! Ask about horses again, I'll slap you red. So, I would now like to welcome uh, Tom KW from the Podcast on Fire Network onto the show. Howdy. But yes, uh, we will be talking about Bone Tomahawk today. Uh, from writer and director Craig, sorry, S. Craig Zaller. Exactly. What's that short for? (laughs) We won't open that can of worms. Yeah, Um, that's not yeah can of worms. There, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, Uh, but I think first before we dive into the film, are are you a fan of Kurt Russell, Tom? Yeah, man, definitely. I wouldn't have said uh, yes to appearing on your on your season, um, otherwise. But yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Big fan, uh, great actor, a lot of great films, kind of kicked ass in kind of um, every decade now since kind of the beginning of mm-hmm. the 80s and before that in in his Disney films and stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, man, man. A man of all seasons, for all seasons. <laughs> hey, is there any particular films that that you have fond memories of? Uh, Forrest Gump. Oh, I where he's the, the, the voice of, was it Elvis or the <laughs> president? The <laughs> that's his. That's his best role. Yeah, it's so good that I can't remember him in it. He was. He was that great in it. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Obviously, his uh, his Carpenter work, his film with John Carpenter, is kind of his most iconic stuff. Um, you know, if you look in his filmography. But yeah, a lot of great other roles. Um, and worked with a lot of different filmmakers and Robert Zemeckis and mm-hmm. Steven Seagal and <laughs> Seagal. A lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of different, yeah, a lot of different filmmakers, and um, yeah, I think um, if I was to recommend one film that's a bit different, would you know, kind of different role for him, a bit kind of sleazier and a bit kind of more comedic, I'd um, recommend Used Cars, which was yeah, Robert Zemeckis's first film or second film, I think. Yes, I, um, it's close. Yeah. If I had to make like a personal recommendation, something that was a bit different and a bit off the off the beaten path, uh, I'd recommend that one. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, without holding back any further we may as well get right into the film then 
Tom, was this the first time that you've seen Bone Tomahawk? It was. It was, mate. I, I, I knew there was a reason I put it off for so long uh, <laughs> after wanting to see it when it came out, but I knew that fate was going to come along and, uh, yeah, I got this opportunity to talk about it. Um, no, for some reason, I put it off for ages and I don't know why because I was really, really um, interested when I first heard about it. You know, a Western in, coming out in 2015. You exactly. know, with uh, and, and a lot of great, you know, character actors, um, you know, that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, yeah, I really wanted to jump on it. And um, for some reason, just, yeah, eluded me. For some reason, got put in the back burner and didn't get to it. So, uh, yeah, really happy that I kind of finally got a chance to kind of see it. And, you know, bonus that we can uh, we can talk about it. Exactly. Uh, for those people at home that are not familiar, the film stars, surprisingly enough, Kurt Russell. Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, <laughs> Richard Jenkins. I think every interview I've done so far is like, surprisingly, Kurt Russell. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it's a reused gag. <laughs> <laughs> On every fucking take. But... <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Uh, we've got Lily Simmons, uh, Evan Junkett, uh, David Arquette, Fred Meadowhelm, and Sid Haig. Yeah, man. Now, what was, let's see, the plot copy and pasted from IMDb. In the dying days of the Old West, an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue the town's doctor from a cannibalistic cave dwellers. Yes. That's a good plot, man. And I think that was kind of what made me even more uh, interested to see it because it was kind of a bit more, you know, horrory. Yes. <laughs> Because to, to make up words exactly, uh, no, but to kind of yeah, to kind of hold it seemed like it had a bit more kind of maybe supernatural kind of horror elements, so that really perked my ears up a little bit. Ah, because that's when it. I first heard about it. From looking at it, it looks like just one of these uh, like westerns that we get every few years, sort of like your remake of True Grit, your remake oh, of yeah. Three Ten to Yuma. This just looked like mm. another western, which we get every once mm. in a while. But when you read yeah, that man, plot, mm-hmm. but then when we do, it's like yeah, like a, a remake or a kind of a reimagining of something, Aye. you know, an old. Thing. So it, yeah, what was it? it? Was in Magnificent Seven we got a couple of years ago? That's it, of course. A, a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, when they come out, so for it to be like a unique, you know, Western, mm-hmm. um, and have this horror element. Yeah, yeah, and to have the horror element, to have something a bit different about it, mm-hmm. is, uh, it yeah, gives yeah, it an edge. Really exciting. So yeah, really edgy, really edgy. It wears like three quarter length jeans and like um, <laughs> a, a Levi's jumper, but you know, with the sleeves like cut and um, like a like a backwards cap and stuff like that. Really edgy and Vans with the socks pulled up as well. Really not, edgy. Really not edgy. not Vans with socks. You the Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tom, what did you think of the film? Man, I uh, I was. I get mixed mixed feelings towards it. Um, I think overall, overall, I I enjoyed it. It, it was solid, but I just think it was a, a bit uneven. Okay. For me, um, and I think it's got a lot to do with the kind of the length uh, of the film. Um, and for a film of its length, kind of not really supplying the goods throughout. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll probably go more into detail mm-hmm. with that kind of criticism on in the review that's fine because you're right the film is two hours and ten minutes long yeah man so it's like one of those things like christ okay like this is Mm. this is not a quick 90 minutes 
yeah, it can always be a bit off-putting, especially if it doesn't grab you like straight away, mm-hmm. which you know I think this one does. It can always be a bit kind of off-putting, like if something's kind of within the first 10, 15 minutes, you, think, you know, it doesn't quite grab you. You're thinking, shit, this is this is going to be a long ride, um, which I think this does feel like in parts. Um, it's got that slow, steady pace, um, which was refreshing initially. Yeah, it gives you time to really immerse yourself in the characters. Um, mm-hmm. But once it got about halfway through, for me, I really started to feel it was taking its time and went from kind of slow burn to just kind of burnt out. And mm-hmm. I had to kind of just put myself back together, kind of get back in the game <laughs> a little bit and kind of start concentrating again, like slap myself on the face you know, a couple of times and throw mm-hmm. water on me because I just felt like I was drifting off a little bit with the pace. Um, but you know what? It, it, it's kind of like a throwback Western and, and a, you know, to the classic kind of Westerns. Oh, yeah. Um, but with yeah. a bit more a kind of um you know a kind of a different edge to it but it's a very 70s kind of paced film you know something like um i don't know say rolling thunder i mean a film where nothing seems to happen for an hour and 15 minutes and then it just kind of explodes right. in the finale no it, it kind of feels like that and and that's it feels like it's not really criticism that i can kind of place on it mm-hmm. in terms of it uh, in terms kind of a negative about the film because I think it's really kind of that's what it's trying for is that kind of classic pacing and I mean it does pay off so it, it, it's hard to kind of criticise it for taking its time yeah I know, you know? totally my opinion of the film is, is like, I do quite enjoy watching this one but it is a journey you do properly feel like you're on a three day trek with this cast yeah definitely and definitely. It, it's an excellent selection of like characters to be put on a trek with because they're so different. There's, there's, it's so much like it's chalk and cheese. They're so, they're all rubbing each other up the wrong way. There's nitpicking. If I can, at times, hate one another, but they're all going for like this one goal, like just to retrieve the the doctor. Because yep. Patrick Wilson, I, I don't think we got an idea what his occupation was. We all knew that his wife was the um... town doctor, but. He was into he was into parkour, I think. He said something about him being on roofs and stuff. Aye, <laughs> clearly a learner, since he's fucking yeah. fell off the roof. Yeah. Aye, it's because more or less his occupation in this film is cripple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the benefits are there's not a lot of. Well, I mean, it's gonna be a struggle to get around, but there's a lot of lying, you know, lying down, getting cared for. I mean, it's got its perks, right? Yep. He's. he's I think he's the worst a... occupations. He's a poet as well, supposedly. I could feel it. I felt it. Like, I felt it. When she was sitting one of them to read that letter, and it cuts to him sitting reading in the room, it's like, this is not a fucking poem. It's a letter. <laughs> You're a doctor. <laughs> you should be able to tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, man. But, but, you know, saying that, it's got... The great dialogue is a, is a, is a kind of a, a big part of the film. You know, and yes. this was... The, the director, um, he, he's an author as well. Um, yes, I think primarily. He yeah. started as an author, yeah, primarily, and he's gone on to kind of become a director. And um, yeah, I could I could feel that he wrote and directed this, and I can definitely feel because the dialogue is is good. Yeah, like it's 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 kind of snappy and it, it's got a pace to it, and it's um, nothing's really wasted. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like again, every word, every line, kind of every bit of. Um, you know, dialogue, um, ex- 
expository dialogue as well. Yeah. That's just kind of moving the plot along. It just feels like necessary. It feels good. It feels well written. And this and a lot of the cast get a chance to shine with some really good kind of Hi. you know small little monologues and stuff as well, kind of here and there, which which are really good. I know, and and that again is another example of how well written it is. Like yeah. each character, you could tell it's almost like a character from a novel. Like they've kind of got each of them have yeah a, a well known backstory and. They've all got their own traits. I mean, yeah. fucking uh, Bruder, like Jack from Lost. The fact that he's this showboater and he's got killed a record number of Indians. He's dressed like a fucking pimp. And, like, it's <laughs> such a great character in contrast to, like, Chicory, who's just the simple deputy uh, backup because he's probably not too smart enough. Yeah, played by Richard Jenkins. I, I didn't even know it was Richard Jenkins until, like, the credits. Hello, pal. What's up? Oh, we got a visitor. Hi. Hiya. Do you need the toilet? That's him settled. One's asleep. You gave him whiskey, did you? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Page and Dr. Daniels. I'm pretty sure that's a, a National Lampoon Christmas joke. It is, yeah. Good mm. effort. I haven't seen that in ages. Aye, ah, it's like one of the few lines I remember from it. They're but, good, man. They're good. Hey, so we were talking about chicory, wasn't Doing, it? Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we were. You were saying was it Richard Jenkins? Yeah, man. Richard Jenkins completely kind of unrecognisable. Didn't even realise yes, him until exactly. credits. He's gonna get this kind of like. Like this kind of different accent that I'm used to, to kind of him seeing, uh, you know, in his normal talking voice, I'm, I'm used to kind of seeing that. So, and he's got like a big beard, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't recognize him at all until the, until the very end, and the credits popped up. Ah, because he was quite like a, more like a real simple character. Right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I was reading that trivia. I think Jim Broadbent as well. Apparently. Was 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 cast in that role and was mm-hmm. like playing it for a little bit, or he, he kind of he was he basically covered from for a bit and then flipped out. I can't quite remember the, what the logistics were, but I was reading about that. But yeah, it's very kind of similar to that. The kind of yeah, like soft spoken kind of mm-hmm. you know old father right. figure kind of guy. Yeah, and then of course like there's there's Kurt Russell who's just your the fucking law. That's it. Yeah, he's Sheriff Hunt is like as we said, like the leader of the posse. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And he's, he's he's great, you know, in a role because he's got that that face and that beard, mm-hmm. and he's just got that age now where he's got yes. like, perfect for. He's grown you know, into these uh, type of authority roles quite well. Definitely, yeah, and it's not something he you know he could have done maybe you know a few years ago, a couple of decades ago, but now kind of these opportunities are kind of open to him where he can play these these older kind of badass mm-hmm. roles but i think this is this is his first film since tombstone right it's the first film first western since tombstone right uh, yeah i i mean i'm trying to think i think this w- yes this must have been prior to the hateful eight because i think that's somewhat yeah, a western sorry, yes, setting yes, as well but i'm not yeah. i can't quite remember which one comes first yeah that was like last Last year, the year before, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. The year's going so fast, man. <laughs> you hit twenty, and it's all downhill from there. How long have we been talking <laughs> now? Like three days. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, that's it. <laughs> um, no, the thing with Kurt Russell's character, we get to get 
we get a great look of, of like how he he does business when he goes to like the local tavern to deal with David Arquette. Yeah, man. I mean, let's talk for a second that introduction. Just the first sound you hear in this film is the sound of someone's throat being sawn open. Yeah. Right away, it's, like... It's a little taste of kind of what's to come, isn't it? Yes. You know, the kind of the, the, the brutality that, that we kind of see. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it, as I said before, it takes a little time to warm up, but then kind of when it, once it gets going, um, yeah, it's really kind of in full force and a lot of cringe-inducing moments. I think yes. it's the first film to make me actually feel uncomfortable for you know mm-hmm. in, a, in a long time i know because that's it who would expect a like former wcw world heavyweight champion david arquette to be cutting throats and stealing handbags <laughs> <laughs> you know obviously that role he's, he's most famous for is. uh yeah uh, I, think, I think he was in <laughs> scream as well but like that time he pinned Dallas Page. I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember. All I remember is his wrestling career, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Everything I've learned is from movies and wrestling. Definitely. My favourite wrestler of all time is Robocop. <laughs> so, like when he did that. Um... When he tagged with Sting, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> when he, I mean, you know, that was incredibly an incredible career, right? You know, it was, it was good to see. Back to Bone Tomahawk, I like how the Doctor knows it's the Sheriff's thing to shoot people in the legs. Like, this is his yeah. trademark. Trademark, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really... It's calling card. I know, it's more or less that dick move it triggered all of this off. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's because of his actions in the beginning. Um... Yeah, because, I mean, I, I still didn't quite make sure what the connection was. Oh, no, they did, yeah. Hi, by the end of it, when they went back across yeah, sort of the burial site. And I think... Yeah, it all kind of connects in the end. Yeah, of course. Aye, if they didn't disturb so, yeah, that site. That, doing that, yeah, doing that and kind of it sets off this, this motion of events uh, from there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. which culminate in it kind of all, yeah, becoming clear that it's kind of all wrapped up. Um Aye. It, but the best films are like that, right? It's kind of a simple thing that happens, and then it uh, it all kind of goes Full south circle. very quickly from there. Aye. I did like the moment um, early on when it was like the day after when they realised the doctor's gone, the deputy's gone, and David Arquette's went missing. And they all said, right, we need to, let's just meet at the bar. We'll figure this out. You've also had like the, the poor stable boy get fucking what was it throat slit an arrow through the head it looked like he was missing an eyeball and his intestines were all out yeah I don't think he was getting back up after that they they do quite like that shot where you just see from the back of the head and the fucking arrow piercing through yeah they they quite enjoyed that shot the effects are really good in this yeah Mm. I think there's like a little bit of CGI but like a tiny bit but Ah, you wouldn't have thought it's not really noticeable yeah it's not really Mm. noticeable at all Alright, so when they're all meeting at the bar, is that they're all trying to get you know, of course you've got like the the sheriff, his backup deputy, you've got um oh, Patrick Wilson's character was cried Arthur, wasn't he? So he's there because he his wife's not yeah. showed up, so he's fucking livid. And then Bruder shows up because he feels somewhat responsible. And then you've got like the mayor and his wife. They show up. And I love how everyone just talks to the mayor through his wife because it's clear that she runs the show, not him. 
Yeah, played by Sean, Sean Young. She just pops up for like a minute or something as well, mm-hmm. like in that role. So th- this film really has a great cast, like even kind of in the smaller roles. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. great character actors. And uh, even one of the fucking gags at the start made me laugh uh, when they were in the bar on that first night and you had Bruder go over to the the the, the pianist saying, right, uh, why why is this like pricing scheme so wrong? Like, it's it's a twenty five for one, fifty for two, and then it it it's a pound for three. That doesn't make sense. It should get cheaper. It says no. I get I get tired the longer I play, so that's why I charge extra. <laughs> uh, man, did you notice that was James Tolkien as well from um, Back to the Future? No, I never noticed. Principal, yeah, Principal Strickland. Ah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was. I was like, is that him? And then yeah, check the check the credits. I was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that wee bonus where he pays him like the twenty five cents, and he turns the card around. Minimum one drink. <laughs> yeah. His fucking start and fee. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, like really good little moments, and I think that's the, the beginning bit. Like you saying about that, it feels almost like a play. The beginning parts do, like the build up, because it's quite. It's introducing kind of all cast. the characters. Yeah, in small cast in these kind of great roles that all get these really nice little moments to shine. Um, and it just takes its time and you kind of get a sense of, um, like a sense of kind of the, like the little town and kind of the houses that the characters, you know, live in and the bar and then the jail. And it's all kind of, yeah, this kind of like small set and it seems very intimate. It's yeah. a good way of set, setting up, you know, the characters and kind of, yeah, obviously the, the mission ahead. Mm-hmm. And... We could talk about that now. Like, obviously, a large chunk yeah, of this film is the the three day hike from yeah. from their town to the the fucking the, the mountain or the hill where the the troglodytes live. Mm. And of course, like that's a, this is the largest part of the film because it's just them walking or they're on horses, and it's just where yeah. we get to see more of their characters. Uh, is there any particular parts in amongst that? part of the film that you quite enjoyed yeah i, th- I think like i said was probably like my least favorite part of the film mm-hmm. was 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 that part but again like I, I can't really it's 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 difficult to kind of have it as um you know actual for, for me to kind of have actual criticism over criticism over it because it seems like maybe that's what the director was going for to kind mm-hmm. of have this really slow burn where you kind of feel a bit exhausted and you feel a bit kind of bored with it because you're trying to feel um, what the characters are, and, you know, particularly with Patrick Wilson's character, like obviously every Aye. second for him is kind of him struggling. Very difficult, yeah. Every because he's difficult because he's again he's he's got you know a, a, a broken leg or like a, a hurt mm-hmm. leg that's kind of that's that's slowing him down, and also his wife's been kidnapped. So for kind of every second for him must be agony, and it's like you know the more I think about it at the time that it was it was a difficult section to get through yeah. of the film. But the more I think about it, the more I think that, you know, the director, maybe that's what he was going for. You feel it, really. You feel that kind of slowdown that you want to mm. get there. You want to kind of, you want to see the kind of, uh, the finale, really. You, you, you want to see the culmination of these guys' journey. Yeah, the um, effort, exactly. Yeah, the effort to kind of get there and to kind of see what's happened. And it, again, it, it's keeping those questions open that, you know, is his wife dead? Um, is she alive? Uh, is the um, the other fella um, was it the deputy? Yeah, no, the, deputy, the other Aye. guy. You know, is 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 he alive? And uh, you you don't quite know. And who are these who are these guys that have you know that that have kidnapped them? So mm-hmm. 
I think, yeah, you know, in kind of hindsight, it actually works for the film. Although I do think that the beginning bit's great because there's a lot of great dialogue and, and there's a lot of great cags set up. And then obviously the last bit's great because it turns kind of a lot more kind of horrific and, and action-y. But yes. that middle bit's good and there's still some good dialogue. There's still some good, like, comedic moments. Aye, I and, love you know, the, the wee clashes bits. between, like, uh, Bruder and Chicory. Like, when there's, like, over the good. argument of shooting the Mexicans... Yeah, good chemistry as well between the cast as well. I really got mm-hmm. like um, a lot of uh, like wild bunch kind of motifs of of the four men on a mission. Yeah. You know, all kind of very different. Um, you know, all kind of bantering and bickering, mm-hmm. and but they're all in it for like the same goal. Aye. So I got a lot of that. Like I got a lot of that feeling, and that was kind of you know in- enjoyable. And I got to say, like the lack of um, soundtrack. Yes. Really works for this film because you think most or a film uh, you know of this ilk would probably kind of ape a morricone score or something exactly to give it that kind of classic feel but mm-hmm. this film it doesn't i think there's music played like twice uh, and, and that's and it's really just the kind of and i think it's really just the kind of yeah like like speed i wouldn't say speed up but like some of the bits where there's kind of a bit of motion and stuff there's a little bit of music there it's nice mm-hmm. a little bit of score and in the slower moments it's kind of completely silent and it almost makes the ending and and the way they get to a bit more unnerving and a bit more uncomfortable because it's so silent. Like it doesn't go for that dramatic mm-hmm. score. It's like very silent and very still. So that when the the big moments hit, they really kind of hit. And I said that I gotta say this: the sound design is 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 incredible oh. on it as well. Like really Aye. well done. I like, mean, really well done. Like again, when it, when it shows up, it's great and it's not overdone. Mm-hmm. Ah, they must have had a fucking field day mixing this film. Like you yeah, hear man. every fucking crunch, every fucking bloody squelch, every chew, like from the sounds <laughs> of fucking arrows, throats being slit, and or them fucking eating pork and beans. You hear it all. <laughs> it's true, mate. It's true, and I, I think it it does. It helps the film, and it obviously creates that kind of that atmosphere and that desolation as well, mm-hmm. which is when obviously when they're going through the kind of like the, the really massive land landscapes and the kind of the mountains and, and, uh, you know, these kind of big valleys again, like a lot of the sound design is, is, is basically revolving around the men and kind of mm-hmm. what they're doing. So again, it feels like I don't know what's out there. Like apart from these kind of ominous, um, you know, kind of screeching, kind of howling that they, I know. they hear every now and, and again. And then a lot of the back end, you don't really hear a lot else of what's going on, so it really kind of makes it confined and, and very isolated. Um, you know, during that middle part as well, especially. Mm-hmm. Now, the part, like, obviously where it really picks up is when they get to the, the base of, like, the troglodytes. Like, I guess it's like a mountain camp or the cave yeah. that they're based in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you have Bruder doing that thing, right, I'll go ahead. And when it's safe, I'll chuck you as the rock. And then just, for you think, it's safe. And then you just see the fucking flurry of arrows. Coming down, yeah. Like uh, raining, and it's, raining it's, kind of. Every one of them, like, a chicory takes one to, like, I think they took the hat off his head. Uh, yeah, and he yeah. gets like really that. Good. I that scene's really good as well because it's just silent and then it's just like snap. Like the the the, the violence and the action Aye. just kind of snaps. So you no see, kind of, fucking... there's no real kind of build up of it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of there. Aye, it's almost like a jump scare. Like it's just boom, yeah, violence. Yeah. And 
Yeah, and and that's why it leans towards those kind of horrific, kind of horror film kind of elements towards mm-hmm. the back end. Like it's, it's definitely has a lot of that. It's not just your kind of typical, you know, actiony stuff. It's very mm-hmm. kind of like horrific and, and brutal. Aye, and like that match, like the, just the sounds of them firing guns because it doesn't happen often. But every time they fucking fire a pistol, it's loud, and it's yeah. obviously yeah. them fighting off this ambush with the troglodytes. And they managed to wipe it too, but it's Bruder when he's reaching, I think, for a pistol, and his arm gets shattered. That yeah, that yeah, is yeah. horrible to watch. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's like that. It's that that bit like that's the first little glimpse you get of kind of how how brutal it's going to get, and then it's just like yes. down downhill from there. <laughs> Aye, and you just see him like obviously his words was that I don't want to live as a cripple. Like, you couldn't bear the thought. Why not? So. We discussed this in the beginning. It's a great deal. We discussed this in the beginning. Come on. I know. Is it? Nah. Stick a dynamite and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's funny how like the the story just moves on. Like it just leaves him there. We don't get to see his exit. You just hear the. Mm. I think it was just an explosion, wasn't it? Yeah. I. Oh no no no. He was actually. No, I, no, that's, I take yeah, that back. You do get to see his exit. Because yeah, yeah. he sat there waiting, and then, of course, one of the cave dwellers comes flying out of the bushes after all. Oh, it's because he presses, like, the the ad, ad, the, the, the word I can't say, the chest of one of the cave dwellers to make the whistling sounds. Yeah, yeah. And that attracts one of them from the bushes. Now. And then it's, yeah. Now that's, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I mean... That's kind of like, it's oh. some macho shit, right? Sorry, I've got another child now. One Sorry, second. Man. Go on. He didn't, yeah, he didn't, he doesn't die. You don't hear the explosion. No, he no, because yeah, they yeah, get yeah, to him yeah. first. That whole last part, when they get fucking dragged up to the cave, is, it's tense, isn't it? You're like, yeah. fuck, because it's, you're, it's not the best not, well, you, just by age alone, like not the best players here, because Patrick Wilson <laughs> and Matthew Fox, you think, right, these are like, let's just say the alphas, they're the ones you expect to do well in a situation. <laughs> now we're left with, uh, you've got Chicory, who's no the full shilling, and then you've got like Sheriff Hunt, who's who's had a few bashes, Fuck, they stuck one of those bone tomahawks in his mouth. And smacked him across the head, and was like Christ. Yeah, man, it's good. It's a good, like dramatically, it's a great place for the characters because, like, yeah, they're both been battered. Um, they're both a little scrap. They both have seen, we're about to see, mm-hmm. you know, what happens or what's going to happen to them. So, yeah, it's a really good, like, dramatically, a really good place to be. But that, the last forty-five minutes for me is like some of the best cinema I've seen all year, mm-hmm. like easily. Like, I know. It just goes. It goes to like another, another place. Like you know that after that build up, it just kind of goes into you know where everything's kind of happening, and it's just it's the, the actual the, the tension, the drama, and then the actual mm-hmm. kind of interaction between the characters and 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 the bad guys is yeah, it's incredible. Right, and even the 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 fucking design of like the cave dwellers. Like yeah, the oh fact. yeah, they're weird, man. It's good. Like, they're odd. Like, they look like kind of 
they don't look like human, which I think is, is, is it gives it more threat. They look kind of like monstrous. Uh, so, what, like orc-like features with like the tusks. Yeah, dude. And even like the whole uh, whistling, like the the holes or the bones that their windpipes, like by the time where Patrick Wilson catches up and he manages to dislodge like a bone from one of their windpipes and starts using it as a whistle. You're thinking, what, what the fuck is this? They look like some smacked out dusty avatars, don't they? They look <laughs> really, yes, <laughs> really menacing. So I think that just adds, adds to it, adds the tension mm-hmm. um, on the back end. And even you could only really describe like the main one as like a, a fucking a final boss that looks like something that's fallen <laughs> out of a, a knockoff Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does, it does, it does, because they kind of get. They get to the end and they're, they're talking about kind of how many there's going to be, and then there's some of them that you know, there's a couple of them that look like huge, and there's a couple of the minions that are kind of working yes. like the kind of outside you know area. So mm-hmm. it is, it's like it's kind of like a final location to like fight a boss. I remember um, but it really when watching it for the first time, like because obviously when they, they meet the doctor and she tells them there's say 12 left, and it almost becomes like a counting game. Because mm, we're thinking, yeah. right, we took out so many, and we've got this lot here. Okay, I guess we need to just wait on Arthur. And she's like, yes, wait on the guy that's crippled, who's walked for three days. Let him kill 12 jacked-up cave dwellers. What's the, like, <laughs> that's easy, isn't it? And like, oh, fuck, okay. But the whole wee uh-huh. twist with the, the opium was a nice turn of events. Yeah, it's really, it's really like smartly written the back end, and they they don't just use kind of brute force. Like as they were saying earlier, like they're kind of smarter than them, so they should use exactly. their smarts to kind of overcome them. Which it does. That does happen. It does kind of culminate in that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, in, uh, the bigger picture though is it's like kind of a film about faith, really, isn't it? As well, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about kind of uh, talk of. I mean, there's a lot of Christian kind of you know, symbols and yes. the cross comes up a few times mm-hmm. and, it, you know, about keeping your faith and kind of having faith. And I, I think that's, that gives it kind of a, you know, a nice, uh, you know, an interesting kind of edge, edge to proceedings. Aye. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you, you're right though, dude, you're right. Like it's, it's, it's really interesting to set up for a dramatic, you know, dramatic, as tense as possible kind of finale because yeah. you don't quite know what's going on. Like, you, oh, roughly there's a few of them, but you don't quite know where they are and, you know, you haven't seen them all. So it's good. It doesn't show everything. It kind of plays it very sneaky, and mm-hmm. I think that, that works really well. And probably one of the most um, gory moments of the film is is the execution of, of the deputy Nick. Man. Absolute Aye. filth. Like that was the moment I was kind of alluding to in terms of being uncomfortable. Yes. Like it really, it really fucked with me. Like I was like sweating and shit. Like I was really. <laughs> I mean, I don't know well, whether it was cocaine or whether. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, man, I was, I was, yeah, I was. I think it's once it gets to those, you know, male bits that we're all quite fond of, mm-hmm. then you start to kind of get that feeling in your stomach where. <laughs> Aye, I mean, even with the, right, bad enough that they scalp them, but it's a western, you kind of expect it worse, okay, a scalping's probably standard, but then when they turn them around, it's like, okay, this is, oh god, no, god, no, no, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, best, best scalping since uh, Inglorious Bastards, probably. <laughs> it, it, you know, really kind of just just potent man, like really oh, kind of. Uh, again, the, the lack of kind of soundtrack and kind of the situation dramatically that they're in really kind of hits it home. No, kind of, just a it, proper it's low budget horror feel to it. Whereas it's right, we're not just going to hide it. We're just going to show you. Yeah, it's like, this is what's happened. And violence, yeah, they, yeah, man. It's kind of almost you know, violence these days. It's like it's. It, I don't know. I can't quite explain it. it. It's kind of like maybe it's too much or it's too cartoonish or mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't quite, can't quite put my finger on it. Or maybe stuff's alluded to rather than seen. But this like just shows you from A to Z. You know how to kill a man, like in the horriblest way possible, <laughs> and that's why it's kind of, you know, it feels so tense and so brutal. Mm-hmm. And then the cut, like they give you some levity uh, in the very next scene. You just see like the main boss cave dweller just sitting non on the leg of the man they've just killed, like it's just like a turkey. Just like, I'm a bit bored of this now. I'm going for a walk. You're just thinking, <laughs> what have we seen? <laughs> it's slightly traumatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, man. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't exactly, you know, see this with uh, your missus or. Uh, you know, it's not date, date night material. Romantic kind of intentions with it. It's not like, you know, when the guy starts nibbling on the dude's leg, you don't start yawning and putting your arm around, you know, <laughs> like your friend. It, it's, it's not really, really that. Yes, yeah, not the best time to make the moves. No, no. But if you're looking for, you know, really kind of dramatic and and bloody and well executed violence that really works and is really potent, then you know, the, I think it's served up right here. Mm-hmm. And in amongst like all that real intense violence and horrific scenes, some of the dialogue between the characters is surprisingly like. Um... I think kind of heartfelt or emotional is the right term, but when Sheriff Hunt is trying to comfort Nick because he's been executed by just saying, the cavalry's on the way, don't worry, we're, mm. the fuck are here, they're going to get their just desserts, don't worry, pal. And you have Chicory questioning them like 10 minutes later going, mm. is is there actually a cavalry on the way? He says, oh, no, no, I just... And he, he explains it to him just saying, we're just trying to make him feel better in this situation. yeah. And yeah, it's it's emotional. Like I, it really does it does amp everything up. Like I think everything up kind of by by ten. Like the emotion and the drama, and yeah, it does get some really like Richard Jenkins gets a really nice little monologue as well. Oh um, yeah, but the the fleas, you know, really good. Yeah, like really good. Like just kind of unexpected and and Aye. really kind of like a brave kind of um, filmmaking decision to kind of have a situation like that and it's kind of the back end and you're expecting things to move but it kind of stops and slows down for this oh, little yeah. this kind of monologue it's, it's really like interesting and unexpected and kind of highly yeah, highly emotional and it really like it really seals the deal of them having a, a great chemistry and a mm-hmm. you know a kind of real a realistic you know bond between between uh, you know Kurt Ross's character and and, and and Chicory, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. when he tells that story, and he's, he's never, it's something about, he could never tell if they were fake or not, and just to have the doctor confirm it for him, say, oh, no, no, I've heard they're fake, but the one you talked about, they're definitely real. And just to <laughs> see how happy it made him, 
And yeah, just... it's, it's comedic, but it's also very... It's comforting, it's like, almost. It's comforting, yeah, it's comedic, but it's kind of comforting. It doesn't feel out of place. Like, it is it is kind of funny. It's like a funny story, but it's, it's kind of... It's place in the film is Because he does have, well, like, a, well a proper cooked. childlike perspective at times. Yeah it's, yeah, it's true, it's true. Yeah, he's got, like, he's an old guy, and, and I think he's he got, obviously, got a lot of wisdom, and, and he's kind of like the, the father of the group a little bit. But, yeah, you get, you tell there's almost like this kind of childlike um childlike kind of wonder to him throughout the mm-hmm. film which is uh, which is really good but yeah it just goes to show i think that it really helps having great actors um in those roles because it really like makes the dialogue kind of stick out and and, and shine right. and i mean there's no much left after that other than just the ending so mm. how do you think it went down were you happy with the ending that you got I, I, I liked it, yeah. I like endings that kind of, um, you know, that do that. I remember as, as, as a kid, I used to hate endings that do that. You know, that don't, it's not a happy ending. It's not like mm-hmm. everyone's back home and, and they're safe. And, you know, you mm-hmm. know uh, the romance was, was kind of even more, you know, intense and lovely than before. And, and mm-hmm. the doctors found a new wife and, uh, you know, Kurt Russell was just sleeping and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then I think the more you get older, I think you, you kind of appreciate like films that have got the balls to kind of just stop. Like when yeah. it feels the need to stop, it uh, doesn't really, you know, filmmaker doesn't kind of, you know, feel the need to kind of wrap it up in a certain way. It just kind of stops where, you know, where they feel is, it's kind of the right place. And I think this film kind of does that, mm-hmm. which, which, which I really respect. Uh, yeah. I really dig films that do that. Like, this will be one of the only parts I spoil, but oh, thank fuck, Chickory lives. Like, <laughs> we are, you, you were going to cry, weren't you? You were going like, to get a bit emotional. I was so emotionally oh, invested in this character, this emotional. poor, yeah. simple fool, and for him to go through the like the worst type of characters and come out alive at the end of it, I was like, oh, thank God. I just <laughs> felt with the way that the film was, like, like anybody could have died, yes. and it, and it would have felt like normal it would have felt kind of organic to the film but because it, it it doesn't mess around with kind of you know dramatically and, and kind of with the lives of the characters it doesn't mess around mm-hmm. you know like, it's very matthew cool. fox came across as like a superhero and then he's like one yeah. of the first ones to fucking bite the dust and like oh shit yeah, it flips it you know a Aye. little bit and i think that the film's happy doing that kind of playing with certain tropes and stuff because it's kind of it's bordering on like kind of an acid western because i think the first half sticks to more traditional tropes but yeah later on the narrative flips that kind of heroic classic storytelling in favor of something a bit more nice um mm-hmm. you know i think the film's happy to kind of flip what your you know expectations of certain characters and certain events are so it's definitely it, it, it's a hybrid for sure yeah. and i think it might put off some people and but i think it's definitely worth you know sticking with um for the back end aye it, it's like one of those films where it's like man this is something i'd recommend to my dad yeah <laughs> like that can watch a good film yeah it's got that kind of classic you know that classic feel to it um, aye. but with a kind of again like we said that kind of slight that slight little twist to it and it looks beautiful as well cinematography oh aye. Just... The, the landscapes is fucking something else uh, right i think they filmed in like arizona or something um, mm-hmm. i was reading it it just looked it just looks gorgeous, yeah. Like cinematography is great, and like the night scenes and the day scenes, and it all comes together. And yeah, I mean, it always looks looks really, really good. It looks authentic as well, mm-hmm. like always. 
you know, always kind of too the authentic to the time period. Um, fuck my Hank, that that is me tapped out with my notes. I have read through everything. I mean, other than you just tapped out like David Arquette's opponent. <laughs> no, I think that person was totally knocked out. Coyote. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Does this film have any rewatchability to you? Would you think you'd revisit this film soon again? I, I definitely, man. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like it could be one of those ones where it could be a bit more of a better watch because you kind of know what you're getting in for. Or maybe, or maybe totally. it might work against it. I don't know. But it might be one of those because you kind of know, you know, the kind of qualities there and you know the kind of, um, you know, everything's there in terms of all aspects of filmmaking is there. Then definitely, mm-hmm. um, I definitely want kind of push on people um you know maybe you know who who are into westerns and kind of haven't seen a good one in a long time i think you'd be definitely one to, to, yeah. to push on to people definitely but I, again part of what's good is that it is surprising in the way that it kind of blends genres so yes it's definitely you know, and i think it's it it's it's solid and it's got real flashes of, of brilliance there but the unevenness kind of might go against it a little bit but mm-hmm. you know as i said before it's not a you know a, a very kind of potent bit of criticism when it might be really kind of what the filmmaker or the director was after with that you know very very slow slow kind of middle section that's uh, slow burn. yeah yeah that's uh that's about it for me mate yeah i think i i've kind of have, having a look now um yeah no man, that's 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 me. That's me. That's me. That's me done. Thought I'd double check, but yeah, that's all that's right, about it, buddy. For me. Uh, on that note, obviously, thank you for your time this evening. Anytime, my man. Anytime. Been a blast as per usual. Okay, I guess back to Stuart in the studio. What the fuck I tell you about talking, huh? I'll bust you in the mouth right in front of these people. I don't give a fuck. Now, Mike. No, then of course, the same year, I done the hateful eight. As John the Hangman Ruth for Quentin Tarantino. That is being covered on episode 162. That I think like, we covered that towards the end of last year. Yes, I think like that month where we were just reviewing what we wanted yeah. to talk about. So I'm not sure if we were doing it, if it was a Twitter poll at the time. Yeah, I, but I was remember. thinking, I think if they overrode <coughs> the decision just to talk about that film. <coughs> ah, who knows? But yes. Yeah. You could hear our thoughts on it. It is still highly one of my favourite films. Yeah, it's on Netflix as well, which is a, a bonus. I think I'm three quarters the way through the th- it. The, th- the thing is, is it's so criminal that Tarantino's releases on like Blu-ray do not get enough special features. Yeah, I is definitely. Like, there's only like one or two on the Hateful Eight. It's like it's the, just it's, it's the whole talk on like seventy millimeter. Yep, and then a half-hearted making off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like for that, to get, like the sort of treatment that these John Carpenter uh, Studio Canal 4K editions that are coming out, like special features that those are getting is stuff that I wish things like the Hateful Eight would get. Yeah. But uh, 2016, you got Deep Water Horizon, and of course he was Mr. Jimmy again. I was like another true story. Yeah. From what's the director's name? Peter Berg. Peter Berg, and amongst his sort of like. I guess true film. I was gonna say trilogy, but I think he's still making more. Yeah, he's done. He's 
done a lot with Mark Wahlberg. Lone Survivor, Patriots Day. Yeah, that Mile 22 is a new one that's yes. just come out. Aye. A, a lot of people are saying it's not very good. I was, it, it does look wildly different from what we've gotten from him. Yeah. So, but... I'll, but, I'll watch it anyway. It looks like it's got a decent cast to yeah. him, Ronda, well, Mark Wahlberg, Ronda Rousey, um, Lassie the, for The Walking Dead. Yeah, and, and the guy from Yuko, The Raid. Ah, the yeah. dude for The Raid. And that, the fucking good for him to get, like, that's a big uh, role. So I quite liked Deep Water Horizon. Yeah, I thought I, it was really good. I, I did quite enjoy it myself. It um, wasn't overly long. It was like an hour and forty-five, which yeah. is like for a disaster film. It's pretty good. They usually quite. They usually milk it. And I mean, I, I'm torn between his role in this and the fucking John Markovich's role in the film. Is like who steals it because John Markovich's character is really good. Yeah, he he plays, he plays like the BP like fucking like one of the head guys with BP. Aye. Aye. The only two things I remember about Deepwater Horizon is like sort of like. The, when the explosion happens and, and you've got Kurt Russell being the shower. knocked out the shower and fucking doing a hallway buck ass naked and then yeah. you've got Mark Wahlberg getting scalped in the pus by a door yeah and that takes us to 2017 where obviously we said Fate of the Furious where he plays yeah. Mr. Nobody and then again he's one of the biggest roles he's had in recent years is the role of Eagle the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yeah now that was an interesting what I found was really interesting about that film was the opening, the opening scenes. Ah, for the de-aged. Yes. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Now, supposedly there was not a lot of CGI involved in that. Supposedly it was a lot of uh, makeup and prosthetics to m- uh, to de-age him. But wouldn't surprise me to be honest. Because the thing is, obviously the Marvel are famous for de-aging people in their movies. Because you had, I think, at the more rickety stages. Ant-Man is a good example of when they de-aged um, Michael Douglas. Yeah. And it's started that film, that looked a little rough around the edges. And then you had a de-aged Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. Yeah. And that looked really good. But and now you're going to be getting de-aged Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel. Exactly. Good point. Because it was the same when you had uh, Rogue One, which I think now famously you still haven't seen, but they had de-aged... Uh, well, no, they didn't de-age. De-aged Carrie Fisher. Alright, did they? Kind of. Not really. But <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, that's not de-aged, that's bring back for the dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes. Kurt Russell was fucking brilliant in Guys of the Galaxy. Yeah, I've, I've only watched it once and I really want to go watch it again. I thought his role as Ego was pretty good. And uh, I mean, like, like you kind of knew as the film was going on that it was going to be him that was going to be Aye, like the reason for all of the things that was happening. No, it was good. He's revealed to be that, but for the start when they kind of openly say, "I'm your Peter," and then the next thing you know, he's like, and "See the thing is that if they kept out the trailer, I would have been fucking blown away by that." Aye, but they openly said like, "I take in." It's like they just wanted to tell me for the beginning. Yeah, because it's I think there's so marketing. much speculation. It's marketing. Aye, it's... because it was always like the big question of who was his father at the end of the first film, like. We knew his mother, and the kid, he had some sort of connection. Like the only reason he survived at the end of the first film is because he's half human, half something Aye, else. Aye. Aye. So they thought there's more to this man, and then when they cast Kurt Russell in the movie, obviously, like that has to be his dad. That has to be his dad. But I always loved his wee rant when he meets or when they talk about Michael Rooker's character. 
Oh, um, Zondu. Yondu. Yondu, uh, aye. And he, he's like, son of a bitch. Like, just that classic Kurt Russell swearing. Aye, I do love, like, the whole conflict towards the end. It's the, the fucking scene where he says, he talks about he had to give his humour. Yeah. And it's just like, we just talked something, he just fucking... Aye, it, it's It takes a dark turn. He plays a right bastard by the end of it. And now we're just waiting for more Kurt Russell. I know. Because this year is the Netflix movie, The Christmas Chronicles, where he's playing Santa Claus. He's got that stage in his career where he could play Santa. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, not bad Santa, but, you know. <laughs> well, who knows? We don't know what The Christmas Chronicles is about. There's no, there's not been any trailers yet, but yeah. we're in late September, so we should be seeing stuff like that soon. Then he is in uh, Crypto, which is... A, I've seen a teaser trailer, and it is... I don't know if it is all about Bitcoin, but it's to do with like cryptocurrency online. Oh, right. So it's something to do about the dark side of that. Yeah. I don't think he's not the lead in it, but there's other folk. I don't know if Chris Hemsworth's in there, maybe, but uh. not too sure. And then, of course, famously, we have currently in production uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, but that's going to be a bit of a shaky one, and it's going to be probably going to have to be recast in Burt Reynolds. Yes, aye. Now, also, what we mentioned famously, that like he never got a chance to film any of his scenes. Yeah. So I reckon who's going to fill the boots of old Bert? Yeah, because he's already got Al Pacino in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think. I've always feel like Christopher Plummer's the man to, to fill a role <laughs> nowadays. But, but aye, that is, that is the fucking filmography of Kurt Russell. Yeah, that is a lot of fucking Kwanzaa. Yes, so... Currently, this episode, unedited, is now sitting at uh, 2 hours, 26 minutes. Ah. That is excluding all of the additional reviews. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, well, my ass is numb. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably going to be about 4, 4 or 5 hours. Aye, because... Uh, well, you're going to have to splice in all the wee sound eight, bites aye. as well. Because I think... Two reviews that I've so far are forty-five minutes, and one is thirty minutes. So, well, there's two hours there. Exactly. So that I we're four and a half, and then I've got two more reviews to record. Yeah. We're looking for so at least a uh, at least a five-hour podcast on the bridge of six. Yeah. There's a good chance this might have to be split into two files uh, because I'm not sure how much. Yeah. Like whole like web servers yeah. or. Or time like running times, fucking episodes could have. Yeah. But famously, we did do a audio commentary. Me and Andy done a live commentary to WrestleMania one year. That was in that, about six hours. That was a six going on seven hour recording. So and that worked fine. So we should be fine. But I mean, now this is time to wrap up the show. Yep. Uh, we can reveal that the next episode of the Films and Swear Movie Podcast, episode two hundred and one. Man, back at the bottom. Uh, 201 will be the start of our October Halloween... Uh, well, our October's slasher sequel season. Yeah. So, yes, this is Mike's uh, sort of brainchild of a season. And we will be going with Psycho 2. Yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th Part 4. Yep. Scream 4. Yep. And... As a little Patreon bonus and a Patreon exclusive episode, Halloween 2018. Yeah, that'll be a spoiler free episode. Yes, I will probably. Well, we could do it like we could 
Yeah. Do our spoiler-free review and then like sort of once the episode's finished and then have like a wee spoiler fest where we can just talk about all the best bits. Like, yeah. All the proper spoiler bits. And yeah. And surprisingly, it. I've still no fucking seen trailer two. That's it. Well, trailer three because two got released. Right, aye. And I guess because I've kind of been busy with work. Oh, that's it. And but the novelty's worn off me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Michelle was tagging me every day in the same video trying <laughs> to get me to fucking watch it and I was like nope not today bitch <laughs> so I ideally we would be seeing it the day it came out but yeah. the fact that we've got tickets to go see John Carpenter to meet John Carpenter that day is a good excuse not to go see it but yeah I'm really hoping he does play I'm hoping he plays the score and I'm hoping that he doesn't he like, it'd be montage. I imagine there will be, but hopefully it's only stuff like reused trailer footage. Yeah. They will be the five films we cover in our our horror season for October. Yeah. If I was a smart man, I should have organised, like, a fortnight's break after doing this Kurt know. Russell season, but fuck it. We'll, we'll get there. That's what Christmas is for. Yeah. So, social media, you can find us on Patreon. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at FAS Podcast. It's come up for October, so our annual hosting fees are coming up soon. So feel free to subscribe to Films and Swearing on Patreon or buy more shit on Amazon via filmsandswearing.com. For putting that last additional wee advert there because it is, we bought our hosting fees like 10 years ago on a Halloween sale. That was like, something like, it was something like sixty six percent off. Mm. So we bought it then, and that's what our fees have been every year since then. So it always reminds me when it comes up for Halloween, that's the time we need to fucking renew the host fees for podcast on fire and films yeah. and swearing. So yes, uh, that is the time where I will be holding my hat, looking for that money. So <laughs> Patreon dot com forward slash. Bet the only reason you want that money is to buy these four K editions. <laughs> that's. Yes, that that and keep our website up and running. But yeah. yes, so filmsandswearing.com to your Amazon shopping for there. Patreon.com for forward slash FAS podcast. And of course, if you subscribe, you will then get access to that Halloween exclusive podcast. Now, shout outs. We have a plenty. Paul Loudon for the artwork. We've seen proof of our new season that we've got planned in January and his artwork is superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Lopan for our regular theme music that you saw at the start of the episode. Thanks. Oh, I've not even written it down. To that guy on Fiverr that done our Sam Elliott narration. I apologise for not saying oh, your name. Oh, like... uh, Oh, no, no, that dude. We, oh, yeah. Um, the, the dude doing Sam Elliott imperson- uh, impersonation. I have neglected to type his name in my notes. Uh... Sorry, dude, but you got paid. So you've got what you want to do with this. And special thanks to Noir Guitar Superstar for composing our Lebowski-style opening theme music. And it is fucking spot on without breaching any copyright. It is close as it can get to Tumbling Tumbleweeds. So thank you very much for that. Uh, you could use his name, uh, Noir Guitar Superstar, to find him on Reddit. And if you add at gmail.com, you could contact him on email if you have any little music projects you want to contact him about. So it's that time of the night, Mike, where we have to put a cap on episode 200. I know. I know. Just, I mean, I, I'm kind of dis- disheartened that you didn't like, thank Kurt 
Yes, I special thanks to Kurt Russell for making all those fucking films. That those countless hours of entertainment will be continuing to line his pockets for many years to come. Yeah. Because there's always gonna be mere special editions. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. yeah. But Okay. <sighs> um, so that's us. I think there's actually sweet fuck all else we've got to say mm. but I'm determined that we'll go out on a laugh so if I only had a sound clip of just fucking Donald Pleasant screaming you are the Duke <laughs> 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 okay there we go. we've laughed it's now time to queue up Sam Elliott for our Lebowski style exit well it was a pretty good episode don't you think made me laugh to beat the band. Say, friend, do they have to use so many cuss words? The boys will just have to remember what old Jack Burton always said in a time like this. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check's in the mail. <laughs> ah, they make me horse laugh. Ah, look at me. I'm rambling again. Ladies, gentlemen, loyal listener, fuck off and tune in next week.